Sugar Sugar by the Archies from 1969. Some of you don't know this, but this song was actually first appearing in a cartoon, the Archie and Jughead cartoon, whatever that show was called back in 1969. That's where this song originated, and then it eventually made it into the top 40 and became a number one hit. So the Archies is actually referring to the cartoon characters in that show, Archie, Jughead, uh, Veronica, etc., you can actually find the little music video they made in 1969 for that show if you go on YouTube and type in Sugar Sugar the Archies. This was also one of the most distributed records ever because it was given away for free on the back of, uh, I think, Sugar Crisp cereal at the time in 1969. Anyway, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am... Todd Dan Druff would tell us this is the Druff and Drexel show. We usually do this every Wednesday night at approximately 7.30 p.m. until whatever time we feel like quitting. Recently, we have been all over the place with our schedule, but tonight, here we are, and we didn't even start that late. Right now, as I'm speaking, it is 7.40 p.m. Pacific time on August 24th, 2016. 
So I almost started on time, just a few minutes late. And, of course, since we have started near on time on our regular schedule, we have a free roll. And because we've barely had any free rolls this summer because of the schedule jumping around, I've decided this will be a bigger free roll than usual. This will be a $138 free roll, which takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It's a cash free roll, for those of you that don't know. And what I mean by a cash free roll is that you get paid in cash. You actually get paid real cash, not poker room chips. The prizes are as follows. $70 for first place. 35 for second, 17 for third, 10 for fourth, 6 for fifth. 70, 35, 17, 10, and 6 are the five prizes we are paying out. This takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen of PokerFraudAlert.com. You don't need any chips to play this free roll. Just make a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can enter any fake email address you want. We don't email verify. You just need a separate account created there, and you can play. That's all you need. Some people email me saying, hey, can I have chips? I mean, I guess I can give you chips, but you don't need them to play this free roll. To qualify for the free money, though, you have to make sure you understand the rules. Otherwise, you will not get paid. The rules can be found at PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, exactly as it sounds. That's where all the rules for qualifying for the free money of the free roll are listed. They don't change, or not very often, but make sure you read it at least once so you understand it. $138 did not come from me. None of it came from me. This money came from six different sources this week. Handicap me, who's been very generous toward the free roll. He often calls in towards the end of the show when he's getting up for work in New York. He gave $50. SMI Florida, another guy who donates often, $25. Unlearn gave $12. Trader Ruski, our frequent sidekick-type co-host who usually falls asleep during the show after he makes his herbal tea, he gave $35, so thank you to him. Danny Deadwood gave $6. JSTAT gave $10, so thank you. To all six of you, to add up to our $138 free roll. And we still have $125 left to give away next week, which I'll probably do all at once. So if you're listening live tonight, then you're in luck. Because you can win as much as $70. And while $70 is not a staggering sum of money, you have to understand this is not a free roll with 5,000 people playing. This is a free roll with fewer than 100 entrants. So you have a good chance to win. Even if you're not very good, you have a good chance to win or at least win one of these prizes. And as I said, it's real cash. I will pay you by bank transfer, by check, by Bitcoin. I can even send you cash in the mail, though no guarantee if it gets there, but I will send it. There's even other options that I can pay you. PM me after you win to claim your prize. Dan Space Druff. You can also email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. I prefer a PM on the forum, but you can email me too if you don't have a forum account. And you can claim your prize. It starts at 8.10 p.m. Pacific Time. You have 25 extra minutes to late register with a full stack. So you can late register at all the way up to 8.35 p.m. Pacific Time. 
And the whole thing finishes pretty quickly. You're not going to be up all night playing this thing. So it's a fun thing to do if you're listening live. And another fun thing you can do while listening live is go into the chat room. Click on the chat button near the top of the screen. This won't work on your iPhone or iPad. You need a Flash-enabled device, and you need a forum account in good standing, and one that's validated as well. But provided you have that, you can go into the chat room, and you'll mainly be talking to others who are listening to the show live. I don't read the chat very often. It's just too hard to do everything, which, especially like right now when I don't have a co-host, I really am doing everything. I'm running the show from a technical standpoint. I'm constantly having to speak so we don't have dead air. I have to think about what I have to say next, (laughs) and uh, I have to take a look at the stuff that's in front of me on the screen. So... I don't usually read the chat very much. It looks like right now, because people are so unused to the show actually going on the day it's supposed to go and the time it's supposed to go, and me being close to on time, right now our ratings are actually quite poor. (laughs) So when the show runs when it's supposed to, we get bad ratings nowadays. It's actually worse than I expected. I think people will trickle in. I think people just weren't expecting the show is going to just be here now. They're kind of picturing it's going to start around 8. But they will trickle in. They will discover it's on. They'll trickle in. I have no doubt about that. And, of course, we get about 90% of our listenership, actually, I think even more than 90%, through the archives. So I realize most of you are not live listeners, and that's okay. I appreciate the listeners either way. By the way, if you want to listen to the show but don't have a computer or the internet or a smartphone or your internet is just not very reliable, there is a way to listen. You don't need the internet or a computer or a smartphone. You can use the call to listen line. The call to listen line is a number that you just call up and you listen to the show. You you can't talk to me on the call to listen line, but you can listen to the show and it does not require any data. You don't need a smartphone. You just call it and listen from any phone in the world. It's very simple. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. I will give you fair warning that the call to listen line has been malfunctioning over the last few days. Why? I'm not sure. I've been looking into it. I even uh, rebooted the Poker Fraud Alert server, hoping maybe that will fix things, but the call to listen line, if it just goes silent, uh, just wait a few minutes, it'll start working again. But hopefully that's fixed now. I just want to give you that fair warning, the call to listen line is having a few technical difficulties. But really you should use it, if you have a a shoddy internet connection, especially on your phone, like while you're driving or in your home where it's not very good, use the call to listen line, you won't get any of that buffering nonsense. It's a very easy thing to use to listen to the show. If you want to contact me during the show, there's a few ways to do so. The call-in number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also text that same phone number, 775-372-8355, and I may read your text on the air unless you ask me not to. You can text me before the show, during the show, or after the show, 24 hours a day. Uh Uh-oh, look at this. Someone's calling me here. It's Kent Scaler. Here, watch this. Hang on a second.
So we're going to put Ken on the radio. He's not going to know he's here. He may figure it out because he, he knows we're on Wednesdays. But Oh, I just realized I, I didn't turn on Skype. That's not good. If I don't turn on Skype, then nobody can call me. Hang on one more second. Kind of messed that one up. Without Skype, I can't even receive any calls. Breaks our whole interface. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Hello? Hello? Well, I don't know what's going on. Now <laughs> Ken's not even here. That's strange. I wanted to put him on here. Oh, I'll call him back here. It's a frequent uh, character we have on the show, Ken Scaler. He doesn't play poker, but I have known him for over 25 years. He's a very peculiar guy, but he's very interesting for radio. Let's see if he answers. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're on the radio right now. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> so if, if you're going to talk about uh, uh, earlier today or uh, anything else private, uh, don't talk about it here. Hey, uh, so Bodog is going to shut down? Yeah, Bodog is, uh, well, it's not shutting down, but they're shutting down their poker. But how do you know? They told everybody. They told everybody they're selling it, but we figured out from various clues that it's uh, the same site. They're selling it to themselves, but uh, separating poker away from the sports book, which isn't good. But we, we've talked about that before on this show. Let's not talk about that here. But can I say one thing? If Trump wins, since he owns casinos, want to be more liberal on legalizing and regulating online gambling? I just thought of that literally right this second. Uh, it's possible, but he doesn't own a lot of these casinos. A lot of times he's just licensing the name or once owned No, no, it, not so. only casinos. No, I know he's a licensor. I'm not saying only casinos. I'm saying because of his past with the industry, if he wins, he might be more friendly toward online gambling than, like, than like uh, somebody else. Yeah, he could be. I just think that uh, whoever wins. I just thought of that right now. I, just well, I mean, it's, it's, right, not, it's right not a bad point, but I think whoever wins just isn't going to care much. I, okay. All right. So it's all agnosticism towards online gambling. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. So where are you right now? I'm at, uh, well, I don't want all these. I don't want your listeners following me. I don't think they're going to do that. I'm at uh, the Topanga Mall where you got $250 to do a study and not having to do the study. Yeah, well, what are you doing? Are you doing a study? No, I'm not doing a study. I just, I just went to the Apple Store to use the computer to look at news. <laughs> uh, so you, you use the computer at the Apple Store? Well, yeah, yeah, they don't care there. As long as you don't look at porn or anything, they block MySpace. All Apple stores block MySpace. They don't block Facebook and Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr, but they block MySpace. Well, I think Apple should, needs to fix that flaw. Everyone should block MySpace. I don't know why they block MySpace. Because it's they don't terrible. block other social networking sites. Because it's terrible, that's why. They don't block MySpace at the Best Buy. 
They don't block MySpace at the Microsoft Store. Ken really knows uh, everywhere he can go to use a free computer. Really? Yeah, it seems like it. it seems yeah, like you're, the, you're the in. Northridge Library closes early this week because it's they're only in summer school, but I guess next week it's back to normal there. Yeah, it seems like that you are the expert on both the bus and uh, free computers in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. Yeah, I I I I, I, I hunt, you know. <laughs> you're the, you're a hunter of free computers, and and also maybe a public. Bathrooms. I'm I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a hunt without Mike in front. Now, are are you uh, a hunter of? Uh, private closable free bathrooms that are public i uh, not on a westfield property I, you know i'm getting older i my, my i don't have the endurance i once did you know i see so you don't have the need for uh, starbucks bathrooms and stuff like that anymore thank you it's got a free sample of yogurt <laughs> well you know if you keep coming back uh maybe you can make a full meal out of it Make a what? Make you, you can make a full meal out of all the free samples. No, 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 no. I just was walking by. I'm leaving the mall. Um, where's yeah. your co? Where's Brandon? I, you know, Brandon is. Uh, he's on vacation right now, and uh, he's in a secret location. Vacation for what? He doesn't work. He's a professional poker player. I, well, he's on a vacation from his non-working life, but he 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 says he's going to come on the show a little bit later. So. Does he know Brandon's the name of the dog on Punky Brewster? I don't know. He probably does. I mean, Brandon is uh, hes about to turn 41, so he's old enough to remember the show. Jim Trenton's 63. Yeah, that's true. And you're, you're 46? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Have you taken a poll with the people who listen to this show about who they're supporting for president, or does nobody care? Well, I, I see on the forum. The forum, we seem to have more Democrats than Republicans. There are some Republicans there, but there's a, there seem to be more uh, Democrats in the forum. I, I don't know about the general listening base. I know that uh, I know there's several conservatives who listen to the show, but uh, there's also several liberals aren't who listen to the liberta- show. Aren't there a lot of libertarians in poker? You would think so, but there really aren't that many. There's some, but a lot less than you'd think. That's, Wasn't like that one guy that was like running mate in 2008 for Libertarians from Poker, Wayne Allen Root, or whatever happened to that guy? I, I don't know. But uh, Gary Johnson has actually uh, appeared on another poker forum, and I think another on that 2 Plus 2 PokerCast radio show uh, in the past. So he's, he's tried to appeal to the poker players. Do you think Gary Johnson will come on your show? You know, if I think if I... Uh, that's a good you idea. Like Gary Johnson. That's a good idea. I should try to. I should try to get him on here. I think right now you'll get you'll get new listeners if you invite. Here, 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 ye, Governor Gary Johnson, you're invited to the uh, uh, to the, the Donk Down po- Poker Show. Donk Down. It's not Donk Down. How can you say that? It's, it's an insult. Oh shit! I mean, I mean, uh, poker, uh, fraud, poker alert. fraud alert. I'm so- well, oh look, God, I'm sorry. Well, I'm look, sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. For, fortunately, there's no Donk Down anymore. It's just gone. Donk Down is Donk Down. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. It's totally forgot. gone. If you go, sorry, if you go to DonkDown.com, it's totally gone. It's inaccessible. Okay. Oh. Oh. Well, well, okay. Well, you're invited to Poker Fraud Alert, Mr. Johnson or Governor Johnson. I'm sorry. Well, the, the only problem is we're only three months from, or two and a half months from the election. So right now, he actually may feel like this is a waste of his time. Where I think in the past, where he was uh, less well known. That he would have come on here. Yeah, it's worth a shot, I just, though. I, was just try- I should contact I was just his campaign. To get him on the show. I should contact his campaign and overstate our listening audience, and then maybe get him on here. Now, the Democrats who listen to the show anymore, former Bernie supporters, or are they Hillary supporters from the beginning? It's, it's, they, it's a mixture. They- it's a mixture. 
It's it's really uh, a we we have a wide range of political viewpoints of of our audience here. That's that's one one area where we're very diverse. We're we're not very diverse age wise. We're not very diverse. We need more millennials. You need more millennials. Yeah, we're, we're not very diverse gender wise. We're not very diverse race wise, but uh, we're not even all that diverse sexual preference wise. Though we do have a few. Uh, Gay and bi guys who listen to the show. We do have a few black guys that's, who that's, listen. That's, we have a few black guys yeah. who listen. We have a few uh, Hispanic people who listen. We have a few old people who listen. So we, we have all that, but we mostly have uh, males between 35 and 55. That's, that's most of our audience. We need, the, we need some young chicks listening to this show. Well, I know, but it's hard. It's hard because I think, I think the age group I just naturally appeal to is, is kind of my own and sort of near my own. I, I don't try. It's just kind of... X- like like mid Gen X to young baby boomers. Well, yeah, I, I just see like I'm 44, and it seems like the the demographics of the show is mainly uh, 35 to 55 male. So I'm like, you know, that's it doesn't seem like a coincidence. It seems like that they relate to me best because they're close to my age, and they like I guess that makes me easier to relate to and whatever whatever I project on here, whatever. Uh, personality that so appeals eight, to them. So an, eight, so an 18-year-old with an Instagram and a skateboard won't relate to you? No, I think I seem too old. I think I seem too old. Oh. Yeah. They're like you, like their dad's age. They don't want to listen. It's not just age. I, th- I just think that uh, just hearing me, I just I just come off too old to them. That's what I think. I think Kim Kardashian is 36 now, so age-wise she would qualify, but not gender-wise. <laughs> Historically. Now, if Kim Kardashian listened, I bet I'd get a bigger audience if she, like, if she just tweeted once that she listens to the show, I bet the show would blow up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's half Armenian. to get all the Armos listening who hate the Turks. Yeah, no, I, I, would love, I, I would love it if we got one really famous person listening and even mentioning once that they listen. That would be huge for the show. Um, I know a certain 63-year-old who might come on this show, but he, he has a former youth following. Yeah, but not a current one. I don't, I don't want to say, like, kind of who it is, but I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, Ken, we just got going with the show, uh, so if you want to talk to me, you can call tomorrow. and uh, we, When does this lovely show end? It'll be a while. It'll be pretty late. Like three, four hours, right? No, probably like five hours or six hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, when Brandon's not there, you'll just go crazy, no, right? No, it's the opposite. When Brandon's here, we go even longer. Really? Yeah. Well, he's, not like, he's not like your former host from that other's... No, no, Brandon, Brandon is, he's he's like the king of tangents. He brings up so many side topics that we just get uh, diverted constantly. Everything takes a really long time. So when, when he is, when he's on, when he's on, we take a really long time to do the show and people actually really enjoy it though. People love the long shows. And when, when when he's not on, there's like, so he brings brings up so many tangents. He used to be a geometry teacher. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Brandon, the geometry teacher slash pro poker player. Okay. Master slash. Same name as the dog from Punky Brewster. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring that tangent. up to him. I'll bring that up to him about Punky Brewster and the dog. Okay, well, uh, yeah, maybe if you can get Soli Moon Fry on the show. I mean, she's forty years old, so nobody really wants her anymore. So maybe, maybe she'll come on. I think she just had her fourth child. She doesn't have big breasts anymore, does she? She had them reduced. She yeah. talked about on Loveline a long time I think, ago. I think that was a mistake. Well, I mean, she was very short and skinny, so it'll probably weigh too much on her. They say it hurts their back. I, I know, I know. But if, if, you're, if you're fortunate, unless they're, like, gigantic where they, you look like a freak, I think if you're fortunate enough to get that naturally, you should just leave it. That's what I think. Yeah, I know. I, I knew an actress who was, like, 
very skinny, but she had natural 36 double Ds and everything else was like super skinny. And they were real. They weren't fake. That's very rare. But Yep. All righty. Yeah. Well, thank you, Master Scaler. We'll I'll talk later. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was Ken Scaler. Sorry for the interruption there. But he's a hard guy to reach, and people like the Ken Scaler call. Let's see what the chat room's saying. Uh, Danny Deadwood saying, Kim K is fine as fuck. You know, I, I don't even agree with that. I'm not even attracted to her. And the funny thing is, I like girls with big asses, so it's not about that. Like, I, I like I like her ass. Actually, body-wise, uh, I'm attracted to her, but I, I just I don't really like her face, and I, I especially don't like her personality. That, that's what really kills it for me. When a girl has a personality that really annoys me, then that really takes away from my attraction to her. So... I think that's some of it, too. I know some people really are into her. But I, I, I would love it if she listened to this show. Own Mattisau's asking, does Ken still play with disabled people? I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. Uh, JSTAT said, I told Wayne Allen Root that Phil Gordon was likely part of the Full Tilt Ponzi scheme when he was interviewing him on the Michael Savage show about five years ago. <laughs> All righty. Uh, natural born hustlers said fuck millennials. I, I can't say that because then the few that listen to this show may abandon me. I, I don't want all the listeners to die off. Like, what if I re- live a really long time and do this show a very long time and most of you guys are dead because I live longer than you? And you may say, oh, you won't be able to do the show at that age. Well, maybe I can. Like, Vin Scully, I was just commenting to someone. Vin Scully is almost 89 years old. In a few months, he will be 89. And if you listen to him, even though he's not 100% anymore, he, he occasionally gets confused with names, but, but for the most part, he still does an excellent job. He's still by far my favorite baseball broadcaster. But he sounds so much younger than he is. If you did not know, you would never guess that the guy broadcasting the game is 89. Never in a million years would you guess that if you didn't already know. So maybe I will be the poker radio version of Vince Scully. Maybe. Owen Mattisau is saying, do you think Yebsite will still eat cock when he's 70? What, what is this? I don't, I don't even understand anything this guy is saying. Yebsite, for all his issues, was not gay, to my knowledge. All right, so just finishing off with uh, the intro, <laughs> which I, I shouldn't say the intro is taking this long because it actually got delayed. By the way, the free roll starts in seven minutes, but we do reruns whenever we're not live on the air. So when I'm not live, then you can listen to the radio anyway. So our, you can go to the radio page and listen directly from there. You can go to the TuneIn app. You can go, use the call to listen line. And we have streaming reruns, which means it picks one of our almost 200 shows that we've done on Poker Fraud Alert Radio's history and runs them as if they're live. And when each one is complete, then it picks another one at random and runs that as if, as if it's live. And it does that 24 hours a day, seven days a week until we come back on live. Now, I have an announcement related to that. This is show number 199. I counted. 199, which means next week is our 200th show on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Yes. And by the way, when I count those shows, I'm only counting the official Poker Fraud Alert Radio shows, 
not the user shows, which we've had some of. So, uh, though I love having the user shows broadcast from the site, like when Beer and Poker did a show and when uh, China Maniac did the Zone Blitz. Actually, I don't know if he ever did the Zone Blitz on this site. But I know he did uh, one or two shows on his own here, but only a show that was considered like main poker fraud alert radio, which means either this show or the occasional Into the Night with Drexel show. So those are the ones we rerun, and we've done 199, including this one. So the 200th will be next week. Just wanted to point that out. Let's see. Uh, here's the agenda for tonight. A Poker Fraud Alert exclusive. An exclusive, everybody. This is something that has not only not been posted on other sites, it has not even been posted on our forum. It has been discussed nowhere. Bovada, as you guys know, is closing down its poker product on September 30th. The end of September 30th will be the end of their poker product. And they have, quote, sold their poker room to the Ignition Casino, which we believe to actually be a spinoff of themselves. But that's something that's been covered everywhere. What hasn't been covered everywhere is the fact that there are some issues with transferring money back and forth between Bovada. I shouldn't say back and forth. You can only go one way from Bovada to Ignition. But a Bovada nightmare has occurred for one player who has contacted me and sent me proof that uh, this is really happening. He tried to transfer money from his Bovada account to Ignition. It took the money from his Bovada account, and then it never showed up on the Ignition side. When he disappeared into a black hole, and he's not lying about it. It's not some degenerate who just lost the money, is making it up. He sent me all the screenshots, including his discussions back and forth with support. And this is somebody who is reliable. It's not uh, just some random who could be making it up or photoshopping emails. This is someone who is reliable and sent me the proof. I'll read you the emails that went back and forth. And amazingly, days passed, and they couldn't tell him anything. Days passed, and they had no idea what happened to the money that he sent from Bovada to Ignition. So we'll talk about that and what you should do if this happens to you, because this really did happen. Uh, so that's that's our first topic tonight, a Poker Fraud Alert Radio exclusive. The rest of the show will go as follows. Time has run out for legalized online poker in California for the year 2017. Yeah. If you want to play legalized online poker in California, you'll have to continue using these shady internationally-based sites, foreign-based sites such as Bovada, or I guess it'll be Ignition, America's Card Room, etc., etc., because it will not be in California in 2017. The time has run out. Who is at fault? It looks like the fault comes from two different sides, including one that might surprise you. World Series of Poker circuit double ring winner Travel Thomas, who is black, and the reason I'm Mentioning his race is because he's accusing the Department of Justice of racism 
in their collections fraud case against him. What do I mean by collections fraud? He he had a collections company. That was how he made his living. I guess that's where he got his bankroll to buy into these poker tournaments he played. And apparently they were breaking the law in many ways and defrauding people. So there is a federal case against him, and he's accusing the Department of Justice of racism in their prosecution of him. We'll talk about what's going on with Fravel Thomas. Well, I've talked to some about the scam poker site Full Flush Poker. They are not shutting down. They are not paying anybody. They're just uh, holding everyone's balance, and they've probably already stolen all the money. But they're pretending like everything's fine. They are offering an Aruba package that if you win it, if you win their tournament, win the Aruba package, they're supposedly going to send you to Aruba on their dime. <laughs> yeah. Since the most they can seem to manage are like uh, $200 money gram payouts every few months to people who are owed tens of thousands, I, I think they're not going to be buying anyone into Aruba. The European Poker Tour, the EPT, is going to be gone. Bye-bye to the EPT. Poker Stars has announced a new series to replace the EPT with some new stops that uh, had not been done before. We'll talk a bit about what's going on with that. Two daily fantasy sports topics, which I stopped covering much on this show because these topics were unpopular, but I think these are worth doing. It is now legal in New York. Five daily fantasy sports sites have been granted temporary permits to operate there, and DraftKings and FanDuel wrote their own bill for a proposed legalization in the state of Nevada. On the lighter side of things, I think it might be time for Harris Resort, Southern California, also known as Harris Rincon, to throw in the towel because I stayed there over the weekend and they had a towel shortage. <laughs> I actually had to fight with them at housekeeping to get towels for the shower. So I'll tell you about what's going on there with the towels at uh, Harris Rincon and this ridiculous situation that I had to deal with over there. Last week, we meant to get to a topic that we didn't get to, so we're going to do it this week. The Jew Tips of the Week, Booking and Staying at Hotels, How to Get the Best Value and Not Get Screwed. Some things I will tell you there will probably be things you've known and heard of before. Other things will probably be new to you. But I have a lot of experience staying in hotels in my lifetime, including very recently, so I will give you my tips on how to get the best value and stay at the best places for reasonable money and to never get screwed because it's very easy to get screwed by a hotel. Very, very easy. Finally, I will do an editorial. I am annoyed at Hillary Clinton supporters. Not that I love Donald Trump supporters. You know, I'm, I'm very anti-Donald Trump, too. I really am disgusted by both candidates. So I'm not coming at this from the point of view of a Trump supporter, because I'm not. But I'm definitely the opposite of a Hillary supporter. So Hillary supporters are really, really frustrating me because they are in denial. They are in denial about Hillary's character. They hate Trump so much. And they fear a Trump presidency so much, they are lying to themselves about Hillary's character. Much like 
a parent might lie to themselves about the character of their child. But that at least is understandable. Lying to yourself about a political candidate, especially when all the evidence is right in front of you, is pretty foolish. So I'm going to talk about why the left is in denial regarding Hillary Clinton's character. So those are the planned topics for tonight. Brandon, we will uh, pick up a little sometime later. He just texted me. He said he'll be able to come on later. Uh, Trader Ruski might be able to come around. And let's see. You know, I'm even going to go for the gold here. I know this is short notice. I'm going to try to see if Calwatt is available. I mean, for once, we're starting at kind of a reasonable time for him. So as usual, I'm going to produce the show during the show. Let's see. I'd like to be on radio. Call in with Skype. There we go. Isn't that nice? I'm inviting our co-hosts on while the show's going. Like, could you picture the 2 plus 2 poker cast doing that? Like, the 2 plus 2 poker cast, Adam's just on there himself. He's like, you know, let's see if we can reach Terrence. And just in the middle of the show, hey, Terrence, would you like to come on? Like, there's no way they would ever do that. So, uh, Trader Ruski, hello. Hey, Draft, how's it going? All right, it, it actually feels kind of good to do the show at the time it's supposed to be. I kind of feel like it's a real radio show again, not just some thing I turn on spontaneously. I was surprised, and if you didn't have to shut the server down for 10 minutes, I could say that 6, 7.40, that would mean it would have been 7.30 on the nose. That's true. Thank you for making that excuse for me. But yes, I did have to shut the server down for about 10 minutes to get the call to listen line working. And by the way, people, if you're using the call to listen line and it just cuts at any point, please let me know. I mean, I intentionally cut it when I'm about to start or about an hour or so before the show. I cut it just to prevent confusion of what's live and what's not. But if you're listening otherwise and it just cuts on you, please let me know so I can be aware if the problem is fixed. The way I discovered the call to listen line was having a problem was I was just listening to it and it was just cutting. I said, whoa, 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 what's this? So this has been happening over like the last two days. At least that's when I've discovered it. So I, I hope it's working. I have put so much of myself into that line. And when it is, when it is sick, I feel sick. So let's go right into the first topic here. Free roll started five minutes ago, but you can still get in. $138 at stake. A player contacted me and shared with me his experience with transferring his Bovada balance to the Ignition Casino. Again, Ignition Casino has supposedly bought Bovada Poker. Right now you can play on either site, and you'll be playing the same game, same tables against the same players. But on October 1st, there will be no more Bovada Poker. It will only be the Ignition Casino. So if you're a Bovada player who wants to play on Ignition, you have to transfer your money that you want to use over on Ignition. You don't have to, but if you want to transfer that money you have currently on Bovada to Ignition, you can do so up to September 30th. So I know a player who took them up on that offer. By the way, I got an answer back from Cal Watt about appearing on the show tonight. I asked if he wants to come on the radio. He says, watching the voices with the wife. Come on. Priorities. Priorities. But he did say uh, once the movie's over, he'll come on. 
So, anyway, but I'm glad we'll get him. Brandon texting me. Brandon's concerned. He says, you have a co-host? I think Brandon, yeah, he, he feels bad that I'm alone here. He feels bad that he left me home alone. So, I said, yes, Trader Ruski's here. It'll make Brandon feel better. He'll feel all warm inside knowing that Trader Ruski is uh, babysitting me. So anyway, this player tried to transfer some money. I don't even think it was a lot of money. I think it was only like $1,200, but still, it was like $1,200. It's not it's not like it was 5 bucks. But he tried to transfer that over to Ignition. And he did everything right. He didn't screw it up. This guy is actually pretty on the ball. We're not talking about an idiot here. And it's supposed to show up in Ignition instantaneously. So the money did debit from his Bovada account immediately, as it was supposed to. And then it did not show up on the Ignition casino side. So... That's a very disturbing feeling when your money just vanishes like that in transit. Very disturbing. I mean, can you imagine that would happen to you if you were you're just transferring money from one site to the other and it leaves one site and never gets to the other and nobody can explain to you what's happening? You have this helpless feeling like, how can I even prove that this happened? And even if I can, are they going to make good? Well, Skitty had screenshots and I... Yeah, I had a friend that happened to too. I don't know if we're talking about the right person. We we, pr- we probably person. We, we probably are if, if it's. Uh, I don't want to give any clues to it, but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I told him to call in uh, tonight, but he might. Yeah, I mean, you can text me, and I can tell you if it's the same person. But I, this person doesn't want to be identified on the radio, so I, uh, I'm just speaking in generics. But uh, anyway, it, it's probably the same person. But anyway, let me let me go to the screenshots that they sent me. Because I, now I the screenshots I had them send me, not because I didn't trust them, but just because I, I wanted to see for myself the way everything was happening. I wanted to see exactly the way Bovada and Ignition were handling it, and as well as the way it showed up on his transaction logs. See, the one good thing about Bovada is that I see it was thirteen hundred dollars, not twelve hundred, but whatever, the same thing. The good thing about Bovada is that they have a transaction history. Every dollar that moves on that site in and out of your account is listed in your transactions. And you can bring that up if you go to your account section. It's not the easiest thing to find, but you can find it. Just go to your account information and you'll find it there if you just go to the bovada.lv website. So this includes everything, released bonuses, sports bets, uh, casino wins and losses, poker Buy-ins, poker cash-outs. When I say cash-out, I don't mean a cash-out to your bank, but like a cash-out from the table to your account. So let's say you, you buy in for 600 and you then leave the table with 1050 It'll show minus 600 and then plus 1050 which is the way it should do it. So the good thing about this is it's like a bank statement. You can see and go back 30 days. You can see every transaction to your account so with a running balance. So there's no way money can just disappear without something being in that log, which you can always access. So that's at least the one bright side to this whole thing. 
Now, what about Ignition? Does Ignition have any transaction log? Well, I haven't made an Ignition account, but I asked this guy, and he told me, no. <laughs> so apparently, this, this is amazing. Uh, Trader Ruski just uh, messaged me who it was, and what do you know? It's a different person. So we've had two people we know who've had this occur. <laughs> wow. Wow, two different people. That's really peculiar, I guess. So I, I, that shows it's not an isolated incident. These are, these are just two people we know personally. I, I find it hard to believe these are the only two people that experienced this. So this is what happened. Uh, he said, I decided to transfer to Ignition. And it never made it there. So I said, what, the money just vanished in between? And he said, yes, it did. I called them. They said it was an error and that transfers from Ignition should be instantaneous. They said they can see a record of me transferring, but they couldn't explain why it didn't get there. So he said, okay, well, put my 1300 bucks back if you can see it and didn't get there. And they said, no, we can't do that. We can only communicate with accounting via email. <laughs> That's especially annoying they, they acknowledge it happened But won't even give them the money <laughs> So uh, He kept calling And they were useless At Bovada support And Ignition Customer support Was also just as useless So they finally wrote to him Hi there Thanks for writing us We're reviewing your email now Oh no I, I guess that's just a uh, that's just a generic email. Let me let me go back to the main email. So that was what he got first, just a generic email. Hi there, thanks for writing us, blah, blah, blah. Let me get to the more important stuff here. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Hi, whatever this guy's name is. Thanks for contacting Ignition Co- Casino Customer Service. We apologize for the inconvenience... With you, with the delay, with transferring your balance. A good English there, too. We apologize for the inconvenience with you, with the delay, with transferring your balance. We've escalated the issue to our withdrawal team for review. Uh, we'll follow up with you in approximately 24 to 48 hours in an update. But, but there's a silver lining here, people. We've issued a $50 customer service free play bonus for the inconvenience. <laughs> Well, that's comforting. $1,300 disappears. But they'll give you $50, $50 of free play. That's great. This was on Saturday that he got this uh, email back. This had, I think this occurred on Friday. So he got that on Saturday. Then uh, still no update. Nothing was improving for the rest of the day. Sunday came. And uh, he still got nothing. Finally, on early Monday morning, he received the following. Hi, thanks for contacting Ignition Casino Customer Service. We're sorry, but we don't have access to your Bovada account. <laughs> so this is like the chicken and egg problem. The Ignition saying, well, we can't access your Bovada account. And Bovada saying, yeah, we see the money went out, but uh, we don't know why they didn't get it. So both is, both are pointing the finger at the other, saying uh, you'd get, deal with them. 
which is unbelievable. Like this is probably the same company, and even if, even if it's not, they have some kind of cooperation here. So how could they not just get together and say, "Hey, what's happening? How could this not be like an instantaneous fix?" So three days have passed, and this is what he's gotten. Sorry, uh, we don't have access to your Bovada account. <laughs> so then uh, he they wrote back again. Thanks for contacting Bovada customer service. I guess this is from Bovada now. We're sorry for the confusion this may have caused you. Because he was asking to Bovada, why is this still not solved? It's been three days. The time frame that was provided, that is the 24 to 48 hour, is an approximate time frame only. <laughs> and then here comes my favorite line of the entire email, maybe of the entire thing. This is their solution. I would recommend for you to check your account from time to time. That's, so your email, your money disappears from Bovada, transferring it over to Ignition. And their solution three days later is, you should just check your account from time to time <laughs> and just see if the money shows up. Forget about our time frame. Just, just check from time to time. So then, uh, he, then he got another email. This is from Bovada. We've checked your ignition transfer request with reference numbers. Uh, and they, they named four reference numbers. Were processed correctly and should appear on your account in approximately 24 hours? <laughs> As explained in our previous correspondence, the time frame we provided is just an estimate. So it may not even be 24 hours, they're saying. They're saying uh, we're saying we've, we found that... It, yeah, you're, you're right, but uh, it'll appear in your Ignition account in 24 hours. Even though everybody else, it in- appears instantaneously. Somehow, after over three days, they still cannot uh, just make sure the money gets there, even though they've acknowledged the problem has occurred. Like, Why can they not just contact the right people who say, okay, it got stuck somehow, okay, here's your 1300 What, what is this about? It'll, it'll appear in 24 hours, but maybe not. So then uh, yesterday, Tuesday, I keep in mind this happened Friday, so this is dragging a long time. It, it still was happening. There was no, uh, no progress. Finally, he got an email on Tuesday at uh, about 12 p.m. Hi, thanks for your reply. We apologize for the delays with this transfer. This is definitely outside the norm. (laughs) It doesn't sound like it. sounds like it very much is the norm. The time frame we provided you are approximates, and we evidently are falling outside of them due to volume. Due to volume. So I guess that's them acknowledging this is happening with a lot of people. I want to assure you that your funds are safe and secure and are in the process of being transferred to ignition. We ask for your continued patience as we work toward a resolution in this matter. Why is... It doesn't make any sense. This should be automatic. This should be... Especially uh, because I believe it's the same company. But this should be automatic. There's, There's no manual person processing each of these. No human has to get involved here. It's a computer processing it. It should be able to process a million of these at once. So it doesn't make any sense. So finally, 
I think it was uh, late tonight, or late, sorry, late last night. Uh, he, or, or I guess it was, no, sorry, it was today. It was uh, today he finally got the money. Six days later, he says. I think it was actually five days, but uh, today's Wednesday. I believe this began on Friday. So five days later, finally the money came through. Around uh, noon today. That is brutal. And the way they handled it, it's not like they're saying we're having an issue here. Uh, sorry, it's going to be held up for a few days. They just uh, they just stonewalled him. They just were delaying him, stalling him, and not giving him any kind of real answer. And then the, the funny thing of, oh, we can't see your account over in Bovada. Oh, we can't see your account over in Ignition. Oh, we don't know what this is. It's outside the norm. So I would recommend that you don't transfer your money from Bovada to Ignition until you really need to. And don't definitely don't do it if you are looking to play poker immediately. So don't just like, like don't like wake up tomorrow on August 25th and say, you know, it's transferring over anyway on September 30th. I may as well just get it going now. So I'm just going to transfer my whole role from Bovada to Ignition. Don't do that because you may not be playing for five days. Now, perhaps whenever you transfer, this will happen. But I would recommend just sticking on Bovada until the bitter end. And then on September 30th, sending it over. And you may miss a few days on Ignition, but big deal. <laughs> you may not be missing much anyway. But it, that's so unprofessional. That's so stupid. I didn't think they were going to steal his money because he had the smoking gun proof of the transactions. And I didn't think they were just going to outright steal it from him. But boy, was that incompetent. And it's not really being discussed anywhere. Everywhere I'm seeing... Online, I'm not seeing anyone making reference to this situation yet. We know two different people this happened to. Trader Ruski, the person you knew, uh, how long did it take for them to get their money, or have they gotten it yet? He just told me he had an issue, and he was working, so he didn't really explain the whole thing. But I told him to call in tonight, and he might he might be working late, so he might call in at some point. Okay, tell the whole story. Yeah, I mean, this is this is. Really, I thought they were just using the same – aren't they using the same software, though? Yes, it's the same poker software, but uh, apparently there's you know there's some transition process where it probably sends internally from Bovada to Ignition to the, you know, from one shell company to another. But it should be instantaneous, and it has been for most people. But for when it's not instantaneous and this happens, they need to have a way to fix it immediately. They can't just – stall you for five days and leave you twisting in the wind. But that's that's Bovada's MO. They they love to leave people twisting in the wind when something happens. That's what they did to me when they froze my account and wouldn't even tell me why. So ultimately it turned out okay. I'm I'm playing on them. I think they they took away all my bonuses, but I'm wondering when I go over to Ignition, will I be eligible for bonuses there? Or uh, is that just a Bovada thing? Because they've permanently disabled my bonuses on Bovada. But that won't really matter much if Ignition is starting me fresh. But who knows? I, I bet they're going to transfer that over, too. That I'm not eligible for bonuses. And what are you going to do? Are you going to cash most of it out through Bovada? Maybe leave a little bit in and try to transfer it? Well, see how it I've kind of taken care of my own... I, I've taken care of my own problem in two ways. I have cashed out... Uh, a good deal of it already. And then the remainder, 
all but about 10k of it I lost. That went on a losing streak there. So that has uh, I have about 10k of a roll on uh, Bovada at the moment, which uh, at that 30-60 game can go very quickly if I continue running bad. So uh, the the big question is if I bust that 10k, do I bother rebuying in there? Do I just take a break and uh, waiting wait till ignition starts and see how that is? I don't know. So, yeah, I was running super bad there. And it's a pretty good game. Like, the games are crappy for some time, but then I played, like, four consecutive nights in really good games, and I just was losing every big hand that I was involved in. So. Uh, It's it's will be interesting to monitor any further problems that Bovada has with the transfer over to Ignition. But this is really being talked about nowhere. These issues, and I, I bet this is happening to a lot of people. I bet it's not just the two people we know. And have there been any numbers, you know, from anybody? I mean, do they know how many people have moved over? I know we really can't. No, we don't. They haven't given the numbers, and we and we can't tell. There's no way to tell. So, I, I have to imagine not that many people have moved over yet because there's no reason to. It's just something where people don't feel an urgency to do so because they can still play on Bovada and there's no real incentive to move to Ignition right now. Right, but I saw something about the, the give you a free play or something. Or something. Yeah, some like pathetic $100 free play, and I think you... Uh, but you can, do it, you can get it all the way up to September 30th. There's still no urgency right now. It's more than a month away. Right. Okay, let's, let's see what the chat room's saying before we move on to... The next topic here. Um, Saw twenty four is saying, hey, and draft. My connection's bad. I'm going to turn my Wi-Fi off if I lose you for a Okay. Saw twenty four is saying it took all of one minute for me. I was playing on ignition almost instantly. He said fifteen k free roll, pretty decent for switching. LOL. Well, it depends what limits you play. You have to understand if you play high limits or medium limits on the site. Uh, a 15k free roll is a waste of your time. And I'm not saying this to be arrogant. It's just a, you don't want to spend your time playing poker for small money. You want to spend your time playing poker at the limits you're accustomed to. Otherwise, you're, you really are just wasting time playing. So for a lower limit player, that's a nice thing to get. For a higher limit player, it's a waste. That's why I laughed at uh, when PokerStars gave that million-dollar free roll in response to people being unhappy about the new rules regarding Supernova Elite, but then they opened it to everybody, not just Supernova Elites. The the equity for each player in that free roll, which has thousands and thousands and thousands of players, is, is tiny. So for a high-limit player, or even a medium-limit player, that free roll is a joke. And that doesn't even start to compensate anyone. So kind of same thing here. But uh, they don't have to give anything over on Ignition for the switchover. That's... Uh, they could have just said, we're giving you nothing, switch over if you want. So I'm not saying that we're entitled to big free rolls or big bonuses, but I'm just saying that for someone like me. In fact, I'll tell you, I've got 100,000 poker points on there, and I, I really have no way to use them other than playing in those like Sunday tournaments. So I'm going to force myself to play Sunday tournaments for the next four weeks, and it, it's going to be painful. Like I, I don't enjoy it, but I feel like if I don't, I'm wasting money because my poker points will vanish on September 30th. So if I'm getting a $200-something 
tournament for free, I might as well. But I'm not going to enjoy it. It's just not something I like doing. So, Lou Father is saying, I had to ask them for my free roll ticket and my bonus when I transferred some money over, but the money went instant. Yeah. Looks like most people have good experiences so far with transferring over to Ignition, but two people we know had really bad experiences, and it looks like when a bad thing happens that they just don't know what to do, and you're stuck just waiting with no real resolution. Well, here's something we'll be waiting for with perhaps no resolution. Definitely for the year of 2017, there won't be resolution. The state of California attempted at the end of their legislative session, which uh, finishes August 31st, which is in a week, they were trying to get an online poker bill passed so this way it can become law for 2017 and we can have online poker in California, which has about one-ninth of the U.S. population for the year 2017, legalized online poker. The state has wanted it. There's no question that there is support by you know by legislators in California to bring online poker to the state. So the only reason it's not in California yet is because of this endless battle between the pro poker stars casinos and the anti poker stars casinos. Simply put, the ones that will be using poker stars software are pro poker stars, the ones that won't be are anti poker stars. And the anti-Poker Stars forces have been claiming that Poker Stars enjoyed an unfair advantage by serving the U.S. market illegally for four and a half years between the UIGEA's passage in 2006 and Black Friday in 2011. So therefore, they should not be able to enter the market with all the advantages that they gained and the brand recognition they gained, along with the companies that did follow the rules because Poker Stars is going to crush them all. Poker Stars is going to have a huge advantage that they only gained by operating illegally. And that's all true. So they have a good point. So they wanted a bad actor provision. For a while, they were just pushing that Poker Stars just shouldn't be allowed in the market at all. They have since softened and said that uh, they'd be okay if Poker Stars had a five year sit out period to where they would not be able to enter the market for five years. And then after five years passed from the point of legalization, then poker stars could come in. Uh, five years presumably was chosen because that's a, a, approximately the time frame that poker stars was operating illegally. Poker stars supporting tribes, which runs casinos, you know, they would be working with poker stars, they were very unhappy about that. They did not want the sit-out period. And they were refusing to support that version of the bill. This bill was uh, Assembly Bill AB 2863 in California. So I think Trader Risky come back here. Trader Risky, hello. Yeah, I'm back, sir. Okay, good. So, so there's an attempt, an 11th hour attempt, to get this bill across before, uh, before August 31st. And Poker Stars was basically obstructing it. Poker Stars said, we don't want this. Poker Stars was uh, putting pressure on the legislators that 
they had in their pockets by saying, do not support this bill. Do not vote for it. We don't want it. We don't want the sit-out period. And I thought that was crappy because I think Poker Stars needs a sit-out period. Now, it's, it's not the best for the players, but if we want to be fair, it is not fair to let Poker Stars come in with everybody else and dominate them just because they had five extra years of brand recognition and uh, software development and game development that all the other sites did not have. Poker Stars has the edge it does because they operated illegally. So why should they have the advantage? Why, why should that be something that they gain from in the legalized market? It shouldn't be. They, they shouldn't be gaining from it. So I think the five-year sit-out period was very reasonable. Now, I, I'd be willing to say maybe less than five years, maybe three years, but they need to sit out here. I, th- I think that is the right way to go if you want to be fair. Now, if you just want to be selfish and say, I love poker stars, I want them in California, uh, sure, let, let poker stars in. I, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't really care if poker stars enters the market or not. I'm just saying if you really want to be fair, you can't just let them enter the market and shrug your shoulders and say, okay, no problem. They gained a big advantage by operating illegally. They're going to beat everyone else for that reason, but too bad on everybody else. It's not fair. So if you want to be fair, they need, they need a sit-out period. Poker Stars was blocking that legislation, and the politicians who were supportive of Poker Stars, probably because Poker Stars bought them, were holding back that bill's passage, which I thought was really crappy. And if, if it did not pass assembly in California before the August 31st deadline, then the bill would die. If Poker Stars and its partners were to have supported that version of the bill, then it would have become law. We'd be probably playing online poker in California in 2017. Because Poker Stars was refusing to support it, because its partners were refusing to support it, because its partners had assemblymen in their pocket, the bill looked like it was going to go nowhere. So that's bad news. But you can't just blame poker stars. The other side of the matter also did something pretty shady. Pechanga, which is a Indian tribe in Southern California. It's in the uh, Riverside County area. Pechanga is one of the loudest anti-Poker Stars voices. And they made a questionable lobbying purchase in relation to this bill. They hired Gary Condit to consult with them. And they, they paid him a lot of money, apparently. Now, you may recognize that name, Gary Condit. Gary Condit is a former congressman who had a big scandal in 2001 when his intern, named Chandra Levy, was murdered. And it turned out that she was having an affair with him. So he was married. He was having sex with Chandra Levy, a young girl. 
I mean, she was of age. She worked for him. She was a young woman. And she was murdered in Washington, D.C. in a park. That case still hasn't really been solved. They arrested and convicted someone of it, but it kind of appeared like the guy wasn't really guilty, and then it turned out that uh, yeah, he probably wasn't, and then they overturned his conviction. I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy they arrested was a scumbag and had definitely attacked and raped other women in the past, in the recent past, in a similar fashion. That's why they attributed this murder to him. So definitely this guy being falsely imprisoned wasn't exactly a miscarriage of justice because uh, if it were up to me, this guy would never get out of prison anyway. But it does appear that they just pinned it on someone that was convenient to pin it on because they couldn't really solve the case. So it appears that this is still an unsolved murder. Gary Condit was kind of loosely suspected of being involved in her murder, perhaps because he was worried that their affair would come to light. But his alibi stood up, and it's generally believed that he is not responsible for Chandra Levy's murder. But uh, it was a very big scandal, a very big story, and the public was glued to it throughout August of 2001 and throughout the first third of September 2001. And Gary Conda just could not get relief from being in the news about this and people were speculating about him and there are all kinds of conspiracy theories and people were saying maybe he's the murderer and Gary kind of just wanted out of that news and he got out of the news Gary Condit is one of the few Americans who I'm sure is happy about the events of September 11th 2001 while the rest of us were horrified and depressed and some of us even scared to see what was going on when those attacks on America happened, Gary Condit must have been relieved because he was no longer in the news. He was the biggest story for about a month and a half, and then he was no longer a story at all. No one talked about Gary Condit after September 11th. September 10th, he was huge news. September 11th, he was not news. Anyway, back to this. Gary Condit was hired. He's not uh, a politician anymore. The whole scandal ended up uh, costing him his uh, political career, but Pachanga hired him as a consultant. Now, the reason this is shady is that the sponsor of this bill with the sit-out clause is the bill sponsor's father, Gary Conda is his father-in-law. The, uh, the one who proposed the, the bill is named Adam Gray. And Adam Gray's father-in-law is Gary Condit. Adam Gray is married to Gary Condit's daughter named Katie. Prachanga put out a BS statement saying that Gary Condit was hired to monitor utility and energy issues they're dealing with. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money on Gary Condit over utility and energy issues, which which are really not that big of an issue if you're an Indian tribe with a casino. And, oh, yeah, he just happens to be the father-in-law of the one who pushed through a bill that was very much favoring them. So that's very, very shady. So... 
that that was uh, pretty sleazy on the part of Pachanga to do, even though I agree with him about the sit-out period for poker stars. See, originally, Adam Gray put forth a version of the bill that was going to allow the state's gaming regulators to decide the topic of poker star suitability and decide for any punishments or sit-out period they would have. But then suddenly the bill changed for no reason. Adam Gray just changed it to put in that five-year waiting period, no longer leaving it up to the state, just saying, no, this is going to be part of the law. And it appears that Adam Gray was probably influenced by his father-in-law because Pachanga paid them a lot of money. So the whole thing's very shady. So Pachanga did something really shady to get the bill changed in their favor, almost like a bribe. And then Poker Stars, at the same time, is obstructing any version of a legalization bill that would make them sit out. They, they don't want to sit out. And they're basically saying, if you don't do it on our terms, if we don't get to enter unrestricted FU, there's not going to be a bill. And if you think about it, that's pretty crappy. Poker Stars is saying, we only care about us, we don't care about online poker, which I understand their they're responsibility to themselves, not to the rest of us. But that's the whole point. They, their responsibility is only to themselves. That's all they care about is themselves. And they're saying either we're able to enter this market or we're going to make it very tough for it to be legal in California. So you better let us in. Otherwise, we're going to ruin it for everybody. So both sides kind of suck here. <laughs> it's kind of like the presidential election. So the clock ran out. And you may say, wait a minute, it didn't run out. It's, it's August 24th, and we got to the 31st. But no, it's uh, it's already too late. It's uh, it's not moving at, uh, at the speed that it would need to to become law and clear both state houses. By August 31st, we'll have a week left, and it hasn't even gotten to, an, to a full assembly vote yet. So it, it's done. It would be shocking to me if somehow they crammed this through in the next week. So it's pretty much done, which means there's not going to be a law for 2017, which means the fight restarts again next year for 2018. And every year we have this. Every year we have, okay, well, it's not going to happen this year or next year because the law is going to be going into effect next year. So it wouldn't be next year either. So maybe it'll be the year after. I, I heard an old broadcast that I did in 2014 talking about maybe we will have legalized online poker in California in 2016. Now we're talking about 2018. I bet I'll be doing a show in 2018 talking about how maybe we'll get it in 2020. This is just dragging and dragging and dragging. This is one of these things that seems like it should have happened a long time ago, and it's just not happening. This fight seems like it's never going to be over because neither side is ever going to be satisfied, and each side has enough power to where they can prevent a version of the bill passing that they do not like. So Pachanga has enough power and influence to stop a version of the bill passing that lets PokerStars in unrestricted, and PokerStars has enough power to stop any bill that would be passing that would either block them or restrict them for a certain number of years. So it looks like a stalemate.
So don't expect to play legalized online poker in California anytime soon. That's disappointing, too. So I want to talk about Travell Thomas. Travell Thomas is a World Series of Poker circuit event winner, and he won twice. He has two World Series of Poker circuit rings. He has over 500000 in live caches in tournaments. I don't know how much he's spent entering, so he may or may not be a winning player. It's not really important here. Because Travell Thomas is not a professional poker player. Travell Thomas has a business which probably makes him a whole lot more than his poker play. In fact, not probably, it does. The problem is Travell Thomas was operating a business that was not operating honestly or within the law. He had a collections business. And the collections business is a very, very shady business to begin with. The collection business was called was called Four Star Resolution. It was based out of Buffalo, New York. Apparently, Buffalo, New York is a big center for debt collection. In fact, I guess uh, a lot of them exist over there, and the ones in Buffalo tend to all operate the same way, and that is they bend and break laws very often. Now, before we go into what four-star resolution is accused of doing, and by the way, this is a company that was owned by Travell Thomas and one other individual who doesn't seem to play poker, named Maurice Sessom. I want to talk a bit about collections. And I, I think we even have some listeners who work in collections, so you can call in at 775 775- Fraud 55 or 702-430-1808. That's our Mount Charleston line. I don't think I even gave that out yet. But you can call in if you want to talk about your experience in the collections agency. Collections on the surface sounds like a noble undertaking where there are people who are not paying their rightful debts to companies, deadbeats, and you take over the collections process because the company that is owed either uh, does not have the time or the ability to really go after their deadbeat customers. So they hand it over to a third party who tries to get them to pay. And you say, that sounds good, right? That sounds like it's fair. If you owe money to a company, you should pay it. And it makes sense that a company would be hired to try to pressure you into paying. The problem is that a lot of debt collectors are very, very shady in the way they go about doing it. And also, not all debts are necessarily valid debts. I have been called by collection agents before for various matters. I've had it for debts I'd already paid to the company and that there's some sort of mistake and I I don't owe the money anymore, but somehow they erroneously have it that I do. I've had it where it's over charges that I disagree with sometimes fraudulent charges, sometimes erroneous charges, and I say I'm not paying, and they give it to collections who start harassing me. I've had uh, various collection calls over the years. I'm not bombarded with collections calls. I haven't gotten one in, in years, but I've had them before where I was in the right, both legally and morally. And the problem is the collection agent does not work for the company. 
they are a separate company that has usually bought the debt at pennies on the dollar. So uh, sometimes it's a, a, a an agreement where if, if they collect it, they will give a certain percentage to the one they collect it for. Other times they just buy the debt at, at a very cheap rate. So the, a company will say, okay, we've, we've given up on the following 100 deadbeats. Here's the total debt. We're signing this over to you guys. If you guys can collect it, the money's yours. And you can buy this debt for, uh, I'm just making up a number, 3% of the whole thing. And that sounds like nothing. Like, why would they do that? But the truth is, for companies that have given up on collecting, it's like free money to them. And then the debt collectors, if they can use tactics to get these people to pay, if they can easily outmake the amount they spent on getting these debts sold to them, they can make a lot of money. So that's how these collection agents work. But there, there are a number of laws that are in place that regulate how these debt collection companies can work. Otherwise, they, they run amok. Otherwise, they do a lot of unethical things. And as I said, if that a lot of times the debt is incorrect or if uh, there's other issues or even if the person just can't pay. I'm not saying that they, they shouldn't pay, but the, there has to be some... Regulation on how these debt collection companies can operate. Otherwise, they they are just basically given the license to harass and terrorize people who owe money. I'll give an example of a very shady debt collector. For a while, I was sharing a PayPal account with my sister. I don't know why it just kind of happened over the years that we were uh, we both used the same PayPal account. We don't anymore, but we were. And. So they had her phone number on there, but she hadn't used the account in a while, so she knew it was stuff I was doing. So I guess uh, PayPal, I guess my PayPal fees I hadn't, or my my eBay fees I hadn't paid, or something like that. It was for eBay. So I hadn't paid my eBay fees on things I had sold. Just I forgot to do it. So I had gotten an email from eBay saying, you owe us $21 or whatever it is. I was like, oops, sorry about that. So I, I logged in and uh, I paid it. And that was that. So I thought. The next day, my sister got a call from a person saying they're in the collections department for eBay. In reality, it was not a department. It was a, a debt collector that was assigned the debt. The, the, the debt was sold to them. So they called my sister about 8 o'clock at night. It was a woman. And she said that... Uh, $21 is owed. I think the account was still in my sister's name at that point, too. So my sister said, hold on a second. Uh, I think my brother is the one who technically owes this money. Let me see if, if he's paid it or what the story is. So she put him on, put the woman on hold and called me. I told my sister, no, 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 I paid it yesterday. She said, well, that's fine. The woman is saying that uh, you didn't pay it. I said, well, hang on. Let me make sure it went through. So I went in quickly onto my eBay account and saw, yeah, it was paid off in full. So she went back to the woman on the other side who didn't hear our conversation and said, yeah, I just talked to my brother and he said that it's it's uh, paid in full. He was done. And she said, yeah, yeah, well, while you had me on hold, I went unchecked on this. And yeah, I see your brother attempted to pay off this $21 debt, but we see it was rejected. My computer shows me right here his payment was rejected and didn't go through, so you're going to need to pay me now. Complete lie complete lie 
in reality, she had no way to look at this. I mean, I guess she could have emailed eBay later, but she couldn't look at it in real time. She was just given a list of uh, accounts she could collect from. So instead of saying, I have no visibility into this, she lied and said, oh, yeah, I see that. Your brother's payment didn't go through. So she was trying to get my sister to basically double pay the debt. And uh, so my sister says, well, sorry, he paid it. I'm not paying. And the woman started threatening, you know, this is going to go on your credit, blah, blah, blah. My sister just finally hung up on her. And I explained to my sister that the woman is powerless. And I called eBay and uh, gave them a piece of my mind about this and complained about the debt collector. But they do things like that. I, I had another thing with a friend of mine who transferred a phone number to me. Uh he got a call from a debt collector from AT&T that was, again, not working for AT&T, but just bought the debt and scared him with all kinds of things, that uh, he might be arrested, his credit's going to be ruined for life, he's never going to be able to buy anything, and that he he said, okay, well, let me go talk to my friend who I transferred the account to. I want to make sure that he didn't leave any debt over. I, he told me he paid the whole thing, and I did. It was a mistake. I had paid everything. And the debt collector told him, no. If you call your friend, if you take any more of my time, I have to get this processed right now. I'm very busy. So we need to process it right now, right this minute. Otherwise, I'm hanging up and and the consequences are going to happen to you. I don't have time to wait for you to make three-way calls. I don't have time for you to contact your friend and get back to me. So you have to make a decision right now. Are you going to pay the $150 you owe? Or are we going to have to start a criminal case against you and also uh, ruin your credit for life? And my friend, who wasn't very wise with these matters, was very scared and whipped out his credit card and paid $150. And he told me about it. And in fact, he was mad at me saying, look what position you put me in. And then I showed him the proof that I paid and said, you just got scammed by by a debt collector. So I was so mad about this, I called AT&T and really laid into them about it. And AT&T looked into it, apologized, and I demanded AT&T send a $150 check to my friend. And then they did. It, it wasn't them. They didn't get the money. It was that debt collector. But they, because it was a debt collector working on their behalf and incorrectly, using incorrect information, I talked them into sending him a $150 check for what happened. But uh, that, that's the type of stuff that happens with debt collectors. So... A lot of times debt collectors will do things like this. They will pretend to be law enforcement. They'll pretend like uh, they have the power to arrest the people they're calling and demanding payment. They will sometimes make physical threats. They will sometimes act as if uh, a major lawsuit's about to be filed and they're about to lose everything. They will pretend to be attorneys. And... They will do everything they can to scare people. They will also keep calling over and over and over, sometimes even show up at the person's house, depending upon the debt size, even when asked not to. You do have a right to ask these debt collectors to stop calling you. There are, there are many debt collection laws on the books. Most of these companies skate around these laws, but some are much worse than others. Four-star resolution owned by Travell Thomas and one other guy, apparently was uh, one of the worst offenders of shady debt collection practices, according to the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission. Calwatt, hello. Welcome to the show. What's going on, Druff? How are you, man? Good. I'm glad to get you on tonight. I know you were uh, watching something with your wife and were unable to come on here. So, uh... Yeah, bizarre movie. Uh, I mean, it, 
it was good, but it wasn't what I expected at all. The voices with uh, Ryan Reynolds. And I thought it was going to be some like weird comedy about you know, he, he's the guy that played Deadpool in that movie. Uh, I thought it was going to be like some weird comedy where he talks to dogs, but or, I mean, it takes a really strange twist. It's actually it was pretty unusual. Well, okay, see that's uh, that's devotion though to your wife that you you can't uh, you can't leave to go be on this radio show. You have to complete the movie and then at midnight come on here. Which, uh, I wanted to watch the movie. Okay, okay. <laughs> when he died. Okay. <laughs> You should have, you, know, you should have said that uh, I wanted to come on the show, but I had to watch the movie. That's uh, that makes it seem like you, priorities with the show. But Ruff, my wife is much cuter than you. I'm sorry. Well, I know, <laughs> but just... uh, you know everything's everything's not about sex here. So, all right. So, so anyway, about the, this thing with uh, with these debt collectors. Before we get into exactly what Four Star Resolution did, have you ever been uh, contacted by a debt collector that's acted in a shady fashion? I I had someone call up my wife. It wasn't a debt collector. It was someone that was trying to scam her in some way, saying that they're going to like send the police over if she didn't make some kind of payment immediately or something like that. Uh, but it wasn't. I mean, it, I don't know. If it wasn't a debt collector. It wasn't like a legit thing. Yeah, it was probably a just an outright scam. Yeah. Yeah, it was some kind of a scam. Yeah. I, I also had a girlfriend once who, who got a call from a collection agent about a legitimate debt she owed, like a sixty dollars debt to a dentist or something. Sixty dollars. Yeah, and 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 this woman was trying the sympathy card. She was talking about, you know. So, I heard the I heard the call, and I said to my girlfriend, "Tell her you'll pay the principal the amount you owe, but no collection fee, no interest." Because this company bought the debt at pennies in the dollars, so they still make big money on this. So my girlfriend says this, and the woman says, "Oh no, well I can't take that. That's how I make my living." If if you don't if you don't pay me the the collection fee and the and the interest, then I don't get anything out of it. That I've processed this whole thing for for your dentist, but I I, I don't I get zero, and I'm not going to be able to make rent. I'm not going to be able to eat. This is this is what I do for a living. So, you know, I'm sorry, but that's that's what I do. I can't accept that. And and so my girlfriend, it was actually affecting her. She's like, so I heard her say, "Oh no, I understand. I understand. I know that that's." Uh, you know, I shouldn't have let this go late. You know, okay, let me pay this. And I, like, I grabbed the phone. I was like, no, 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 no. Give this to me. <laughs> and and, I, and so I, I said to the woman, okay, I'm I'm taking over here. Um, so here's here's your choice. I know exactly how your company works. I know you do make plenty of money from just paying the principal. So I'm giving you one chance to answer this correctly, and then I hang up the phone and never answer a call from you again. We are willing to pay the principal right now if you mark the debt as satisfied in full and zero interest, zero collection fee. Not one penny more. If the answer is yes, I will pay right now. If the answer is no with any kind of sob story, I'm clicking that hang-up button and you're never going to speak to us again. What's your answer? She says, okay, I agree. <laughs> so, I mean, that's uh, – so, and the thing was, my girlfriend was like – when I was saying this, she was like looking pissed and motioned to me angrily like what a jerk I am. And when it was over, she apologized. She said, okay, you were right. I was being scammed. I was being uh, – Yep. Manipulated. So, so these these are mostly scummy people who are these uh, collections. And 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 yes, I'll concede that a lot of times the people who are being called by collection agents are scummy people and deadbeats. And so I I don't have sympathy for a lot of them. But uh, I I got to tell one more debt de collection story I've told before on this show. I just have to because this is uh, this is my favorite one. I I got a ticket, a stupid seatbelt ticket in uh, Los Angeles, and then they didn't send me the courtesy notice for how much I owe, so I had no idea what to pay. I even forgot about it, and then it went way up because it was it became, quote, a warrant. 
I had to go to court to get the thing reduced back. Anyway, it, it tur- turned from like $20 to $563 and then got reduced down to $176, which was still crappy. And it wasted a whole afternoon of mine. Anyway, so I, I, I had to pay the 176 on the spot, and I did. I believe I paid it in cash, but I kept the receipt around just in case there was ever an issue. So 18 months passed, and there was no issue, and everything was fine. In fact, uh, then I moved to Las Vegas and got my license there, and there was no problem getting my license, so I knew there was no unpaid ticket because they, they interfaced with California. If I had an unpaid ticket, then they would uh, not have given me the new license. So I thought everything was cool. 18 months later, just a short time after I threw away the receipt, thinking I couldn't need it anymore, a collection agent not only told me I owe the money still, but I, I owe $576 or 563 whatever, 563 the, uh, the original penalty amount, that I've paid nothing. It was a collection agent for the court of West Los Angeles. Mm. And I said, no, that's a mistake. I, I already went to court. I got it reduced to 176 I paid it in full at the time. In fact, I even got my license uh, over in Nevada. I'm not even a California resident anymore. I'm not even in California right now. So they said, nope, our records show that this never happened, that you just never paid it, and you owe $563, so we're going to need to take payment right now. And I said, that's not correct. I'm not paying you anything. I've already paid this. It's done. I said, you contact the court. They'll, they'll, they'll settle it for you. They told me, we don't contact the court. We don't do that. You have to contact the court, and the only way you can contact them is you have to go down there. The only thing we will accept to get us to stop calling you is if you send us a document the court gives you in person that you no longer owe the money. <laughs> and I said, I don't even live in the state anymore. I don't even have a California license anymore. I, this is settled. I couldn't even have gotten this license if I still owed this money. And they said, again, this debt is not settled. We are the ones managing it. If it is a mistake, you will need to contact us, to contact the court yourself and get the document yourself, and this only can be done in person. We do not do this. That's not a service we do. So I'm arguing, arguing, arguing. I'm going nowhere. Then I'm getting nasty answers back to me. Look, sir, you're the one who chose not to pay your debts. Mm-hmm. You're the one who owes money. Don't give us an attitude, things like that. So I finally got pissed off. I said, all right, you, wanna, you want my answer? They said, yes said, my final answer to this is suck my dick. And they said, <laughs> they said what? I said, you heard me. My answer is, is, is suck my dick. And they said, they said, uh, excuse me, sir, you're being very rude. I said, no, I'll expand. I, I want you to come over here. I want to get on your knees, pull down my pants, and suck my dick until I come <laughs> in your mouth. And, and, and she says, what you're doing is not only very rude, but it's illegal and obscene. I said, no, it's uh. not. You're calling me. If you call me, I have a right to say whatever I want. I cannot be harassing you on the phone if you're calling me. So put down on your notes that if you call me, all I will say to you or any of your reps is suck my dick. That's my, my entire answer to you from now on is suck my dick. And she said, you can't do that. It's illegal. I said, okay, fine. Call the police on me. Suck my dick. So finally, <laughs> finally they, uh, they hung up on me. And then the next day I called the West L.A. court. I said, just want to make sure. Uh, do you show that this is satisfied? And they said... Yeah, you don't know anything. I said, well, what about this collection agent? They said, yeah, it must be a mistake. I said, okay, one final question. Do they have the power to affect my credit? They said, no, they, all they can do is make phone calls. We're the only ones who can affect your credit, and we show you owe zero. So I said, okay, so all they can do is just call me up. That's all they can do? Yep. I said, okay, I think I've settled that one. And they never even called me again. 
Oh man! So that was that was the way I solved it. Yeah, you can do that. By the way, I, I'm serious that you can. If someone calls you, you have the right to say to them whatever you want. So no one can call you and then claim you're being obscene. If you call them, it's a different story. But if someone's calling you, you can be as dirty as you want. And uh, so that really was my approach. That's what I was going to do if they kept calling me. And apparently it was effective. They never called back because I told them that's not what I'm going to tell them. And they knew they were getting nowhere with me. So getting back to what happened with this four, uh, four-star resolution, this is what the this is a synopsis of the Department of Justice charges released by the Federal Trade Commission in February of 2015. According to the complaint, Four Star regularly called cust- customers or consumers, not customers, consumers using fictitious addresses, bogus company names, and spoofed phone numbers. Hmm. After misrepresenting their name and locations, Four Star's collectors falsely identified themselves to consumers, claiming that they were attorneys, process servers, government agents, or criminal law enforcement officials. In addition, Four Star's collectors allegedly falsely claimed that the consumers had committed an illegal or criminal act such as bank or check fraud. That's a very uh, common one these collection agents like to do. Four stars collectors then falsely threatened consumers with dire consequences, including arrest, imprisonment, civil lawsuits, unless the consumers made an immediate payment of the supposed debts. And that's always what they're all about is immediate payment. They don't want you to talk to other people and realize that you're being scammed and lied to here. The complaint cites several examples that illustrate the defendant's alleged abusive and deceptive conduct. During one call to collect on a supposed debt, a four-star collector used the pseudonym Detective Jeff Ramsey and left a message where he falsely asserted that he was seeking to serve a bench warrant on the consumer for check fraud. In another instance, four-star collectors falsely told the consumer that her husband had committed check check and money fraud and that legal action would be taken against the husband if the debt was not paid in two days. I'm surprised they gave two days. Uh, one of the four stars collectors falsely identified himself to the consumer as Investigator Kearns and claimed that he worked for a government agency located in Washington, D.C. The complaint also alleged that when consumers asked for the proof of supposed debt, four stars representatives refused to provide it and instead told consumers that they would receive proof in court or after the debt was paid. The defendants often allegedly failed to provide written notice of the debt as required by law and failed to make required disclosures to customers. Finally, the complaint alleges that Four Star unlawfully disclosed information about supposed debtors to third parties, including friends, family members, and employers, and illegally used abusive and profane language. Hey, that's kind of like me in reverse. Uh, Including routinely calling consumers names such as idiot, dummy, piece of scum, thief, or loser. (laughs) (laughs) These these were people who were working for Travel Thomas. Now, you may say, well, maybe Travel Thomas didn't know this. Maybe he hired these shady collection agents who work on commission. And he had no idea this was happening. Maybe, maybe Travell Thomas is uh, only guilty of, of, of bad hiring practices. Well, no. In 2012, uh, Travell Thomas's company had a company with a payday loan company, which is also a very scummy industry. But a payday loan company called Payday Loan uh, is actually called Payday Loan Company. Payday Loan Company, they might be shady, but Four-star resolutions LLC is even shadier. So Payday Loan Company was getting very disgusted that uh, four-star resolutions was using their name in doing these uh, these collection scams. 
this is what the report says. In November 2012, the payday loan company advised Travell Thomas, they advised him personally, that it had learned employees of the company were making improper threats and misrepresentations in order to collect debts purportedly owed to the payday loan company and falsely indicating to consumers that the company was providing collection services on behalf of the payday loan company. So, so basically, uh, Four Star was calling up people and pretending that they're working for payday loan company and then doing all the crap I described uh, before. So people would call a payday loan company going, what the hell? You know, <laughs> why are you collecting debts in this illegal fashion? And payday loan's like, wait, 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 we didn't do that. We, this is a third party. They're, they're not representing us. We sold the debt to them, but we, you know, we, we don't endorse this. So, so they, they complained to Travell Thomas that his people were pretending to be either from or representing their company. So then it goes on to say, the payday loan company issued a letter to Travell Thomas directing him to cease and desist using the payday loan company's name in collecting debt. Travell Thomas refused, and employees of the company continued to attempt to collect debts purportedly on behalf of the payday loan company. So they, he just said, F you, we're, we're going to keep doing this. So he was very aware of it. In fact, he probably directed this. He and his, his partner, uh, that Sesame guy. Uh, also... The Department of Justice alleged in May of 2015 that uh, following the, uh, the the charges being brought, the initial charges being brought against the business, and uh, and the business, it was, the charges were brought against the business, the owners, and uh, se- several employees. That Travell Thomas himself instructed a former employee of Four Star not to show. Four-star scripts to quote anyone because quote they weren't legal. So supposedly he told this to an employee. They're like, hey, if, if the feds come around asking to see the scripts that I, we wrote for you, don't show anyone because these are illegal. So it showed that Travell Thomas wasn't doing this out of ignorance of the law. He actually knew what was going on. Again, this is a, a poker player who's won uh, two circuit rings and cashed over 500k in, in tournaments he's played. So it says in total. From about January 2010 through November 2014, the company, referring to Four Star, collected more approximately $31 million from thousands of victims across the U.S. Now you know how he has money to enter these tournaments. Uh, of the money that the company took in from victims, approximately 850000 in cash was paid to Sesame. Approximately 750000 in cash was paid to Travell Thomas. Approximately $1.4 million was cash from banks and ATMs. And tens of thousands of dollars was used to pay for Travell Thomas's gambling expenses, tickets to uh, professional sports games, Travell Thomas's wedding reception, jewelry, cosmetic surgery for his wife, and other expenses. So that's where the money went. Travell Thomas has cashed more than $510,000, mostly since 2009. So what is Travell Thomas saying to this? Travell Thomas is saying that this is all a result of racism. (laughs) Travell Thomas is claiming that they are only going after him and his co-owner, Maurice Sessom, because they are black. Uh, give me a break. (laughs) Even though this all seems like pretty damning evidence that uh, just because they're black, he's saying... uh, um, this is what uh, a court submission by Thomas's attorney says. Whereas most cases are traditionally handled civilly, 100% of the debt collection cases that are being prosecuted against owners of debt collection companies by Mr. Barra's office, this is Preet Barra, the same guy who uh, was responsible for Black Friday, are being brought against black male business owners. 
So he, he's trying to say usually they do the civilly, civil penalties. Uh, they're bringing a criminal case. Mr. Barr's office is uh, – 100% of the, the criminal cases that that office is bringing are against black people. However, there's a oh, little – Oh, that's why he called it Black Friday. It could be a pattern. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> Very risky. But yeah, uh, there's one problem with that statement. It is true that 100% of cases by Preet Barr's office – against debt collectors are being brought against black people. But 100% would be only them because that's the only case being handled by that office right now uh, regarding a, a debt collection situation. <laughs> so the way he's saying it is making it sound like uh, you know, they've got 20 cases going and all 20 are against black people and all the white people they just charge heavily. Here, this is the only one that they're doing. I give him credit for trying. It's yeah. creative. <laughs> so, Are they gonna they're gonna wake Al Sharpton up and get him down there? They probably. It says he's in New York. I'm sure he can uh, come down, even though it's upstate. So, I mean, from the description of what's going on there, this sounds really, really shady. It sounds like that they are guilty, and prosecutors became interested. Because uh, they exposed on a Dateline episode, a Dateline NBC episode in 2009, that a lot of Buffalo area firms were doing this. So these collection firms in Buffalo, for whatever reason, they they all were acting this way. So that was like the the hotbed of illegal collections companies. Not that they're all in Buffalo, but that Buffalo was a very common location for them. So uh, after the exposure on Dateline, prosecutors started looking into it. So th- this was very, very predatory. They were knowingly breaking the law. It seems very clear to me that these are scumbags. And uh, if you've ever wondered where some of the money comes from when you see high-limit players at the table who don't seem like they made it in poker, if you think it may have come from illegal means, a lot of times the answer is yes. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of times it is. And sometimes it's from drug dealing. Sometimes it's from scams. Sometimes it's from other stuff. Now, I got... This message from a user who listens to the show, he says that he doesn't want to be identified, but this is what he wrote. Not sure if you know anything about this guy, referring to Travell Thomas, but I've played with him quite a bit until two years ago. He staked a lot of players at Seneca Niagara Casino in Niagara Falls, New York. He blatantly colludes with these guys as of the last time I played with him. He has pull in the poker room there, so it was always ignored or or laughed off. I can't really back that up with evidence, but I can give you an idea of his character. He's a very stereotypical chatty black player. Tries to win win hands by talking to his opponents. A pretty horrible player who caught a hot streak. He's the type of guy that would be highlighted in WSOP coverage for his antics. Not surprising at all that he was involved in a shady debt collection scam, and even less surprising that he cried racism. I don't even know the guy personally. I've just seen his BS at the table over and over. So that's the perspective of a guy who's played with him a lot uh, up through 2014. And accused him of colluding with guys he staked. And in fact, he said he was blatantly colluding. So now I know you're uh, you're from that area. Have uh, have you ever played with Travell Thomas? I, I very well might have, and uh, you know, just didn't know who the hell he was. I haven't been there in a while, but I used to go down. They used to have a regular five five ten PLO game that was pretty good. But you know. Got a wife and kids, and it's an hour and a half drive, so I didn't go there that yeah, often yeah, anymore. That's my situation with commerce; is why I don't go there much anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, I've 
I, I know what he's talking about, the stereotypical chatty black player. There, there are these guys over there who, who really, uh, if you picture like a, a black guy who's very loud and outrageous uh, at the table, they, they all kind of blend in to be the same guy. And I'm not saying this to be racist. It really, they really do kind of all act like the same guy, the ones that uh, are, are what he says the stereotypical chatty black player. Druff, are you saying that all black people look alike? <laughs> no. did, you, did you really just say that? Did he say them? Oh my I God! Oh boy! No, and I've, just to be clear here, I, and I'm serious. I, I played with black guys who who just act totally normally and act the same as as white people and Asian people at the table, but but I've also played with the ones that are they're really loud and you you can hear them all the way across the room and they they as he said they try to win pots by just talking a whole lot and trying to get reads that way and that, that's fine if they want to do that but it does seem like a lot of those guys who do that also have a backstory that isn't exactly uh, very honest. And there was, there was that, what was the guy's name? Uh, Maurice something who he got uh, that Aaron Massey called out for owing all kinds of money. He was one of those type of players. And so it's just, uh, it's just an insight into where the money comes from a lot of the times. Now this, this isn't about black players, but it was about an Asian and a white player separately. Who actually start of a joke? No, no. no listen, they, an Asian, a white, and a black walk into a poker room. All uh, right, go ahead. Both of whom were eventually arrested for murdering their parents for a bankroll. Oh yeah. There was two different. One was a pretty high profile case of a of a guy named uh, uh, I think it was Eddie Shearer. I think his last name was Shearer. I forgot. Yeah, name. was that the Dateline where the guy was up in San Jose? I think. Yeah, it was Eddie Shore. That, that was his name. Yes, yes. He he murdered his parents in San Jose, and he's he was sentenced to life in prison for murdering his parents. And Ernie Shore, not, not Eddie. Ernie Shore was, uh, and I I had played with him before, not a whole lot, but I played with Ernie Shore before. When I saw his picture, I was like, oh wow, I played with that guy. Uh, so he was arrested for murdering his parents for a poker bankroll. He was a losing player who, I guess, his parents probably cut off, and he murdered them. And uh, there was a much less publicized – in fact, I can't even find anything about it anymore. But there was a, an Asian player who was pulled out of the 200-400 limit game at Commerce. Not a, a well-known player, but an Asian guy who was playing 200-400 limit at Commerce was pulled out, again, for murdering his parents for inheritance money. I think I remember you talking about that. Didn't you cover that? I did cover it. But, it, yeah, yeah it's a, so that's – imagine being here <laughs> in the 200-400 limit game at Commerce and the just police just show up there and grab a player and you find out he was – the money he was playing with was received in an inheritance for murdering his parents. They could probably show up at any table at Commerce or Hustler or any of those. Yeah. <clears throat> They're probably going to get 30% of the players for something. You know what? The police could come in and they could they could pull this guy off the table and tell everyone he, he murdered his parents and, you know, that's the money that he was playing with. There'd be about a two-second pause, and then somebody would be like, "Come on, dealer, next hand." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, call floor, floor man. This is uh, uh, holding up game. Holding up game. <laughs> call floor man here. Yes, but if it's a time game, I don't even think you're yeah. getting to a minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want, I want free wall. This taking up time and game. Yeah, if you've been to commerce, you've it's uh, it's very familiar. So yeah, that's. So that's uh, that's the story with that guy, and uh, I, I have a feeling that uh, now Bobby Orr is saying Buffalo isn't upstate. I don't agree with that. It's I mean whatever it, they call it Western New York. I mean I I consider 
most things that are not near New, near uh, New York City to be upstate in New York. That's what it yeah, seems pr- like to me. pretty much. That's the catch-all, right? Yeah. Like if it's not New York City, it's upstate. But yeah, I mean, some people consider Western New York. Like there's um there's a cute Asian girl at this uh, Chinese restaurant in our town that she's uh, Miss Western New York. Mm. So I mean, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't really heard of Western New York before, but yeah, I've always thought of it as upstate. You're not I, missing. I've, you're not missing. I've, I've totally heard. <laughs> I, I've totally always thought of Buffalo as upstate New York. In fact, Buffalo is so far from New York City that it totally seems like upstate New York to me. Isn't it's it like five hundred like, five hundred miles, right? Yeah, it's almost like Canada. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's right there uh, next to Niagara Falls. So. Exactly. Yeah. I actually this is show you how how Jewish I was. One time I went to Niagara Falls. And I, I had to. I don't remember the exact details, but in order to keep my car rental cheap, I actually had to return it and re-rent it. And so I actually drove it back across the border to Buffalo, returned it, and re-rented it there in Buffalo. Mm. I did that just to, to save some money because it was actually a big difference in in renting it the entire time. I think it was because the re- the rental originated in New York City, which made it very expensive. So, like, once I got to Buffalo, if I were to return it and re-rent it, it would have been a lot better. But I think I was getting to Niagara Falls too late to return it that night, so I had to go the next day. But it was a big difference. I remember that. Because I was, I was continuing the trip from there. So, okay. Uh, let's see. The chat room says, Lou Father says, suck my dick, Druff. <laughs> uh... uh Saw 24 is saying Dwight Pilgrim is bad. Uh, that's why the cash game guys love him so much. I mean, that's true of a lot of tournament players, that they're not good at cash, and the cash players are happy to see the tournament players sit down. It's not true of all tournament players, but of many. Let me read some texts here that I've received. Then we will go on to the next topic. Oh, I've got a lot of texts here. Okay, from the 716. Hey, Druff, amazing topic. Wow, I actually live in Buffalo, and I know Travell. He goes by T-Meister. In any event, he owes me $1,500. I had a piece of him in a tournament in Turning Stone back about five years ago. He ducked me, and I have seen him several times, and he was uh, playing me off, giving me the runaround. It was crazy because the guy wasn't what I thought to be rolling, but looks can be deceiving. I guess when you scam someone, it comes back to bite you. Karma, what a bitch. By the way, William Rockwell, as the guy who plays with his feet, is the best poker player ever. He plays The way he plays with his feet is mesmerizing. Thanks. Love the show. Polish Prince. This is who it's from. And then he's, he's saying, uh, Buffalo is western New York. Eight hours from New York City. Buffalo is upstate to people from New York City. And New York City is upstate to people from Buffalo. I don't believe that. It, it just depends what your location is. I think it would be downstate. Uh, from the 480, missed the start of show. Don't know if you covered Bovada to Ignition issue, but my funds haven't been moved either from my Bovada to my Ignition account. Haven't got an answer from them yet. Hmm. I, I don't think 480 is vintage wood jury code, is it? I, I think he's in California, right? Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that is him then, probably. Okay. Uh, from 616, call never win or say Mike on back or filthy loads in that Wisner pussy. Oh, come on. From the 410, Scott from the East Coast is always available, even though I prefer casino-based stuff. I think he's talking about being a co-host. I think we have a female listener. Uh, uh, 
a person said, check your PM, please. And uh, they said, this is, and they, I'm not sure if they want me to say their name, so I won't say it, but it's a female name. And, oh, okay, this is the girlfriend of a, of a listener here. I'm really hoping to play the tournament tonight. Rolling X420 is my boyfriend. He listens to this radio show all the time when he's falling asleep. So for the past four years, I've been randomly listening a lot, actually. I wanted him to write this email, but he wouldn't, and I guess I must be a hor- horrible rememberer of shit because I can't remember anything. Well, her name has 420 at the end, so I, I think it's pretty obvious why she can't remember anything. <laughs> I made an account on here forever ago. Going to try to play. It wasn't forever. I see the account was made in February. Uh, going to try to play the tournament since he always plays it. But I never did, and now I want in this time. So, I mean, four years of listening, I think I deserve in. Maybe not. Let me know. One thing I must say about the radio show is you all have really low-toned voices, and it definitely makes me sleepy. Hmm. See? Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, 573 saying you should do the show, the 200th show, which is next week, live on Twitch. No. From the 765, entries into MTTs and Bovada and Ignition are way down. Surprise, surprise. Only a matter of time before they start cutting the guarantees. From the 702, please send me some chips. Thank you. This is actually from another female listener. But uh, we actually, you don't really need chips because the games never go. The cash games, the the play money cash games never go. But I, I can send it if you want. 856, what's up with the show? Is there ever going to be a show again? Your fans are dying. We need more radio. Well, we've I mean, we've had some fans die. We had, like, what, three die in, like, the last year and a half. I'm not proud of that, but uh, I don't think it's from a lack of doing radio on my part. So those are all the texts I've gotten since the show began. And a guy from 217 texted on August 20th, Druff, I heard you blew China Maniac. What's the deal? So I didn't even answer that. Like, how am I supposed to answer that one? So then, two days later, after I don't answer, I get another text saying, confirm or deny the China Maniac blowjob. <laughs> so I, I texted back, what, that required a response? I, I thought that was a rhetorical question. Why, why would I be blowing China Maniac? China Maniac's getting married, by the way, and not to a man. He's getting married towards the end of the year. Okay, so full flush poker, which is a scam. You can deposit, but you can't cash out except for they'll pay a few people like 200 bucks every so often, but for the most part, they don't pay. You've heard those Roach Motel commercials. You, they, you check in, but they don't check out. It's kind of the same way with your money on full flush. It, 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 uh, you can deposit, but uh, you can't get it out. Your money checks in, but it doesn't check out of there. So Full Flush Poker, I got an email from them because I I have a dummy account I made there. I never played on there. But I got an email from them, and they are promoting an Aruba package where you can win a trip to a tournament in Aruba that they will pay for. I don't think that's very likely. I, I, if they're barely able to cash anyone out, and I say, when I say barely, I mean they're basically not cashing anyone. They're, they're sending a few hundred bucks to a few people every month just to look like they're cashing out. So are they going to be giving away several 
packages uh, worth many thousands each to the Aruba tournament that takes place in November? Uh, I, I think absolutely not. I think this is a gimmick to get people to get on there and play and deposit. They figure they have three months so they can scam people even more. And that guy, uh, Jonathan Brown, who runs Professional Rakeback, he's still featuring them as, as the main site that Professional Rakeback is supporting. He's their only affiliate. He's def- definitely a willing accomplice in the scam at this point. So, if you need Jonathan Brown's info, I have it. And I can give it to you if you want to sue him or if you want to uh, go say hello to him and ask him for your money. Because he, if you go to professionalrakeback.com, which is the scam rakeback site run by Jonathan Brown, and I call it a scam rakeback site because he is promoting scam sites that will never pay you, it says Casino Bonus of the Week, Full Flush. 100% instant match daily casino bonus. It's it's right up there. It's still the site of the week, and it is every week. And he's the only affiliate for it. And he's been made very aware of what's going on. In fact, he's indicated he has a special relationship with the owners of Full Flush. And still, he promotes it even though they're not paying anyone. So, his name is Jonathan Brown. And I have all his info. He's been a long-time Limit Hold'em player, but he does this as well. And Professional Rakeback used to have a good reputation, and he used to have a good reputation, but he's really turned into a big scumbag who just promotes a site that directly steals from people and doesn't care. I wouldn't be surprised if he partially owns it. That would be an explanation as to why he hasn't dropped them. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense why he's sticking by them so much. I don't care if he's the only affiliate. Why Why would he go this far to defend an obvious scam unless he's one of the scammers? I don't know this for sure, but it just is a guess of mine. But whatever it is, he's knowingly promoting an outright scam and doing so with no shame. So F him. And he's right here in the U.S. You know, he's uh, he's right here in the U.S. I have the guy's info if anybody wants it. Maybe that Preet guy would want it. Yeah, maybe. I've actually said people should go to law enforcement about this. You know, people should. Uh, well, I shouldn't say should. I people people are in the process of doing that. I, I can't get too specific, but uh, don't you get a reward if you do that IRS tip line? Because I mean, you know, no, actually, you don't because you have to have specific information. You can't just give them a tip because the IRS doesn't want to be burdened with people taking free roll shots at reporting their neighbors or their enemies uh, and just their ex-wives or ex-husbands and just hope they're going to hit pay dirt if the person is evading tax. Otherwise, you might as well send 100 reports to the IRS about every person you think could possibly be cheating on their taxes. So unless you can provide them direct proof of tax evasion rather than just a suspicion, then you will get nothing. Mm. You may get the person in trouble, but they will give you no reward unless you provide them direct proof, which makes sense. Otherwise, it it just burdens them with uh, people free rolling them. So – Anyway, uh, they're offering this stupid uh, – <laughs> let's see if I can find the email. Hopefully I didn't delete it. Let's see. Let's see. I don't think I deleted it. Let me try to find it here. Did I actually delete this? Let me, let me go to my other account. Yeah, I can't. Let me try to go to my deleted messages. I think I may have deleted it on accident. Oh, here, no, I, I have it. I have it. I deleted it, but I have it in my deleted messages. By the way, my name, 
you know, the name I registered under, I didn't register under my own name since I was never intending to play there. This is before all the scam stuff. I just thought it was a fail site. I didn't want them having my real info. So I signed up on Full Flush Poker under the name Jack Mehoff. <laughs> that's my name on there. Hold on. Hold on. Call her. Call her. Turn down the radio. This is interesting. It's actually a little bit confusing for fighters because marijuana is That's not our show. I don't know what that is. That's in the 2280 area. They're calling and playing some other show to us. Something about marijuana. Okay, so this is what it says. Full Flush Poker. This is on August 18th I got this. From Full Flush Poker support to Jack Meehoff. Poker in Paradise. Full Flush Poker. And you click on more info. Let's see what will happen. This summer, Full Flush Poker is giving you loads of chances to win to play a win a trip to play Poker in Paradise. The Full Flush Poker 2016 World Tour. Yeah, that's a tour I'd like to play on. Uh, continues in March with the launch of our PPC Aruba World Championship Tournament Series. The 2016 Aruba World Championship will be held at the Hilton Aruba Resort November 2nd to 8th, 2016, and will feature a $2,400 main event with a $500,000 guarantee. Full Flush Poker is the only place to qualify for this event online. Our weekly Aruba Qualifier Series starts uh, right at the start of Daylight Savings Time on Sunday, March 13th. That doesn't make any sense. Are they saying, wait a minute, <laughs> which March 13th? March 13th, 16, you go back in time to play? I don't get this. Let me go back and look what Sunday, March 13th. Yeah, that was this year, Sunday, March 13th. So so wait a minute, you're you're going back in time to March 13th to play the tournaments? I guess they that must be when it started, and they're, they're just repeating an old email they sent out. But the $4,200 package that you're going to win, the Aruba World Championship satellite package, includes the following. One $2,400 Entry, four nights of hotel accommodation, $600 in flight credit, a private welcome party for full-flush poker qualifiers, and uh, this one's very valuable, a full-flush poker swag bag. (laughs) Aren't you happy that uh, your money on full-flush that should be going to you and cash-outs are being spent to be producing swag bags? Your shot at this amazing package could cost you as little as $5.50. As $5.50 in our daily qualifying events, or you can buy into the event directly for $55. Isn't that nice? Now, I'm sure you'll get the package. I'm sure they won't stiff you. I'm sure they won't uh, leave you hanging with no package, with no airline credit. You know what? I wonder if what they're going to do is just give you credit for all this in your full flesh account. Mm. Like, okay, here's your $600 flight credit. Here's your $2,400 entry. So we're putting three k in your account. And as far as the hotel, uh, it costs this much per night. We'll put that in your account too. And uh, uh, good luck cashing it out. Uh, when we get done with our problems with the cash outs, I'm sure you can get it all. <laughs> I wonder how they're going to pay you or if they're going to actually directly buy you in. I don't know, but it's, it's so funny seeing a troubled site like this that's a scam advertising things like this obviously don't play that obviously don't expect you're going to get any kind of money from them or tournament from them but it shows you how scummy they are just running all this as if it's all fine lock poker did this crap too i don't i don't remember what they ended up doing when people would win this stuff but 
you, you don't want to mess with them. If you're on full flush, I would say cash out, but you won't get anything. But definitely do not deposit another penny there. Do not deposit another penny. Do not believe anything they tell you. It is a scam. Well, here's a series that isn't really a scam, but it also has not been very well run, even though it's been successful. The EPT, the European Poker Tour, which uh, was owned by PokerStars, is going away. The problem with the EPT is that PokerStars did not know how to handle problems that would occur there. They didn't have the best people running it. They didn't have the smartest people running it. And a lot of bad things happened. A lot of dumb things were done. A lot of players got screwed in various scandals that occurred over the years. Mostly just from incompetence or poor decision making. But the problem was, after the fact, poker stars would just try to cover it up. Poker stars would never try to resolve the matter for people after the fact. They just wanted to go away. And they were sometimes, it seems like, afraid that if they gave people a full resolution, that it would make it look like they were fully wrong. So they'd give like a partial resolution. Or just try to sweep the whole thing under the rug to just make the whole thing go away. And it was kind of successful because their poker stars had so many idiotic fanboys that sometimes it did go away. The worst of which was that whole situation in EPT Barcelona where the hotel security was in cahoots with thieves who were breaking into rooms. I should say scammers who were breaking into rooms and putting Trojan horses and viruses on laptops or keyloggers, uh, screenshotters, and in order to look at high-limit players' whole cards. They were stealing laptops and putting the stuff on there. And hotel security was in on it. And poker stars, instead of batting, going to bat for the players, just helped cover it up more. Poker stars wasn't in on it happening, but poker stars was in on covering it up happening and, in fact, returned to Barcelona the following year. And gave no compensation to the players that were affected by this. So they, they've they been very poor at live tournaments. PokerStars just sucks at live tournaments, even though the EPT has been successful because a lot of people in Europe just want to play these tournaments and they've been good at marketing it. Operations-wise, EPT has been very poor. A lot of people have been screwed. A lot of people have been treated unfairly. And PokerStars, every time, washes their hands of it. They never seem to staff these events with intelligent people who handle things right from the start nor do they seem to want to fix problems after the fact once they've occurred. So with that said, PokerStars is shutting down the EPT, but not for the reason I said. They're just shutting it down because they're moving on to something else. This is their press release from today. They were nice enough to release this the day of the show so we could talk about it and be timely. Thank you, PokerStars. Today, PokerStars announced that beginning in 2017, all of its live events will fall under one of two tours, the PokerStars Championship and the PokerStars Festival. It's a move that has been in the making since the days of the European Poker Tour broke out of the European borders. Now the full PokerStars EPT experience is going worldwide. So what they're saying here is that the EPT is like a misnomer, that it's no longer just in Europe, so they don't want to call it the EPT anymore. So they're just renaming it to two different tours the PokerStars Championship and the PokerStars Festival. So here's a description of the PokerStars Championship. This is the big one. Starting with the first PokerStars Championship in the Bahamas, known formerly as the PokerStars PokerStars, uh, Caribbean Adventure, January 6th to 14th, 2017, the Championship Tour will circle the globe and hit some of the biggest cities and prestigious casinos. Now, I'm going to stop there. Remember I reported on this show 
and on Twitter that I was given information that this is the last year of the PCA, that PokerStars had basically outgrown it, that without U.S. players on PokerStars, a Bahamas location didn't even make any sense, and that 2017 was going to be the last year. I don't know if that's still true, because, as I said, it was going to take place in 2017, so they have until 2018 to announce it's not going to be back. So that's a while away. We're looking at uh, 17 months. But they have at least rebranded that stop now as part of the PokerStars Championship. And we will see if it continues. The numbers have been down there in the Bahamas, and I've heard that uh, they're just kind of dissatisfied with the whole thing, and it's not really a good location for people who still play on PokerStars. So they denied it. It was actually brought up to PokerStars that I had reported this, and they said that I was wrong but I was given this information by a a well-placed source. So at least at the time I was given the information, it was correct. It's possible they changed their mind since then, but we will see. Anyway, going on. The championship, sorry, most stops will last 10 to 11 days and feature up to 100 tournaments, including a $5,000 or 5,000 euro main event and a variety of cash games. Stops in the Bahamas, Barcelona, Monte Carlo, Macau, and Panama are already planned. And more will be announced in the coming months. Now, how are they going to fit 100 tournaments in 10 days? That seems kind of weird to me. Are they talking about satellites and other things? Like, how, how do they fit 100 tournaments in, in 10 days? It's a lot of tournaments. Especially in a small venue like that. Yeah. Uh, so the new tour will also mean a p- new player of the year contest with a tournament leader board at each stop. The player who tops each individual leaderboard will win a VIP package, including accommodation and PokerStars Championship main event buy-in for the first PokerStars Championship for the following year, plus entry into a special invitational tournament featuring $10,000 winner-takes-all first prize. That's interesting because look at the way they worded that, that they will win a buy-in to the main event for the first PokerStars Championship the following year. Why not just say the PCA? I thought that is the first. It's, it's always at the beginning of January, so they would always be the first one. So why would they say the first one the following year instead of just they'll win it for the, the PCA? So it really does sound like they're not bringing it back there. Now here's a description of PokerStars Festival. Looking for something a little more affordable and fun? The PokerStars Festival events will be your thing. You know, PokerStars should be paying me to do this, by the way. I'm advertising for them. They'll last six to seven days and be... More like a poker holiday with a wide variety of events meant for recreational players. Each festival will have a main event with buy-ins ranging from 1,000 to 1,500. The first two festival stops will be in New Jersey and London. Stay tuned for more or other planned ports of call. It says, what to expect? This announcement is not just a matter of consolidating tours. As part of the new championship tour, PokerStars has upgraded its... PS Live registration system with an online platform for players to register for tournaments prior to events, a new mobile app for PokerStars Championship events, and self-serve terminals to streamline the registration process. What's more, the the tour will soon launch a new website providing a single stop for everything related to PokerStars-sponsored live events. We're always thinking of how to bring the best experience to players through the variety of tournaments we sponsor, the ease of finding information, and how we communicate to players and media, and the overall experience on and off the felt. This is a quote from someone at PokerStars. The, 
The PokerStars Championship and PokerStars Festival events are an enhancement of the existing PokerStars sponsored live tours, hoping to take our vision for live poker to a whole new level. Well, here, here's a new level you can bring your, your tours to. How about actually not making boneheaded mistakes? How about staffing people there who are intelligent and can be reached when controversy occurs? And how about making it right for players when you guys screw up? <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that should be first order of business before adding new tours. Now, so let's, let's focus on the New Jersey thing because that's a, a new one for poker stars having a, a presence in the U.S. in the live, uh, live tournament scene. So the very first festival tour will happen in New Jersey – on uh, October 29th, 2017 through November 6th. Over the course of that week at Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City, you can expect 40 poker tournaments with buy-ins ranging from 100 to 5,000. Actually, I, I can't, you know what? It may not be... I, I don't know if it's 16 or 17. They're not being clear. Yeah, I don't know. The whole... The words festival in New Jersey just don't really go well <laughs> together. You know what I mean? It's not like festival uh, Barcelona or, you know. It's or even just, New Orleans. Yeah, it's like. Or um, anything. Yeah. Anything but, New, uh, but New Jersey. Jersey. A festival in New Jersey. I mean, seriously, I feel bad for people coming from outside the U.S. who are like, ooh, festival New Jersey. And then they see it, they go, oh, okay, never mind. Uh, yeah. so actually, I don't even know what year this is. They're not even being clear. Like well, they, say, they say it'll happen October 29th. Well, which October 29th? They, they talk about 2017. It, yeah, it says beginning 2017, but then they're talking about October 29th. They're not clear if it's this year or next year. I'm assuming it's next year. Here are a few highlights from the schedule. Uh, I'm not going to read it. Who cares? Uh, we're expecting to see the likes of Jason Somerville, Daniel Negreanu, Barry Greenstein, Jason Mercier, Chris Moneymaker, and Vanessa Selps during the festival. You're not expecting it. You're, you're forcing them to go. <laughs> I don't think Negreanu wants to go play a $2,200 uh, high roller event is what they're calling it. The, the $2,200 Poker Stars Festival High Roller. <laughs> I'm laughing at that. Not, I'm not laughing at a $2,200 tournament. I'd play that myself, but I'm just saying that they call it the high rollers. It's kind of uh, funny given what uh, events go these days. We have like events going for a million bucks, and they're saying the 2200 is a high roller. But uh, they're saying we're expecting to see the likes of these guys. They're actually putting a lot of money, by the way, into Jason Somerville. Jason Somerville has a handler when he tran- uh, travels for Poker Stars. They, they really are, are getting behind Jason Somerville because he has a big following. And uh, so the, I, I'm sure. All these people have it in their contract. They have to be there. Now, PokerStars is buying them in and probably paying for all their expenses to be there. But that's why they're, quote, expecting to see them. The only reason they're not guaranteed to be there is in case they get sick or something else happens. Uh, Along with the poker, there will be a casino festival with blackjack, video poker slots, and roulette tournaments. There will also be a Stars Fun Skill Zone and Run It Up Day with Team PokerStars Pro and Twitch Superstar Jason Somerville. See, I told you they're uh, they're really pumping up the Somerville thing. Also, stay tuned for details of a Survivor Immunity Tournament featuring Tyson Apostol and Boston Rob Mariano. Yeah, they have some sort of uh, association with Survivor, too, because uh, Brandon went to Reno and saw Jason Somerville there, said he was a really nice guy. In fact, Somerville said he would come on this show, so we should really have him on here. But uh, there were a number of those Survivor contestants at this Reno thing, which is a Poker Stars event at the time, or had some affiliation with Poker Stars, and so they have something having to do with Survivor. 
we are committed to growing the poker market in New Jersey, and part of the strategy is to help make New Jersey the poker hub of America in November. <laughs> Eric Holreiser, poker star, is uh, director of corporate communications. So that's 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 a real that's really aiming for the sky there, making New Jersey the November poker hub. <laughs> I mean, uh, as opposed to what? What's currently the November poker hub, other than maybe the November nine in Las Vegas, where nine people play? What, what else is the November poker hub? November isn't exactly a high-profile month for poker. So that's going on. I, I got a text about this. Uh, maybe I didn't hear something right. This is from the 406. I think it came from uh, the guy who calls himself uh, Sheboon Pickens or Brittany Grinder's clit. He said, maybe I didn't hear something right, but did, did I just hear right? They're renaming the PCA or holding at a different Caribbean casino. No, I think it would be at the same place at the Atlantis. I just think that uh, they are renaming it. I, mean, I don't think this. They are definitely renaming it from the PokerStars Caribbean Adventure to the PokerStars Championship in the Bahamas. It's part of the PokerStars Championship Tour. There's now two PokerStars Tours, the Championship Tour and the Festival Tour. The Championship is, has the higher buy-in events, the Festival, the lower buy-in events, and there's no more EPT either. So They're also going to New Jersey. So that's what's going on. And I, I just hope they do this better because there, there have been so many different scandals we've talked about over the years that have occurred, usually due to incompetence and then attempting to cover up the incompetence. So I, I wouldn't really say these scandals were because PokerStars was trying to do something shady, but they were just incompetent. And then instead of taking responsibility, like I, I could handle these, like if I was in charge, if I was in charge of these live events, number one, I would hire at least one very customer-friendly, intelligent person to be on hand at every one of these events who will be called over whenever there's a controversy. And then he would make a decision. He'd make a good decision because he'd be a smart guy who could make good decisions. And the decisions would always be player-friendly. Like if, if anything happened that was the fault of poker stars, he would make it right in a generous fashion to those affected. And that would be great PR for them too. He'd be a fixer. Yeah, he would be a fixer, right. And, and that's, that's what I would do. And if for whatever reason that guy messed something up, then I would also make a public uh, restitution for wh- whoever got screwed up, or at least public where it's being discussed. Like, I wouldn't necessarily put it up on the PokerStars.com site, but at least I'd show up on 2 Plus 2 or have my rep show up and say, okay, if we're really sorry about this, uh, for the trouble, this person gets whatever that more than compensates him, and everyone will say, oh, wow, what a great company. That's the way to do it. Like, PokerStars is so smart with a lot of things, but they're, with live events, they've always been dumb. They were dumb before the Amaya days, and they've been dumb in the Amaya days. That, that has not changed. So hopefully they will finally change. Hopefully they will stop seeing the live events. Uh, they, they see the live events as a cash cow, but also are ever af- they're afraid to solve problems with it real time for fear of harming their brand if they acknowledge they screwed up. But all they do is make the whole situation worse. I don't, I don't think anyone will say, wow, Poker Stars, you weren't perfect in the first place, so you guys are awful, we hate you. No one's going to say that. People will see that Poker Stars made things right and made whole the affected players, and they'll say, wow, this is a great company. 
No one will ever say that a company that makes something right for an affected player who got harmed in some way uh, is a bad company. Even if they screwed up in the first place, everyone will say, wow, what a great company for making things right. So they, they need to do that. Hopefully they will do that. Hopefully they will take my advice and the advice of others that they need to get their act together in these live events. So let's see here. By the way, I, I was told by Brandon he wants to come on, but he is still busy right now. I know what he's doing. I, it's not He's not tricking me. I, I know exactly what he's doing at the moment. I just uh, won't say it on the air. I don't know if he wants it said. So. Oh, it must be good then. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Someone's complaining in the official radio thread that there's no prank call. You know, Guys, if you want a prank call, suggest one to me. Like, suggest one that's that's doable and that... I can do it night and reach someone. Lauren Kling, ask her about her butt hair. <laughs> if I could reach her, I might. You're the man with the contacts. No, I'm really not. That's the problem. I don't. I I don't have that many contacts. I'd have to search them out through databases. Maybe you could friend her on Facebook. You know, tell her that you want to call her to. Well, the problem ask, is she ask she, her about her grooming. No, the, the problem is she she doesn't <laughs> like me because of uh, the whole thing when we had we had her on that time and then. After she hung up, when Brandon said she was poker pretty. Well, how about this Jonathan Brown guy uh, dropped? Is there any connection or way we can get a? Oh, he won't come on. He, well, yeah, he won't talk. I, I've I've tried to talk to him on Skype and he won't talk. Like he's uh, well. Can we find his number? Yeah, I, I actually, you know what? That's a good point. I I don't have it with me right now, but I I do have his number down, and we we should try to just hit him sometime, like maybe next week. I meant to do that, actually. It's it's a good idea, and in fact, it's one I also thought of. And, and thanks for reminding me, because I, I did want to just kind of hit him with a cold call one week. And I, I just don't... I put his number somewhere, and I don't know where it is, and it'll take some time to search it out. But, yeah, we should call him, see if he answers the phone. Right now, it'd be too late anyway, because he's on the East Coast. So he could be up now, but I think... Like, someone gets a call at 1 in the morning, they're going to be kind of on guard. Like have you had have you had your phone ring at that time and you don't recognize the person calling you and you're like immediately you feel like a little anxiety right like like you you think something if you got a weird number calling you at one a.m. you get kind of like what the hell is this this couldn't be good I just wouldn't answer it yeah, or that yeah, right <laughs> like like I'll answer but I'm like immediately on guard like like uh, what the hell is this I bet this is gonna be something I don't like all right whereas if it happens during the day I'm much more likely to answer and just be. Uh, Less suspicious of the caller. So I, I'm always suspicious to some degree of someone calling up and not being what I expect. Like a call I'm not expecting or, or where they're telling me something that doesn't seem to add up right away. Then I'm immediately suspicious. I, I once had a guy many years ago. This is like more than 20 years ago. Calls me up and says, yeah, hey, what number have I reached? <laughs> or no, not whatever. Hey, who have I reached? And I said, uh, well, who are you looking for? Well, um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm calling from uh, you make some some company name, and we have you in our database. So who have I reached here? And I said, huh. well, that's uh, if if I'm in your database, I shouldn't be. I don't know your company, so please remove me. He says, well, okay, but I just want to make sure that uh, your name's not in there. So c- can you tell me who I reached? And I said, <laughs> I said look, uh, again, uh, I should not be in your company's database. You should not be calling me. I don't know you. I don't want your call. Please remove me from your database and don't call me again. He says. Okay, but I, I think it would really be better if you just if you just told me who you were, then we could make sure it doesn't happen. I said, look, let me stop you here. Let it's me, almost pathetic. I said, I said, let me stop you right here. No matter what you say to me, no matter what excuse you give, I am absolutely positively not going to tell you my name. 
And he goes, <laughs> fuck you, and hangs up on me. <laughs> <laughs> you get called by Underachievers Anonymous or something? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty sad, man. That is pretty sad. Yeah, he, he, just, he just didn't want to give up. I don't know what he was looking for, but uh, he just didn't want to give up. It was a, a, a poor attempt at social engineering with me. So here's another New York story. Daily Fantasy Sports has now been legalized in the state of New York. Daily Fantasy Sports at one point was banned from the state of New York, and I thought rightfully so. They were involved in a lot of scandals, including the biggest scandal being that the two biggest Daily Fantasy Sports sites by far, FanDuel and DraftKings, employees were playing on each other's sites and doing really, really well. And it was found that they had access to player data from their own site. And no, since these were both such big sites, they were able to basically figure out by the law of averages that uh, people who own certain players on one site, of whatever percentage owned those players on one site, would probably own on the other site something similar. And they could formulate pretty much an unbeatable strategy using insider information. It, it's almost like super using. So... These people had a huge edge, so even though they were not like even though the FanDuel employees were not seeing any information on DraftKings, and DraftKings employees were not seeing information on FanDuel, by looking at their own company's confidential information on what players had been uh, selecting, as far as the players that they were owning in their fantasy contests, they were able to extrapolate to what the other site likely would have, and they would be very similar. So it was almost like seeing who owned what players on the other site. So this was a big, big scandal. Uh, unfortunately, nobody went to jail for it. I feel they should have. Uh, there are still cases against them, but uh, so far no one's gotten in that much trouble. It was a, there was a good deal of controversy about it, so much that even in one of the Republican presidential debates, it was actually brought up as a debate question about what should be done about daily fantasy sports. So it became a big topic for a while that kind of died down recently. And, and New York was one of the states the attorney general actually tried to both prosecute these sites and also uh, ban them and, and disallow them from offering games to New York customers. They eventually had to stop. So I, I felt that these daily fantasy sports sites were very, very shady. In addition to these practices, which were verified to have been occurring, which were really, really bad. But they were also very misleading in the way they advertised. It, re it really sounded like the average player could just go on, set his lineup, and if he gets lucky, then he'll win a lot of money. In reality, that was very, very unlikely that in addition to the insiders who were playing on there, there were also pros who were using advanced tools to set hundreds or thousands of lineups at once. So like if the, every, they, they'd have thousands of entries going, if they had a report that uh, someone got injured, their tool could immediately drop that player and replace them with someone else in, in all thousands of lineups they had going. And the average player couldn't do things like this. Yeah, that's like the, the HUD for daily fantasy sports. Yeah. You know? and, Give and, them a similar advantage. So the, the, the people they were marketing to had no clue that they were up against pro players with these advanced tools, these advanced automated tools. And even though the sites eventually made these tools, they made these tools available to everyone, uh, most people, the average player, didn't know how to use them or would have no clue how to, you know, how to operate these things or even in some cases that they even existed. So 
It was something, or, just, or give a fuck. Yeah, or give a fuck. So, so the <laughs> truth is, it just it just was very misleading the way they were they were marketing to the public, and the public was really really had no chance. There, in fact, I read some good articles entitled things like "You have no chance to win a daily fantasy sports," or "You're going to lose a daily fantasy sports," and it was true. That's a, that, for almost all the readers of that article, that was true. And it's worse than poker because poker, at least, is pretty straightforward. Poker. Uh, just about everybody who plays knows that there are good poker players, there are bad poker players. There's there's uh, poker strategies that you can use that uh, are effective that make you a better player if you adopt them. And if you choose to put in the work to become a better player, or even just have the natural skill to pick it up very quickly, that you will be a winner. If you're if you're uh, not, then you'll be a loser. And of, of course, there's the luck factor as well, where uh, you can sometimes win or lose based on luck, but. Very few poker players have ever sat down and said, "What? I didn't know that there's real skill to this. I, I didn't know that if, if uh, uh, that there could be players better than me, and I have very little chance." But like every poker player sits down. Now, most of them think they're a lot better than they are. You rarely see a, a player sitting down and says, oh, "I suck. I'm terrible, but I'm playing anyway." Usually, you don't see that. But they may delude themselves into thinking they're good. But at least everyone knows there's a major skill element to, to it, and it's a lot different than where insiders are getting an amazing advantage and where there's pro players using these automated tools which give them a gigantic advantage, much more of one than using like HUDs in, in poker. So I'm not against the legalization of daily fantasy sports, but I felt that, number one, the companies that were doing this need to be punished in some way. And number two, that there needs to be very strict regulations against all of these practices that everyone should fully understand what they're getting into, that all these automated tools should be banned, that insiders should not be... Once you work for any daily fantasy sports site, you should not be allowed to play on any daily fantasy sports site, period. That just about no one should have access to who owns what player within the company, except for maybe like a few tech guys uh, who are responsible for maintaining it, but other than that, it it shouldn't be accessible by, by reps which it was. So there, there needs to be a lot of strong regulation. So New York is uh, attempting to do that. So after a year of legal struggles, uh, New York Attorney General Eric Sch- Schneiderman uh, and... Uh, Uh, has agreed to let Daily Fantasy Sports be legal in New York, and Governor Andrew Cuomo signed the bill on August 3rd, which made Daily Fantasy Sports legal. The state legislature actually the state legislature actually passed this in mid-June. The Assembly voted uh, 91 to 22 in favor, and the Senate uh, voted 45-17 in favor. So it had a lot of support. In a press release, after signing the bill into law, Governor Cuomo said, Daily fantasy sports have proven to be popular in New York, but until now have operated with no supervision and no protection for players. This legislation strikes the right balance that allows this activity to continue with oversight from state regulators, new consumer protections, and more funding for education. I don't know what that last part means. I guess they're going to 
tax them and give money for the extra education and uh... B- bullshit. I mean, that's the way that they sell it, yeah. right? Cause that's what was supposed to happen with all the the state lotteries. That's how these those were initially sold. That they we're going to well the reason why we're going to be the only ones that do legalized gambling, you know, in states that don't have it uh, via the lottery. They sold it to everybody, saying, "Well, you know, all the money is going to go to education." Well, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. So, I've, actually, in California, I've seen the budgets of the schools. They are getting some money from the lottery, but I'm not sure if it is what was being promised compared to. Well, I'm sure playing. some money is going there, you know, yeah. uh, but it's not the money that was originally. They said it was going to be. I mean. Uh, not to go on too much of a tangent, but for instance, we've got a, a toll road in New York State called Route 90, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a road that stretches all the way across the state. And the way this was originally sold was that it's going to be a toll road until it's paid off, right? Yeah. Well, it was paid off. The loans or the notes that they took out to build the construction, all that stuff was paid off in the 1990s. Tolls are still there. Oh, yeah. There's one of those in, in Southern California. They had the Vincent Thomas Bridge in San Pedro, which is like the port of Los Angeles. And yep. they, they were collecting a toll for decades. And then that was supposed to be the same thing where, where once it was paid off that they were supposed to stop collecting tolls. Well, not only were they collecting tolls decades after it was done, but because the tolls didn't really go up and because the cost of manning the booth did go up because of uh, having to pay the employees and benefits and all that, they actually did an audit and found that they were paying the toll takers more than the tolls were taking in. <laughs> so they, they, they eliminated the tolls for that reason. That, that was why they did it, because they were losing money on taking tolls. In the yeah, and, and shockingly, and I don't know why, but the, the toll collectors on the New York State Thruway anyway, they make an obscene amount of money, like relative to what you think they would make by just standing there and like. I think that's what was happening in California too. I think that's why they did away with it. Like, how the fuck does that happen? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, maybe, I, maybe I that's wouldn't a good think jo- the, the toll collector lobby would have that much influence. Maybe that's know? a good job for broke poker players to take. Be a toll collector. <laughs> I guess they get a bankroll back. Okay, so so uh, they're not allowed to get back uh, online yet, but. Uh, Anyway, the, the license, temporary licenses are were going to be issued, and uh, the New York State Commission has issued the following press release. And these are ones that were operating in New York uh, before November 2015. They're the ones who are eligible to get the temporary license, which is kind of funny that the ones that were acting shady, or some of them were that were acting shady, they were already there. They're the ones who get the first shot at the licenses. Like a newer company that wants to start up and say, hey, we'll, we'll follow all the rules and we've never screwed up. They, they don't get a license. But the, the ones that already were there, some of whom screwed up, they get a license. So this is the press release. The New York State Gaming Commission today issued temporary permits to interactive fantasy sports operators, DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, Fantasy Draft, and Draft. Now, I've never heard of Fantasy Draft or just Draft. But anyway, they got it too. These companies may resume operations immediately in New York State. The commission has completed a legally required thorough review of the temporary permit application from these five companies, ensuring required consumer protections, player safeguards, and advertising restrictions are in place. As the newly enacted law requires, the commission regulates all aspects of interactive fantasy sports, including ensuring the operators put important consumer protections in place, said Commission Executive Director Robert Williams. 
While the commission continues to work on formal regulation for these games, these temporary permits get companies up and running in New York State while assuring resident players that safeguards are in place. The commission continues to review permit application materials from additional operators seeking to do business in New York State. Upon approval, their permits will be available on the commission's website for public inspection. So that is what they've put out. I I would – I don't know why they don't make the companies that screwed up, that is DraftKings and FanDuel, come forth with some sort of settlement – before getting these temporary permits. That'd be a good way to twist their arm to just back down and give some kind of settlement to at least players in New York State for all the bad behavior that occurred on these two sites. Like you could say, okay, we'll give you the temporary license, but not until you cough up this amount of money. I, I bet they would have too because it's, it's so lucrative to operate there. New York State was a very, very popular place for daily fantasy sports despite having far less than 10% of the population of the U.S., 10% of the Daily Fantasy sports players on those two sites were from New York. So... It's all the guys on Wall Street, man. Yeah. So Daily Fantasy... So DraftKings and FanDuel, they've been out of the New York market since March 2016. They agreed to some sort of settlement back then with uh, the Attorney General. I don't know what it was. Uh, but uh, in exchange for the sites pulling out of New York... Uh, the Attorney General agreed to drop most of the charges levied against them, including promoting gambling, possession of gambling records, advertising fraud, violation of business corporate law, and violation of general business law. But they do have lawsuits still against them for the advertising and consumer fraud. But uh, it, it doesn't sound like it involved any money. It sounds like they just pulled out of New York and then these things were dropped. It sounds like they got off pretty easily. I, I would have pressed a lot harder if I was the Attorney General there. And at the very least, held up their ability to get the temporary permit. Imagine how pissed off FanDuel and DraftKings would be if Yahoo and this fantasy draft and draft got to serve New York players and they couldn't. Mm. And, and they're told, you know, cough up money for your wrongdoing or else you just don't get a permit. Then I bet they would have coughed up the money quickly. So once again, the, the bad actors get an advantage. Just like I've talked about with poker stars getting all the advantages they did by continuing in the U.S. market. And then now here they are in the legalized market and they really want to be part of the legalized market in California. Same things with DraftKings and FanDuel. In not so much that they were breaking the law, which I, I still feel they kind of were by offering the type of fantasy sports games they were, but they were more bending an existing carve-out in the gambling law. So... That I'm not really concerned with, but the way they behaved, it was definitely unethical, and they knew it. They just felt, hey, we're not looking at the records of the other site, so if we're looking at our own records, you're like, you know, does that really mean we're cheating? No, I don't think it is. Okay. <laughs> What's funny is if you dare criticize daily fantasy sports to someone who's heavily involved in the industry, their hair stands up on end, and they get really mad at you. They take it really personally. It's, it's almost like discussing politics with someone who's very passionate about one side or the other. So like uh, Jack's poker, known as Eric, his name is Eric Crane. He's been around in poker for a long time. And I've met him in person many times. Always gotten along I, for, fairly well with him. I was going to say, I've had some really good experiences with him. Yeah, I no, thought I he was a really nice guy. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Eric Crane. 
But boy, did he get pissed at me on Twitter. He made some kind of comment about Daily Fantasy Sports, and I made some kind of joke referring to the scandal. This is a joke. And he's like, well, that shows you how, how ignorant you are of this industry. Why don't you stick to poker? Like, he's some, like Damn. Some, the public tweet, like, really nasty back to me about that. I just made a joke. Like, he, he's really into Daily Fantasy Sports. It's like a big thing he's doing now. So, like, you, I'm telling you, you, you criticize anyone who's really into it, and they get so mad. But they just don't want to admit it. They don't want to admit that the, the sites, that the, the, the two big sites – really did some bad and unethical things and so far haven't really paid the consequences for it. So it goes back to, oh, you know, no one's gone to jail. You don't understand it. It's not as bad as it looks. It was just uh, things that appeared bad on the surface but actually weren't that bad or maybe it was a, a few wrong decisions but nothing that was sinister. I, I, I hear all this crap, but it's BS. People enriched themselves through cheating. They did. And not only that, they also were advertising to the average player that they implying very strongly they had much better of a chance than they really did to win. So that's, uh, I, I did not like what went on at these companies. And as far as daily fantasy sports itself, I'm actually for its legalization. It's not like I'm anti DFS. I think it's fine. If daily fantasy sports gets legalized in the U S or state by state, whatever it's the way it's done. Legalized but, poker might be nice too. Yeah, that, that would be even nicer. Yeah. But speaking of winning here, this is irritating. You know what? You think you have a sports bet won, and you kind of stop looking, and then you look and you see the bad news. So yeah, I have the the freaking Braves, which are a forty-six and eighty team. That's their record, forty-six and eighty. They're playing the Diamondbacks, which you know, admittedly, are a pretty terrible team too. But the Diamondbacks were up nine to four coming into the eighth inning. So you, you think you can just not even look at that point, especially against the Braves, which have a, the worst offense in baseball. Now it is nine to eight in the ninth with the Braves having been on first and third. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, what? come on now. Especially after I've, I've been losing in Bovada recently in poker. The least I can do is win this one at sports. Let's see how many outs are there. You saying you're due rough? Well, I mean, I was doing well. I was, I was on another good run. I, I was uh, nine and three in my last twelve, and then. Uh... Nah, you sound like you know the the fish at the table. He's like, I'm due, I'm due. I keep losing, I'm due. <laughs> then, then I got, I kind of got screwed yesterday. I got a tie where I should have won, and I just made this one bet today, and they're just. Uh, let's see, is anyone even out yet? Uh, it looks like nobody's even out. This is a disaster. This is they're gonna they're gonna give up like three more runs. And I'm gonna lose. I, I, I'm kind of I'll kind of be happy to get out of this this inning with a tie at nine to nine and hope they score in the bottom of the ninth because it's a, it's in Arizona too. Yeah, it's, it's second and third now. Nobody out three and one. Like this is this is such a joke. Like I I, I can just I'm just watching this deteriorate. I'm just watching they're gonna lose this. Like I, they're up nine to four in the in the eighth inning against the last place team. How, how does it happen? Brutal. How does this happen? How does this happen? Maybe it's rigged. It's rigged against you. I I think the Diamondbacks knew I bet on them, and they were just like, okay, we're going to tank in the ninth. I mean, we're we're in last place in our division anyway. What a joke. Well, at least I I won at least $100 from Suicide King because the Dodgers won again today. I I have a standing bet with Suicide King, who's a big Giants fan, on every Dodgers-Giants series that 
uh, it's a hundred dollars for the series and a hundred dollars if extra if a team sweeps. So the Dodgers already won two out of three. So uh, at least I've got that going for me. It, it, the last one's tomorrow, so uh, I've, I've got a guaranteed hundred dollars in that one. Yeah, now the bases are loaded. I'm, it's depressing. Okay, so <laughs> just uh, stop looking. Yeah, stop looking. I, maybe I should just like. I think a triple play is coming, Jeff. Yeah, maybe I should just like not. Well, I, I, I'm hoping it's the uh, my my favorite when you're in the spot and you're on the defense that the next guy strikes out and then a double play. That's what I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping like a strikeout then a double play. Or or some other thing like a strikeout, then like a foul out, and then a, then like any kind of out after that. That's that's my my fantasy end to this whole thing. But it's probably probably the next the guy up right now is gonna hit a grand slam. Okay, the Diamondbacks are really awful. I guess I guess the Diamondback the Diamondbacks pitching is so horrendous. The, this is how bad the Diamondbacks pitching is. They've given up more runs this year than the Colorado Rockies by a wide margin. They've given up like 50 more runs than the Colorado Rockies, even though the Colorado Rockies play half their games at high altitude where every score is super high. Like, how, how do you do that? How do you do that as, as – how do you give up more runs than Colorado? But they, they're doing it and in, in by a good deal. They just – they they the Arizona Diamondbacks, they retooled their whole pitching staff between 2015, 2016, and it just got worse. I even I, I had uh, former Dodger Zach Greinke on the mound too. He didn't do that great, but he pitched six innings, allowed four runs. You think that'd be enough? Since they had nine, that's nine nine now. Sack fly. Joke. Okay. All right, let's let's go to the next topic. Let's. Uh, Jay status uh, says uh, Druff is multitasking with a show and sweating a baseball bet. Oh, it was. <laughs> Was it a balk? I thought it was a sack fly. No, it was a sack fly. It was a balk. Uh, yeah, the funny thing, I wasn't even trying to sweat this. I was just, I, I thought it was over. I thought I was just one. I was about to just say something. Ah, I won my bet. Like I, just, I, I pulled that up just to brag that I won my bet, and then I see this. Okay, so the next topic is another Daily Fantasy Sports topic. In case you hated the last one, you'll hate this one even more. Uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, of course, want to be legal in other states, not just Nevada, or not just New York. I'm getting getting ahead of myself. So in Nevada, there is an effort to legalize it there. And the Nevada Gaming Policy Committee has posted a draft of proposed Daily Fantasy Sports legislation on its website. So who wrote this legislation? Was it written by... Any of the lawmakers in Nevada? No. This legislation, which is posted on the Nevada Gaming Policy Committee's website, was written by DraftKings and FanDuel. <laughs> yeah, they wrote their own legislation. I'm sure uh, that's very fair legislation that will really take them to task and oversee them properly. So they, they actually wrote their own Legislation. The document is called Proposed Nevada Daily Fantasy Sports Legislation by DraftKings and FanDuel. So at least they're being honest that they wrote it, but that's that's just pathetic. So I was going to say, usually that's not what happens. Yeah. Like usually they're not even that upfront. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, sponsor some politicians. So, I mean, at least there's that, you know. 
Right, that's the only thing they get credit for, is that they're not trying to hide who, who wrote this. But here's, here's some of the laughable portions of the legislation. Now, operators of Daily Fantasy Sports in Nevada would have to apply and obtain a license from the state to provide these games to the residents or at least uh, visitors of Nevada. So it would make sense for there to be an application fee for the application to be considered. So the application fee that was proposed by DraftKings and FanDuel in this legislation to keep out people, to keep out entities that would not be able to afford it was... One million dollars. No, that's actually, it's actually the opposite. The application fee to get licensed in Nevada in this legislation is $500. (laughs) Isn't that convenient that the ones who will be paying the application fee are proposing a very, very low one? Then, once their application is approved, you'll think, okay, well, at least they'll be charged some sort of hefty annual fee to where... uh, yeah, I know Nevada is not a huge state with a huge population, but still, they'll probably make good money there. So you think that at least that they'll be paying good money to the state of Nevada for licensing. This bill that was written by uh, this the draft that was written by uh, DraftKings and uh, FanDuel, this uh, proposed legislation, will provide a licensing fee of $10,000. <laughs> or or hold on 5% of the gross fantasy revenues for the preceding 12 months you may say okay well at least big sites like them will be paying a lot more than 10,000 no it's the lesser of those two numbers <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, <laughs> go ahead <laughs> You, you first. <laughs> I mean, this this is just ridiculous. That they they think Nevada is going to want to legalize this for ten thousand dollars from each operator every year. Do they realize what a pittance that is? Do they realize yeah. uh, how stupid this is? Yeah, but uh, but honestly, I, I take the opposite view from you on it. In that um, they're already established players, so if the the fee was higher than that. Um, it wouldn't really affect them that much. Having the, the bar be this low, you know, $500 to apply and 10K or 5%, whichever or is less, um, I think it actually invites smaller competitors into the market more than it benefits them, you know? I, I thought of that too. I did think of that. But I, I then realized, well, the problem is it's, it's not always just uh, the licensing fee that keeps out the competitors. It's just very hard to break through and beat very established companies that everyone knows and that have the deep pockets and can advertise and already have advertised and uh, people are familiar with. If I started my own daily fantasy sports site and, let's say, developed one that was very good, just getting people over there without deep pockets to promote it would be tough. And so that's that's why I think that they are proposing such a low fee because – I think in Nevada they don't know if it's like going to be a license to print money over there because the population is small. Like look how they legalize online poker there has failed. So they probably want to keep the fee very low, and that's why they're proposing this. So yes, it does open the door for startups that that you know really with with these type of fees, uh, I literally could start my own daily fantasy sports site and and be able to afford the licensing fee, but uh, promoting it would be very hard. 
and uh, even just the internal structure of, of the sites and you know, processing the payments and the winnings, there'd be a lot of expense to that that would be a hell of a lot more than the licensing fee. So I, I don't know. I think, I, I think there's enough expenses to running one of these things at this point and competing with the big boys that a high licensing fee isn't going to really keep that many people out anyway. Well, I mean, you know, it would be yet another thing. I mean, you're right. It probably is in the end. It's somewhat self-serving to them. But um, I, I've actually seen companies that want there to be higher uh, licensing fees and, and entry fees and that kind of thing in order to keep other businesses out. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and an example of this actually, not a, a direct example, but a similar example, is Amazon.com was actually supporting laws requiring people to pay sales tax for out-of-state purchases. And at first this seemed counterintuitive. Why Why would they do this? Why, why would they want more tax on their products? Right, and the reason was that uh, they were already being forced by certain states to do this anyway. Right, and and they said, well, we might as well uh, make everybody do it this way. Smaller operations that are not being forced by uh, by those states to do it because they're too small to care about, uh, they'll be forced to do it too. This way, well, we'll just make everybody pay it, and we'll and therefore nobody can ever have that advantage over us. And so we'll have to, but everyone will have to. And we'll have the advantage because we're huge. You know, something that reminds me of uh, a number of years ago, probably, you know, five, six years ago, something like that. I got a uh, very uh, official letter from the European Union. And they said, uh, you know, that they passed laws and that merchants were, were required to collect the sales tax um, applicable to each individual country uh, in the EU. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" <laughs> they're 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 asking me, you know, to identify down to the region, not even just the the country, but the region that various people from Europe live in when they buy something from me, and collect the tax, and then every year send them that money. I just, you know, <laughs> I looked at it and I just laughed, and I was like, "Yeah, good fucking luck." <laughs> I threw it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know how they're trying to turn you into the tla- the the tax collector for another country, and it, it adds a significant burden to well, try and figure that out. There's nothing they know? can really do to you, though. They, they, what nah, can they, they can't do they shit. Can't do anything. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That, that's what's good. Yeah, anytime you get these requests from other countries, you can just laugh at them because they they, they have no power to do anything. Right yeah. now, I'm sure if I was, you know, if it was a big multinational company. And I had a presence somewhere in the EU, then you know I'm sure they could do something. But yep. I just think about the money that they wasted sending this out because you know I was you know one of hundreds of thousands of businesses that got this letter. Yeah. yeah. I, I speaking of sales tax, I actually I I have done people favors before where they have uh, purchased something and uh, where they were. They would have to pay sales tax on some certain expensive items they purchased, and I mean really expensive ones—not five hundred dollar items, but uh, very expensive ones of the thousands or something like ten thousands. And they'd have to pay sales tax on it, and they actually were shipping it; would ship it to me in Las Vegas, provided it wasn't something too bulky or you know, difficult to move around. And then this way, because because the company didn't have a presence in Nevada, they didn't have to try charge sales tax, so they'd ship it to me in Nevada. And then I would just go give it to that person, hmm. 
And it actually is legal to do that because it's a, it's about where the item lands. Right. So as, as long as it's shipped to Nevada and I receive it in Nevada, if I want to go bring it to somebody else in a, in a state where they would have had to pay sales tax, that's fine. I wasn't reselling it to them. They were they were paying for it. I was just the receiver. But I, I, I was doing this for, for, for people that uh, had asked me to do so and told me it would actually save them a lot of money. And I said, yeah, sure, no problem. As long as, like I wasn't going to take a 100-pound thing that uh, be, or a huge bulky thing that I need a truck to move, but anything that was uh, easily movable or that uh, the person could come to me and pick up themselves. So this was for a friend? Yes, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't yeah. for random people. No, it was, it was for <clears throat> people I knew well. This wasn't for, you know, gold letters for your pool or anything like that? No, no. It wasn't, I, I wasn't offering a service to evade a sales tax. Because, uh, well, I mean, honestly, it sounds like you're talking about, you know, a friend that needed this and it's really you. I mean, were you the one that had other people that you were shipping shit to to save a couple of bucks? No, no, no. I, I was... I, this this is when I was in Las Vegas. This is what you know. This was this was shipped to me. If it, if if it's shipped to me and I'm physically there in Las Vegas to receive it, then that's fine too. I mean, that's that's. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying, Druff, like Occam's ra- Occam's razor, right? Is Druff trying to save other people money, or is he trying to save himself? I money? I, I save other people money all the time. In fact, <laughs> I I've gotten calls from people, and I won't do this for anyone, but uh, just anyone. But I've gotten calls from people who tell me. I'm having such and such problem with uh, you know, some, this company or my landlord or whatever. The, you know, can you call and, and speak on my behalf? And sometimes I have to have the person uh, authorize me to speak. Uh, but but a lot of times I've I've helped people in situations uh, which involve some sort of a dispute involving money, where they tell me the story. I think they're in the right, but then they they don't feel comfortable discussing it, or they think they're just going to get run over in a, a debate like this, and that uh, they they need someone like me to go to bat for them. So, so I have, like, I'll do it for people that, uh, nice. that I'm, I'm close with. I won't just do it for the average person. Like if, if, if the typical radio listener messages me, Hey, can you call up AT&T and argue? I'm not going to do it. Like I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm just, so this you, is not a service. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not offering this as a free service to listeners. I'm just saying okay. that the people I know very well that have asked me to do that before I have. And so I'll, I'll do these favors. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll do favors for people that, that I like and that I'm close to. Did you have a brand for it? Was it like Druff's Dropship or something? Or no, it's it's. I, I mean, I nothing guess formal. Be, no, you know, <laughs> if I had that, I'd probably get in trouble. But uh, <laughs> but you know, if, if someone's just receiving something, to, if they wanted to ship something to me and just have me bring it to them, then. then uh, and did you charge them a fee for no, this? No, I, I, I paid them. They paid nothing. That's a yeah, because I, I mean, if it was the Wisner, there'd be a fee for yeah. using service. In fact, if I were charging fee for it, then that would be illegal. But me just receiving it and doing them a favor saying, you know, ship it to me where it costs nothing for sales tax, then I'll bring it over to you or you can come get it from me. Then uh, It is kind of analogous to those cash outs, right? You know, where she's able to get yes. an express cash out but is taking some money for doing that? Yes. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, she, yeah. She was, she was, she was promoting a scam site, uh, Lock Poker, and then people couldn't get their money off there. And she said, "Oh yeah, I, I, I have priority cash out, so I can cash out your money. But the only thing is, I'm going to take twenty five percent. I'm the one who got you in this mess in the first place because I was promoting the site, and and you you may have gone there to play because I was part of it. But uh, now you can't get your money off. I want twenty five percent. Right. So she was offering a service the way you're offering a service for. Yeah, except, know, she, except she was taking money. money. Yeah, except yeah. she was taking money. That was the difference. Like I, right. And, and right. also, like I didn't get the the person who who would have paid sales tax. I didn't get them into buying the the item and paying sales tax. They they made the decision to buy it. 
They just thought, but then they just like what would happen? You didn't is, like, get kickbacks from the place they ordered it from in the first place. <laughs> no. Like what would happen? They, they just get irritated. Like they're buying something really expensive, and they're like they're shipping it. Uh, they, they see how much it's going to cost in tax. They're like, wow, that's a lot of money. This is so irritating. I wish I didn't live in the state. They go, oh, wait a minute. Let's see Nevada. And they, they like enter in Nevada. Like, what, what if I live there? And they see tax zero. They're like, oh, man, I wish I could. Sh- oh, wait a minute. I can ship it to Nevada. I know someone who lives in Nevada. So then they'd ship it to me. Yeah. And so I say, okay, fine. Like, I'm not going to go drive it all the way to California or wherever they are. Like, I'm not going to just uh, – if they want to get it from me or if they if – they, uh, want me to bring it to them next time I'm, I'm coming anyway to where they are or whatever, then I'll do it. Like, I'm not going to bend over backwards for it, but if they want me to do a little something there for uh, for them and just receive it and then hold it until they, I see them and it's not too big, then fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, for people, and there are some out there that think that Melanie uh, the Wisner didn't do anything wrong. I mean, this is a perfect analogy, right? It would be like if you were uh, pimping people to go order this from a particular company, and then only come to find out that that company will not ship to their state. And you'll say, okay, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Ship it to me. And for a small fee, I will give you this thing that I promoted you to go buy in the yeah. first place. I mean, yeah. who would who would not think that that's bullshit? Yeah, right I, know. There? I know. I know. It's uh, it, it was unbelievable. And she was still promoting while this was happening. It's not even like she's like, okay, I won't promote them anymore. But you know, now that you're already in this spot, I, I, you know, I'm charging 25%. She's like, she's charging them the 25% and still promoting it to other people. <laughs> yeah, and half the time, you know, to, to carry this analogy further, half or maybe more than half the time, the shit that people ordered, they're never going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, with, with Locke, Locke, it was much more than half the time. So. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it became like 0% of the people who – had money on there we're going to get it after at some point like it's uh, towards the very beginning of it there were some people getting cash outs but they were getting really really slow and many people just weren't getting them at all or getting them like cat they're getting them canceled for no reason but then it just got to where like no one was getting anything and it went on for years and then it was just gone yeah i mean it was, re- it was really bad and the self-serving pros there they they tried to make excuses for it because they it was kind of half they were bamboozled by a smooth talker in CEO Jennifer Larson and also half just greed. Like they, they, they weren't. They were willingly seduced. Yes. That's a good way of putting it. They were willingly yeah. seduced. They, they, they weren't completely oblivious to what was going on. They were aware of what was going on and they're like, well, we could go the common sense route and quit this whole thing and denounce lock poker or we could go the very, very idealistic that benefits us the most route by – just parroting everything Jennifer tells us and ignoring common sense and saying, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Okay, yeah, it's probably all right. That's pretty much what they did. And then some, like, Melanie even profited further by these uh, selling their priority cash outs, <laughs> which which then Melanie couldn't do for a while anymore because then they stopped even cashing out for the pros also. They just were completely out of money. And then, of course, there were the entities like Card Player Magazine that were advertising for them long after they knew it was a scam. Yeah, don't even get me started on card player. Yeah, don't get me either. <laughs> All right, so let's see what else we got here. Uh, oh, I guess this is the last uh, poker gambling topic here. Um, have you ever gone to a hotel? By the way, is Trader Risky still here? I sure am. Oh, I guess it's not even that late. I guess ten forty-three is not. It's not tea time yet, is it? Not yet. Not yet. Okay, you've. Uh, I'm going to ask both of you this question. I'll get Trader Risky involved. Have either of you ever been to a hotel, either a nice hotel 
or an average hotel or a crappy motel. If you've ever been to any hotel or motel where you have a hard time acquiring enough towels to take a shower. I have not. (laughs) And actually, I bring a towel now. Why do you do that? Just because, you know, some of the, a lot of times in some of these hotels, they have nasty towels. Who knows how they're washing them? Hmm. And if, I, if I'm driving somewhere and it's not a big deal to pack extra stuff, I throw in a couple of nice towels. That's interesting. I, mean, I, I bring my pillow everywhere I go, but that's just because uh, my ne- I get headaches easily if my neck isn't the right way, so I, I need a pillow I'm familiar with. But uh, I, I've never brought a towel that I've never done. Now, now uh, Calwatt, have you... Uh, ever had a situation where you cannot acquire the number of towels you need to uh, shower in the room? No, I've never had that happen. I did do something similar to Trader Ruski, though. I do remember buying some towels because for didn't... similar reasons. I was staying in, I mean, this was a, a shitty-ass little hotel that I stayed with uh, some buddies of mine. And uh, the towels were like these tiny little shitty things that looked like they've been used to deliver a baby on. You know, I mean, I'm sure they've been washed, but there are stains everywhere. Yeah, They're yeah, just yeah, fucking yeah. gross. So I'm like, you know, what the hell? I need some new towels for my house anyway. And I bought a bunch of towels. Huh. But no, I have never had a problem acquiring towels. Yeah, so I hadn't either until this past weekend. This past weekend, I went to Harris Resort, Southern California, formerly known as Harris Rincon. It is an Indian casino in the... San Diego area that is associated with Caesars properties. That's why it's a Harris. It is not owned by Caesars. It's an Indian casino, but it's the only total rewards property in the state of California. For that reason, it does very well. They, the video poker pay tables are mostly crappy. The customer service there is kind of poor. A lot of the employees there have an attitude. It doesn't matter. They do great because they are the only total rewards property in Southern California. And if you think about their location, which is Northern San Diego County, they get a lot of very lucrative markets with a lot of people who have money that like to gamble. Orange County, San Diego, Los Angeles, Riverside, San Bernardino, all these places are very, very heavily populated and have a lot of people who enjoy gambling and have a lot of people who have money. So being the only total rewards property in that area where people can drive their with a much shorter distance than they would have to drive to Vegas is very, very advantageous. And uh, so they they really do well for that reason. But they, they make a lot of stupid operational failures there. And they've improved somewhat over the years, but there's still some dumb things that happen. Uh, a few years ago, I had a comical situation. In fact, I wish I recorded it for radio. They used to have this ridiculous policy that if you have a comp room reserved and you don't show up by 8 o'clock at night, that they would charge you $80. (laughs) Now, the silver lining to this is that if you do show up at some point after 8, they will return that $80. But... There is a hard charge of $80, not an authorization, but a hard charge against your credit card of $80. It's not anymore, but they used to do it this way. At 8 p.m. sharp, if you're not there. So the problem that would occur with that would be that at checkout, they're supposed to be refunding that. I guess they don't refund it right away. It happens at checkout. Sometimes they would forget to do it. 
and then you'd have to wait the you know required days for a, cre- a credit to hit people. You know how it is with credit cards. A, a charge is immediate. At least you see it in pending charges. A credit takes some days to show up, even if you look online. So you wait and wait. You've got to make sure the 80 comes back. Well, sure enough, one time the 80 didn't come back. I, I did everything I was supposed to. I just, you know, I probably showed up at 11.30 p.m. They charged me the 80. They're supposed to give me back the 80. Didn't get the 80. This is back in, uh, I think, 2013 this happened. So I called up Harris Rincon, and uh, I asked to speak to the front desk. And I got the operator. I said, can I speak to the front desk, please? The operator said, can you please tell us what you're calling? Can you please tell me what you're calling about? I said, yes, uh, that $80 that you charge for coming in after 8 o'clock and you're supposed to get refunded when you check out. Uh, I never got refunded, and it's been more than a week. She said, I'm sorry. That's not a good enough reason to transfer you to the front desk. <laughs> I, I said, what? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Like, like, I, I've got to talk to them. What am I supposed to just like, give up the $80? She says, no. Uh, we, we're gonna, I will transfer you to the accounting department. So I'm like, okay. So the phone rings. Sorry, the phone doesn't ring. I get an immediate voicemail. Hello, you've reached the Harris Rincon Accounting Department. Please leave a message and we will call you back. Well, I, I immediately call back the operator and say, look, I got a voicemail first ring. What, what hours do they work? She said, well, there isn't actually anyone who mans that department. They just they check the voicemail about once a week and get back to people. <laughs> So I said, that's unacceptable. So let me speak to the front desk. They charge the 80. I want them to refund the 80. She says, no, I can't do that. You cannot speak to the front desk. I said, come on. This is, they're the ones who charge me. I'm not waiting for someone to call me back in a week from a voicemail. This is $80 that is not supposed to have been charged. I want to speak to the front desk. She said, no. We argued, argued, argued. She said, no. I asked for a supervisor. She put me on hold, came back, and she said she discussed it with the supervisor. The supervisor agrees. And in fact, uh, th- that... I'm not to speak to the front desk about this. The front desk uh, is not to be burdened with this mission, with this uh, issue. Mm. So I, I said, let me speak to the supervisor. She puts on the supervisor. The supervisor was super obnoxious with me, told me that under no circumstances will I get through to the front desk about this. And, in fact, she has informed all the operators working at the moment that if I call and ask to speak to the front desk, not to connect me. <laughs> So then I started screwing with her. I'm like, okay, well, I want to speak to the front desk about something else, just not this. She says, well, I don't believe you. I said, no, no, I, I want to speak to them about, uh, about, about something in my room. And she's like, no, we're not. So, like, I'm like, so I can't speak to them ever again. She says, I've told them if you call, we are not letting you through. I couldn't believe this. I'm like, I'm like I can't speak to the freaking front desk because they didn't return $80 they're supposed to return to me? I, that's not a worthy thing to speak to them. And, I, and I'm not allowed to speak to any human being live who can handle this i've got to leave a message on a voicemail that uh, may or may not ever be checked she said yes i couldn't believe it i said i said i'm going to speak to the i'm going to re- let me speak to i want to speak to the hotel manager she, uh, she's not here right now what's her name they didn't want to give me her name i fi- uh, so i finally i finally got the name of the hotel manager but they refused to tell me when she worked so i I'm, okay so I, I after fighting this out for a while i hung up like okay what can i do about this what can i do about this what can i do about this and i was really stressed out I said, I know. Colonel Fabersham is going to solve this for me. So I called back the Rincon, and they answered. The operator answered. This is like probably a half, half an hour, an hour later. I called like right back. They'd, they'd know. But I called back like an hour later. Uh, hello, Colonel Fabersham here. Um, I'd like to speak to the front desk, please. 
And they said, oh, can you tell us the reason? I said, yes, I just checked into my room, and, and there's bed bugs all over the place. It's dreadful. Can you, can you please give me the front desk? I need a new room uh, pronto. And they go, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Hang on. Let me connect to the front desk. So I literally had to be Colonel Fabersham to get through to the front desk. So they connected me. I got the front desk, and they weren't even pissed. They were like, you know, once they, once they answered, I, I dropped the Fabersham routine and, and just talked as myself. And I told them, and they apologized and said, yeah, they should have transferred you here. I don't know why they were refusing. And they said, no problem. We will refund the $80. So I said, okay, thank you. So I waited. A week passed. No $80. I'm like, oh, my God. This is never gonna, I'm never going to get this $80 back. Well, finally, 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 I reached the hotel manager. And they had suppressed all this from her. They, they, everyone was told to give a message to her to call me. No one gave it. There was like a, they, were, they were trying to keep this whole situation away from her. Because I guess they had fired the previous front desk manager who was like very customer hostile and was uh, uh, let things like this happen. And the new one was already starting to make changes there that uh, were more customer, more, more customer friendly. And some of the employees didn't like that. So they're trying to keep this situation away from her. So I, I got a hold of the, you know, the, the hotel manager and told her this whole story. And she said, I'm horrified to hear this whole thing. I'm going to have a meeting with my entire front desk staff and, and get to the bottom of what really happened here and call you back. So she did call me back. And she told me, you're right. Everything, the way you described everything, the way everything really happened is true. Your, your description is correct. I told them this is absolutely unacceptable. And I've laid down a bunch of new rules. Number one, if a guest really wants to speak to the front desk, he should always be able to. That, the, that they're supposed to suggest a different department that, uh, that could handle things better. But if a guest demands to speak to the front desk, they always will be able to. <laughs> this is you telling them how to run their business? No, no this is her telling me. That this, oh, her made, telling you. I thought it was you no, laying no, no, down no, no. with their No, this is her. She, she talked to them. She had like a meeting with them. So like, did this happen? They're like, well, yes. But uh, you know, when he was trying to speak to the front desk about $80, and we, we didn't want him to. She's like, no, no. You guys, you screwed up so 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 anyway she laid down the law on that and then she also uh uh said from now on we're eliminating the 80 dollars they killed the 80 dollars because of me she said that they've eliminated the 80 dollars they're not doing it anymore she's she made that decision and she, she made other various decisions that uh reduced the power the operators have there because the operators really like i told her, i told her the operators like they just said i'm never going to speak to the front desk whenever they hear it's me and she said, yeah, they're, I, I've, they're not going to ever have that power. The, and she, took, she reduced the power severely of the operator. And she said, look, I'm really sorry. They just brought me in two weeks ago. We've had a lot of customer service problems at this place, in this hotel. We were getting a lot of complaints from the hosts that the seven stars are getting constantly mistreated by the front desk. And uh, they, they fired the previous manager for that reason. That's why I'm here, and I'm here to clean things up. And thank you for this feedback. I'm, I've already made a lot of changes. And she sounded very sincere, and they, they did indeed get rid of the $80 right after this happened. So I, I was the cause for the $80 being removed. Anyway, back to the towel situation to show you that they haven't completely gotten everything fixed there. Now, did you, did you verify this? Did you actually try calling back as you and, and, and getting through? Uh, well, no, I didn't. But, but uh, I, I will say I, I verified someone staying right after this, the $80 was gone. So I think next time you should be less formal about it, and it should be Chico Loco that calls up. <laughs> We're like, hey man, I got this. I get this hooker passed out in my bed. I gotta talk to the front desk, man. <laughs> that probably would have done it too. <laughs> yeah. 
I figured if I talked about bed bugs, it was going to freak them out, and they're going to just panic and send me to the front desk. Hey, man, I brought this hooker back to my room, man, and there are bugs crawling all over her, and she ran out of the door with my money, and I didn't get no sex, man. Come on. And I say, I say, the, I say the bugs, and they, I think they're already on you. you. You ain't no clean bitch, you know. I, I, you already had the bugs. It wasn't from this room, but she don't, she don't believe me. Yeah, man. You, you can take Chico Loco places. You can't take the, the colonel, yeah. I'm just saying. So so anyway, the, this time I stayed there, and we, you know, for the most part, it was a pretty smooth stay. They do have a, a chronic problem there of a lack of non-smoking rooms, which is funny. In 2016, when, when smoking has really gone down uh, to a much lower level than it used to be, I, I know that gamblers per capita smoke a lot more than the average population, but still, uh, most properties these days have allocated their rooms properly to where it isn't very common where it's only smoking rooms left. Or if it is, it's only when they get like very, very close to fully selling out. But the Rincon had a chronic problem for years that they'd sell out of the non-smoking rooms very fast and it was only smoking rooms available. And it was such a bitch to get a non-smoking room unless you were booking like weeks in advance. So they built a new tower two years ago called the Resort Tower North. Okay? And... You'd think at that point, once they realized the problem with an excess of smoking rooms, that they would build almost all non-smoking rooms in the Resort Tower North, thereby eliminating the problem. No, uh, they still built way too many smoking rooms in the Resort Tower North. <laughs> so my first problem was I called up there like four or five days in advance, and they had rooms, but they were all smoking. They had a lot of rooms smoking, but non- no, no non-smoking. They told me, yeah, we, have a, we still have that problem every, every weekend. We, we always sell out of non-smoking real fast. So it was so tough to get them to give me a non-smoking, even being a seven-star. It was, it was very, very tough, and I finally got the right person who did it for me. Something else interesting I found out, that they've totally neutered the hosts there. There was a constant battle at Harris Rincon, which is now called the Harris Resort Southern California, a constant battle between the hosts and the hotel because they have the second most seven-stars visiting that property of any Caesars property in the country, only behind Caesars Palace, Las Vegas. So a lot of seven stars come there, and, of course, the hotel doesn't treat them very well, so the hosts are always pissed because they don't get their commission or the people don't come back or whatever. So there's been constant battles between hosts and the hotel, and I guess the hotel ended up winning because they neutered the hosts where they have, like, no power anymore. So the suites are now assigned by the rooms controller who works at the hotel and not by the host. The host can, cannot even give a suite to someone. They have to – the rooms controller does it. And but so the rooms controller, who's like on a big power trip, the, the rooms controller just gave me the middle finger. Not only would not give me a non-smoking room, but also refused to talk to me. But I, I, I got a, a, a nice front desk supervisor who somehow pushed through a non-smoking room for me. So I was going to cancel the trip if I couldn't get a non-smoking room. How, how hard is it to convert? The non-smoking ro- or the smoking rooms into non. Is, is, I, I don't know. Really... I, I've wondered that too. Like it couldn't be that hard. It requires some effort of uh, you know completely. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be stinkify it and and, and take out, out the, and take out the, the, the take out the carpet, maybe some of the furniture that took on some of the smoke smell, mm-hmm. but and the curtains. So it's not easy, but it's not it's not impossible. Like I I I think they just don't want to do it for whatever reason. So or maybe they're t- they're too incompetent to even realize the problem fully. So, but I notice everybody I talk to notices it. So and I've experienced it personally time and time again. So anyway, I got my no smoking room. The room itself was fine. In fact, I, I thought the new tower, the first time I've stayed in there, was was fairly nice. It's not like luxurious, but it was uh, it was nicer than the previous towers, and I I felt like it was a, a fairly nice room. So I, I was happy with that. Except 
this was a family vacation. This wasn't me by myself. When I'm by myself, I don't use that many towels because I'm only one person. But you have your family with you. Everybody uses uh, towels quickly, especially if you do a lot of uh, hiking and stuff like that, which we did, uh, you know, hiking and swimming and stuff, which we did in, in the area uh, while I was there. So I don't like to have the maid come in the room because my, my attitude, and this isn't just here. This is at all hotels. My attitude with hotels is I don't have a maid come every day to my house. So why should I have a maid come every day to clean a hotel room? Like, I, I don't need it. I don't feel uh, like Wait a minute. Was that, was that a veiled brag? Do you have a maid come to your house every week? I actually do, but she's ah. uh, no, no. But but I don't. I haven't for the last few months because she's been gone. She's actually where you are. She's in New York right now. What's she doing here? She has a son that lives in New York, so she's visiting him for the summer. So I lost her for the summer. So your place looks like a shithole. Uh, no, I, I've actually uh, saddled Benjamin's mom with doing the job. <laughs> and and you because of your busy work schedule are yeah. unable to do anything right yeah exactly but okay. uh but anyway the uh she's going to come back in about a month i think and i'll be happy to have that happen but is she a legal resident yeah, of she's, the US? yeah she, she's she's white it's a white one i didn't i didn't ask her race i said was she a legal she, resident she, of I, the I'm, US? Just, I'm just throwing in she's a legal resident and a white woman okay so Anyway, uh, I, I don't bother to have a maid come in if I'm just staying for a few days. And, of course, when that's the case, you have to replace some supplies like towels and shampoos or whatever. So I just usually in the morning ask the maid, can you give me extra towels? And usually I, I rather than having to track down the maid every morning, especially if you sleep in and, and miss the maid, I, I just like to get a big stack of towels at the beginning corresponding to how long I'm going to be there. And then I just use them, and then when the stay is over, the, the maid has a, <laughs> a ton of towels to pick up. But uh, uh, I actually leave a tip in every – you know, when I don't get the maid the whole time, I leave a tip at the end for the maid. And I actually make it clear to them, like I put in, in two languages, in English and Spanish, that the, <laughs> that the tip is for them so they don't think I just left money behind. Because otherwise they, they're not allowed to take it because they, you could complain that uh, you left money behind they stole it. So I make sure that they understand it's for, uh, it's for them. But uh, To be truly multi- multicultural, you'd leave it in Chinese too, you know? Well, not over here. We don't, get, we don't get the Chinese maids over here. It's, 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 huh. it's pretty safe bet over here. It's either gonna be either, they're either going to speak English, Spanish, or both. Huh. So anyway, I, I had a hard time getting enough towels this time. So the first time I called to replace towel, the first time I, I got a maid there, and she said she could only give me two. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I took two. We still had a surplus of some, so we were okay. But then uh, I called for replacement towels to housekeeping, and I get this guy answering who already has like a hostile tone of voice with me. Like just from the second he answers, he seems annoyed. And then I, so I asked him for towels, and he's like, uh, can I have two more towels? Uh, okay, sir, but make sure to return every towel that you've used already to the runner. I've never had that instruction before. I, I've I've been told before the runner can take them if you'd like, but I was told made sure make sure to return the towels. So I'm like, hmm, that's odd. So then the next day, uh, now we were really out of towels, and uh, we were completely out. So so two wasn't going to do it, and we had four people in the room. So I said. Uh, can I have four towels, please? And he says, no. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. He says, I can only give you two. I said, you're telling me that only two people in the room can shower? He said, well, how many people are in the room? I said, four. He says, oh, okay, I'll, fine, I'll give you four. I'll, I'll agree to that. 
I was like, whoa, what the hell? So he says, but make sure when the runner comes, uh, return all towels that you currently have. <laughs> so so I, I had to return them. And, but then, then it wasn't over yet. I said, okay, so when's it coming? He said, we're very busy right now. It, it, it'll come when, when we have availability. I said, well, we need to shower here. I'm sorry, you need to wait until availability. There's a lot of people ahead of you. I go, okay, no problem. Where are you? I will come down and get the four towels. You can't do that, he says. I said, well, no, no, just tell me where you are. I'll, 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 I'll come anywhere in the hotel. I will walk as far as I need to in the hotel. Tell me where I need to go to get the towels. He says, I can't do that. I said, well, look, there's got to be one way or the other. Either I can come get them from you or you can bring them to you. You can't make me stand here for eternity waiting for towels. So, you know, so, of course, I had to bring out the, the seven-star thing again. And, and he goes, okay, fine. They'll be up in 10 minutes. Is that okay? I said, yeah. So they bring, they bring it up in, in 10 minutes. They, they bring it in 10 minutes. Uh, then I, I came to a really, really unfortunate realization. The guy comes with the towels. I dutifully return all the towels that we had before. We have our four towels. I'm happy for the moment. I go into the bathroom to relieve myself and take a dump. And I look and there's almost no, no toilet paper left. <laughs> I'm like, oh my you, God. Well, you got a lot of towels now. You can <laughs> use a towel. No, I don't. We need to use all four towels. <laughs> So, so I, I actually thought of that though. I thought so. I'm like, oh my god! Now I have to call up and ask the guy to bring up toilet paper quickly. Like he's he's gonna, there's no way he's going to do it. Like he he was already hating me over the towels. There's no way he's going to bring toilet paper up in a, in a uh, timely fashion. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to bypass this guy and go to the front desk. So I went to first. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to go to the public bathroom on the first floor of the casino and see if I could just grab toilet paper from there. Unfortunately, they actually had the rolls locked to where there's no way to, without a key, to take the rolls of toilet paper off. So I could not steal toilet paper from the public bathrooms of the Rincon and bring it up to the room. So now I, now I was stuck with the unpalatable choice of, of, of the embarrassing walk over to the front desk to demand toilet paper out of them or to just call the guy and sit in my room and wait for, you know, could, could be more than an hour for toilet paper to arrive. So what do you think I chose? I have no idea. I chose to go to the front desk. So I went to the front desk, and I said, I, I prefaced it with, this is going to sound really strange, but, and then I explained that I, I need toilet paper and that I just asked the guy for towels, and he gave me a very hard time and argued with me, and that uh, I have a feeling if I ask for the toilet paper, it's just not going to come for a very long time. So she says, well, we uh, we don't have any down here, which it was understandable. She says, I, I can call and have them send it up to you. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's exactly the problem. They're not going to send it. That's, uh, I said, can't I just get it somewhere? I said, I will walk anywhere in the hotel. Where do I have to go to get toilet paper? So there's a guy who's checking in right next to me, and he's he's listening to this whole thing. I, I could tell he's just, like, doing his best to hold in laughter. <laughs> he just, he's just ready to bust out of this whole thing. You know? And so I, at this point, I'm almost, like, defending myself to him without directly speaking to him. I'm like, look, I, right. I just want to get toilet paper. Like, I don't know why it's so hard here. I just I, I know it's going to take it forever. They wouldn't even bring me towels. Like, I, all I want is a roll of toilet paper for my room. That's, I'm just – I'll walk anywhere. I'm not a lazy guy. I'm not trying to be demanding. I just want to find a way to get it and get it soon. But but still, I could tell the guy's going to, like, bust up laughing because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's arguing about toilet paper. So finally, she calls up, and, and she – has them agree that they're going to bring it down to the front desk within 10 minutes. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to eat and I'll come back. So I went to eat and uh, came back and there it was. And she said, actually, it came back. It came down two minutes after you walked away. I'm like, that's fine. I'll just take it now. So I, I took my toilet paper 
And uh, it was actually towards the end of the stay, so all I needed was one roll. They actually gave me two rolls, but uh, I tell you, the toilet paper and especially... So your, so your vacation is groveling for towels and groveling for, for toilet paper right, to right. wipe your ass? Now, now, in their defense, the toilet paper I was just assuming would take a long time because I just had the big fight about the towels. So that one I just... I just preempted the possible fail by just demanding it right away from the front desk. So the, I can't say for sure they would have denied me the uh, fast toilet paper uh, runner. I just had a feeling that that gruff guy was going to get pissed when I'm like, oh, yeah, you know how you rush the towels to me? I want to be in the front of the line now to get toilet paper. Like the guy would have – he would have blown his top. So I, I, I just skipped that whole thing and just demanded to go to the front desk. But the towels, I've never seen anything like this before. I've, I've been to Motel 6s. I've been to worse than Motel 6 where you ask for towels and they just bring them to you. I've never seen it where there's a shortage of towels like this. This is a big hotel. They have three towers. How can they have a shortage of towels? How can they not? Towels are not expensive to order. But but somehow there's a massive shortage of towels at Harris Rincon. I don't get it. Well, maybe they thought you were a serial killer doing something, you know, <laughs> using it to, to mop up the blood or something. <laughs> Uh, what Benjamin's mom was suggesting is that I threaten to use the towels they just brought me if they don't bring toilet paper quickly. <laughs> I said, you know what? That, that would have been a good idea. I should, I should have done that. That would have made them br- if they're if they're so short on towels, that would have been an effective threat. Yeah. That would have that would have uh, rendered those unusable. So what, that was that that was the downside of the trip there, and uh, they. They also – nobody could give you a straight answer about the policy at the buffet. The one nice thing at the buffet there is you get – if you're a seven-star, you get two free buffet tickets every day, which few properties ever do. So that's nice. But what if you have more than two people? No one knew what the answer was. There's like there's like a $10 discount, but nobody knew if it was for one person or two people or, or unlimited people. Like nobody knew how many – they went crazy trying to explain the $10 discount, and no, nobody had the same answer. Even at the buffet itself, everyone was confused. But uh, and I, I have to admit that this was a Jewish thing on my part. Uh, I'm not usually a buffet fan. Uh, when, when I was a kid, a buffet just seemed so cool to me, and I really wanted to go to them. And my dad refused and said they substitute quantity for quality. And I, I you know, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that answer from my dad. But there's nothing I could do. But, but of course, lo and behold, I get older, and I realize he was right. And that's exactly what they do. So I ended up, now that I can go to buffets whenever I want, I, I don't because I, I find that the food just isn't that good. It looks good, but it, it's just never as good as restaurant food. So I went to the buffet really only because I got the two free entries there and then the discounted entries for the other people, so the whole thing becomes pretty cheap. That was the only reason I went to the buffet. But Benjamin loved it. Benjamin loved the buffet. So I'll say that. He was a, he looked forward to the buffet every day. In fact, he, he tried to demand we go to the buffet for dinner, too, and I had to put my foot down and say no. Well, you know, kids love that shit because they're, they're used to, you know, parents giving them what they get, you know, and they just have to take it. A buffet, they can just go get whatever the hell they want. They love that. Yeah. The freedom of being able to do that, you know? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought when I was a kid, too. I just uh, like, whoa, I can just pick all the, from all these things, get whatever I want, how much I want. Like, that just seemed. Uh, yeah, don't worry. In 30 years, Benjamin will grow up and he'll be like, God damn it. My dad was right about the buffet. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, he'll have the kids and say that, uh, and refuse to let them go there for dinner. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so that, you know, I, you know, other than that, it was, 
it, it was a nice trip overall, and I, I did have some free play there I got to run, so they kind of paid me to stay there. And uh, so it was worth putting up with some towels fail and some... Uh, uh, I will say they downgrade, they're downgrading the video poker there very rapidly, and by the time I'm going to be earning seven stars again next year, it may not be a viable option. In fact, it's already kind of questionable. So I may choose to drive all the way to Tahoe for it. Maybe that's kind of far. So, I don't know. I I miss the good games they used to have there. But everything changes. So speaking of hotels, I want to speak about hotels. Before I get to that, let me... Uh, and by the way, I saw Scott from the East Coast was calling in. If you want to call in, you're, you're welcome to. Do you tip the uh, housekeepers, Jeff? Yeah, I do. At the end of the stay, I, I leave a tip for them. Yeah, see, I usually tip them when I get there. You know, I give the girl, depending on how long I'm staying, like 20 bucks. If I give her 20 bucks, I am the first. Anything I need, she's bringing me bags of coffee. Oh, yeah, that's a big big tip, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, if it's over, you know, over a certain amount of time, then, you know, then I know that I, I get taken care of. They don't steal anything. Is this and how you I met that Suki? Is this how you met that Suki girl? <laughs> <laughs> so you give her a you give her an obscene tip, and no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the I don't ever have them come in my room, so I, I don't need to tip them at the beginning because the, the only thing they're doing for me is when I find their find the cart later and ask them to give me things. In fact, I'll just take things myself if they're cleaning the room. I don't bother them say come over and give me these things. I only bother them if they if I can't access whatever's in their cart. So, like, if I need four towels and I see towels in the cart, I just take them. Uh, and uh, th- that's usually the way I operate with, with these hotels. I just take my own things. Uh, at the Rio, when I was at the Rio for all those days straight during the World Series, uh, sometimes I would, like, the trash would, would build up. I would just find the cart and then go dump my own trash in, in, the, uh, in their trash bin in the cart. And the maid's like, oh, I can come too. I go, no, that's okay. I can dump my own trash. Or they, I must have been like the first customer there to dump my own trash into, into their cart. But yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I, I like doing all these things myself. I just, it's easier. It's faster. I have control of when it's done, how it's done. And I, at hotels, I really don't use services that I don't have to. By, by the way, the, you know that game we were talking about? The, uh, the Braves, I mean, the, the Diamondbacks got out of it with just one run. And then they... Led off with a man on first in the ninth. I thought they might score him and that'd be that. But no, of course not. Now it's at the top of the 11th, and I've got freaking Corbin pitching, which is a disaster. Like, Pat Corbin is so bad, and now my game is in his hands. He's got a 5.73 ERA, and it's, it's up to him. And, of course, there's already a base runner now with, with two out. Uh... Maybe maybe they'll find a way to win. They just need a damn run in the bottom of the inning. I mean, you, the home team has a big edge in baseball, in, in starting from the bottom of the ninth once it's tied. Because they, they they once they get ahead, it's over. And if they're behind, they already they always know how many runs they need to come back. So it's a huge edge to be at home uh, when the game's tied, starting from the bottom of the ninth. But I'm, I'm sure they'll find a way to screw me here. Okay, so. Uh, and Cal Watt, by the way, did meet Yuka walking the dog, and she's the lead singer of a band. And I just post, I just put her uh, 
one of her videos in the chat. Oh, really? So people can actually identify her. Oh boy, that's, that's that's brave. That's braver than I am. I there were some hits. People people can't find uh, Benjamin's mom at all. There's nothing like there's no there's no pictures of, of of her that are accessible online. Even if you knew her name, there's no uh, there's no pictures of Benjamin himself anywhere. It's very hard to come by these things. Though you've, I think I think you've both seen pictures of Benjamin, though, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you're the you're among the the privileged few, but. Uh, I'll actually, I'll actually show people that I meet from the forum, Benjamin, because I don't mind them seeing what he looks like. I just uh, don't want pictures in the forum for people to do obscene things to. I I understand and respect your sensitivity, but in about 10 years, he's going to be sending dick pics all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's just reality. Yeah. Well, ho- hopefully at least he, uh, you know, he, he doesn't send them in an identifiable fashion where it's just a, <laughs> yeah. no one knows whose penis it is. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'm going to talk about the hotels in general. We just had a hotel discussion about Harris Rincon, but I want to talk about hotels in general and uh, tips that the listener here could benefit from. And it's not going to be about towels. Don't worry. It's, uh, we've talked that subject to death. But uh, before we get to that, let me read. Some texts we got. And by the Scott from the East Coast, as I said, if you want to call in, I saw you tried to call and I missed the calls. You can feel free to do so. Uh, Scott from the East Coast said, Borgata charges you if you don't show by 9 p.m. even on comp rooms. Please prank them right now as Colonel Faberge. Hmm. That's, I guess, maybe Borgata copied it from, uh, Rincon copied it from the Borgata. Okay, let's see. I got uh, from Shibun Pickens. You're cracking me up tonight, he said. But I have a question. If if you don't have a maid, cl- maid clean your house daily at home, but you use a new towel each day at home? No, I, I don't. Uh, at home, I will usually use a towel twice before replacing it. But the thing is, it's, it's in my power, though, to wash it when I want. Uh, the reason it's... I, I like replacing the towels. And I can use a, a towel twice at the hotel, but it's just hard because it's, it, it, as far as like putting the towel in a place where it doesn't end up in the floor in some way when you have multiple people staying with you. Like I actually have used towels twice, like on my Rincon, st- and my, my Rio stays by myself. But you have several people in the room. It's hard to hang the towels all in some place where they don't fall somewhere. Or it's, it, it's, it gets hard. It, it's just easier to start with a new towel. And why not if it's easily available? So... That's that's answering your question there. I don't. I use a towel every other time when I shower at home, but you know, then then it's up to me to clean them, and I do. I do wash them. Yeah. When I when I check into hotels, I always tell the front desk no maids until I call for them. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I just I, don't want to be bothered because usually, you know, I'm up late. I don't feel like you know, someone banging on the door at six a.m. Hello. Yeah. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah, you know, I hate that. I just don't need it. I, I know. I put up the do not disturb and leave it up the whole time. Well, I even tell them ahead of time. And I tell them ahead of time, the, the maid, you know, I'll see her in the, the hall the next next day. I'll be like, look, you leave me alone. I don't ever hear you knock on the door. I'll give you a tip before I leave. Yeah. You know? I, I, I I sometimes will tell them if I think it'll be a problem. Like at the Rio, they have the dumb policy. Every three days, the maid has to come in. So I always make well, sure. Well, they're looking for dead bodies. Yeah. I always make sure beforehand that they <laughs> understand that they uh, can't do that. So, 
hotels, if you need to stay in a hotel somewhere, you obviously have to select one that's good for you, both uh, location-wise, quality-wise. And, of course, you try to get the best price. And there's a good chance that you, when I say you, I mean the listener here, you use one of these sites that, like Trivago or one of these others that uh, list a bunch of hotels and then you look at what appears to be the best deal. Maybe you'll even read some reviews of the hotel on TripAdvisor, on Yelp, and make sure you're getting a good hotel and uh, trying to see maybe if the reviews correspond to the prices. And these are all wise things to do. I'm not criticizing any of these. There's not a, there's not a gotcha to this. I'm not going to say, well, if you're doing that, it's all wrong. It's a, the, these are good things to do. But there's more to it. And there's a lot of ways you can get better value out of hotels that I'm going to mention here. And once you're there already, about correcting problems that a lot of people don't do. First of all, about booking them. Uh, reviews are very important. Very important. Make sure you read reviews of every hotel that you're considering staying at. If And then you, you, you want to look for ones... Like, the more reviews that there are of a hotel, the more trusting you can be of these reviews. You don't have to worry about shills. You don't have to worry about uh, disgruntled people who are pissed off uh, for dumb reasons, giving a one star just out of spite. If, there, if there's 500 reviews, that's not going to affect it much. If there's 10 reviews, then that could easily be affected. But what I would suggest is, except in cases where there's tons of reviews, uh, look at the really good ones, look at the really bad ones, look at, the, look at all the different categories. In fact, sometimes throw out the outliers and just kind of go with the middle ones, go with the, what are the typical reviews. If there's a whole lot of three and four stars and a few five stars, a few one stars... It's probably a three or four star hotel, as far as the. And when I say star, I don't mean the the, qual- the I don't mean the category of the hotel. I mean more of like the quality of what you're getting versus what you're expecting. So you can have like a you can have like a Motel Six type place get five stars on there. It doesn't mean it's a, a luxurious hotel. It just means it's a great Motel Six for what you're expecting there. But but it, reviews are very very helpful. They're something that the consumer didn't have until like around 15 years ago, and even to some degree, until 10 years ago. So you should really pay attention to those, especially read the one-star reviews, because you read the one-star reviews, and a lot of times you can tell whether the person who's complaining is either just an idiot or someone who experienced a problem that's unlikely to happen. Like like someone had some sort of uh, unusual plumbing problem there, and then their toilet didn't work all night. Well... If you don't see a lot of reports of this, they probably just had really bad luck and it's probably nothing to worry about. But but if someone is complaining, if, if you see a lot of problems, a, a lot of reviews complaining about uh, plumbing problems, or if you... Like, to- like chips being shoved down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, like poker chips down the toilet. Or if you see uh, a lot of reviews about the staff being rude, or if, if you see things that seem like they're... that you could easily run into it yourself, then maybe consider staying somewhere else. And... So so get a good idea from the reviews, especially the bad ones, of is this likely to happen to me too? And if the answer is yes, then avoid it. So throw out any property where you think that it's going to be a problem, where you think you're going to be very unhappy with something. You've, like let's say there's a lot of reviews. Wow, this place is really noisy. Wow, I had trouble sleeping. I couldn't believe how, no- how thin the walls are. Like, if you read that over and over and over, don't stay there unless you don't care about sleeping. 
you, you've got to read things like that and, and figure out your needs. If you're not going to sleep much, it doesn't matter. But if you if you need a good night of sleep, then you don't want a place that's constantly getting reviewed as a noisy place. So first, find hotels in the area that have good reviews. Of course, look up the location where it is, if the location is important to you. And then, of course, look at the price. You would think that a, a very high-priced hotel is going to be the best. A middle-priced hotel is going to be okay, and a, a low-priced hotel is going to be crap. Well, that's true a lot of the times, but not always. A lot of times, the, these high-priced hotels, are you, you get poor value. A lot of times, the very most expensive properties there are not as good as you'd expect. Sometimes there are properties that are mid-priced that are great. But you'll see this in the reviews. If you see a mid-priced hotel that everyone's giving five stars and say how wonderful it is, it probably is wonderful. It probably is much better than the money you're paying for it. So you should really want to go for that one. Whereas if you see a hotel that's $350 a night, but it's got a lot of bad and mediocre reviews, you want to stay away from it. Because something that's expensive, it should be loaded with great reviews. And if it's not, then don't stay there. So, so try to correspond the reviews to the price you're paying compared to others in the area. But these things are all common sense. But what about, how, how do you find the best price? Well, first of all, do not fall into the trap, unless it's right before the stay. Do not fall into the trap of pay now, get 20% off, but it's not refundable. That's a new thing hotels are doing, where the advanced purchase thing, where you're buying a non-refundable hotel room and getting 20% off. And some people think, oh, great, 20% off, I might as well. Some people even rationalize that, hey, my, my airline ticket's non-refundable, so why not make this non-refundable too? I'm pretty sure I'm going to take the trip. Well, because uh, if, if something does happen and you do, get, you do have to eat all or most of the cost of your airline ticket, who wants to eat all, all the cost of the hotel as well? It's just because you're stuck with a non-refundable airline ticket doesn't mean everything should be non-refundable. That just compounds the problem. One nice thing about hotels is that in most cases you can cancel up to 24 hours before. In some cases you can cancel up to the same day. And that's very useful, especially if, if you're going to a hotel you don't have to fly to. I've had many times where I've canceled trips that I didn't have to fly to. And I was able to do it you know, easily because it's a hotel I could cancel that same day or the day before. And I go, ah, you know, I don't really feel like going anymore. Okay, I'm just canceling. I, I don't feel committed. I don't feel trapped. Even if I am flying there, maybe I want to change my itinerary, change my plans, change what I'm going to do. Maybe I, want to, maybe I find a hotel I'd rather stay at. It's a, it gives you a lot more flexibility if you have a hotel you can cancel all the way close to the last minute and get a full refund. Also, another big reason not to do that is because hotel prices go down. Sometimes. So let's say you've booked a hotel for no refund at $150, but then you get 20% off, so it goes down to $120. So you're feeling good about your price, but guess what? The hotel has, is not selling as well as they expected, and your same room now you're seeing now is for $99, which can easily happen. You cannot go back to them and say, hey, I want this for $99 now. No, you're stuck at $120. So... By booking one of the refundable reservations, not only do you have flexibility, but you also have the ability to cancel and rebook if the price goes down. And that brings me to my next point. You should price watch. Once you book, you have that price locked in. So if it goes up, you're fine. If it goes up, you still have the original price you booked it at. 
If it goes down, they will either adjust it for you or let you immediately cancel and rebook, which is the same as adjusting it for you. So it's like a free roll. It's a free roll on the price going down. If it goes up, it doesn't hurt you. If it goes down, you can adjust it. I have, especially at at more expensive places, many times benefit big time from this. I, I had a trip I took to Hawaii a year and a half ago. And the price I ended up paying ultimately versus what I booked originally a few months beforehand, it was a staggering difference. A staggering difference. And I accomplished this by watching the price and every time it fell, I called up and said, yes, I'd like you to re-rate the room. And they did it. I ended up, in fact, getting suites in both places where I didn't originally have suites books. Very nice suites at both, uh, both hotels I stayed at in Hawaii. And I paid less for those suites than I would, was going to pay for a regular room when I originally booked. By the way, I just got a, an update. I'm not going to play the ESPN thing. I, just, uh, I was told Arizona just won. So unless that person's screwing with me, I think I, uh, think I dodged a bullet here. Thank, thank you, Arizona. So I, I advise very much against using those things, especially because you can get discounts that are in the neighborhood of 20% anyway. First of all, if you have a AAA card, you can get a AAA discount usually, which ranges between 7 and 10%. Not as good as 20 but you can get that off the bat, and it's always cancelable. Uh, I'll tell you a secret that if you don't have a AAA card, they just about never check. But uh, uh, even if you want to play by the book and have a AAA card, which they're they're not that expensive to get, that you always get uh, seven to ten percent off unless it's one of the few properties that doesn't give a AAA discount. Second, I would advise googling the property and like. You know, if, if provided it has online booking, which most do, if there's a promotion code or promo code, whatever they call it, whatever code they call it, Google that and you will see things coming up for that property that sometimes you will qualify for. For example, a, a hotel in Boston I, I've stayed at the last few times I was there. The second time I stayed there, I found that uh, if you are a member of a group that... Uh, supports, I don't know, it's like a group of people who are fans of the arts and, and, and charitable giving, blah, blah, blah. But you didn't have to join it. You, like, you didn't have to pay anything to join it. You just go on that website of that group and, and uh, enter your info and says, okay, congratulations, you're a member. And once you're a member, then you qualify to use their code to stay at that hotel in Boston and a few other hotels that they have partnerships with. That's it. Totally legal. Uh, no fee to join that group, but I found it just by Googling. That's, that's how I knew about it. I Googled you know, this hotel name promo code, and then it came up, and I saw that. I'm like, oh, what is this? And it says, you know, this is for people who uh, – uh, you know, something about supporting the arts and charitable giving. And then I see a join button. I press join. I enter my email address, and it's okay. You're a member. It's okay. I'm a member. Then I entered it, and I got a big discount, like 35% or something off I got. So a lot of times you'll find these things. Sometimes I see if there's a conference going on at the hotel, and then I just say I'm with the conference. Sometimes you can get a better right. You, right, you can do that too. Yes. That, that, now that's a, that's a little. You know, some people may say, "Oh, that's unethical. I don't like that." Uh, you know, how can you talk about this on poker fraud? Look, it's up to each person to determine for themselves where, what what line they want to cross. 
And uh, personally, I don't think it's a big deal if, if you're attending a conference, if you uh, enter the, the code for the conference and get a cheaper rate there. I mean, you can get on your high horse and say, oh, my God, that's awful. But, you know, the, the, the truth yeah. is they're willing to sell rooms to people. They're not gaining anything from the conference. The, the, the conference taking place, they're, they're gaining from the conference, but they're not the, – by a person booking at that hotel under that rate, using the conference rate, uh, the bottom line is they're still that person's still paying the same thing for a room that you would if you used the code, and that's uh, what. What if you lock someone out who's legitimately supposed to be at that conference? No, there, there's no allocation usually. Usually, it's just no. A, they usually have a ton of rooms, and I've been on conferences, so they usually want to sell as many as possible. Yeah, right. So they love it. Yeah. So they, they, I mean, you you can find that with the conference code, and they even work for the airlines sometimes. By the way, you can find a uh, if a conference is taking place, there's sometimes airlines will have give you five percent off if you uh, happen to be flying to that city on that date. But but yeah, you you can enter a conference code. But just you know, if you Google promo code or promotion code or whatever it is uh, for that you see on the online booking form, you'll find various discounts there, uh, and you can decide what you feel is is right to use. Some of them are, are very straightforward. Like the thing we'd you know, join an online group and you can use their discount code. That's uh, that no one could say is unethical. Uh, but, but you know, every, everything else from there, I leave it. I'm not going to judge for people what they should or shouldn't use. That's up to you. What you think is okay to use and what you think isn't okay to use. But that's, that's a way to get discounts on, on uh, hotel rooms. And uh, even without doing that, even if you don't want to get involved in all that, at the very least, you should book the hotel under you know, the regular refundable rate and then just price watch with it, especially if it's far in advance, and there's a good chance it will go down. And you can just keep calling and re-rating every time. Now, what if you're booking with points? What if you have points with uh, whatever hotel group you're staying at? And let's say it's at this hotel, they're charging uh, 30,000 points for a standard room for the date you want to go there for a night. Well, first of all, you need to figure out how much each point is worth, which you can usually do by Googling. Like uh, Google, H, how much are H Honors points worth? How much are uh, Starwood points worth? And, and you'll, you'll get a rough estimate of what they're worth. And then if the number of points they're charging for that night is not giving you good value, don't use points. It may feel funny paying real money instead of using points, but unless you're really broke, it's smart to save your points and getting better value on them. But when you use points, the one downside is that they typically don't offer every room type, and if they do, anything but a bottom barrel standard room is horrible value to where like the higher categories are just really, really expensive for points, or often you can't even buy them with points no matter how many you have. So let's say you want something above a standard room, but you want to use points. What do you do? Well, I attacked this problem for the first time uh, years ago when I went to New York, and I was able to get a standard room, but I, I was in New York City, and I wanted to have a nice – it was in Times Square, this hotel. I wanted to have a, a nice view of Times Square, and I didn't want to have the, the bottom room at the bottom of the hotel. So I called them up, and I said, what do I do about this? I, I, I said, look, I'll be happy to pay more points to get a, a better room up here, but it seems like you guys just do not give the better rooms for points bookings. So can I pay something on top of that? Can I do something? So the guy I was talking to, he was really weird. He, was, he started asking me questions. 
So why why are you coming out to New York? Or is it for personal? Is it for business? I'm like, uh, why is he asking? I go, well, it's it, it's it's personal. He goes, oh really? So so where are you where are you from? And I said, uh, the like uh, like I'm answering the questions, and he starts asking like, oh so so you, you come with your wife, your kids? Like he's asking all these personal questions of me, and and part of me wants to just say shut up, it's none of your business. But I'm like, I'm asking this guy to solve the problem for me. I don't want to be a dick to him. So I I just I played along and I answered everything, and then he goes. Yeah, okay, so, you know, I, I just put you at the top there. I said, well, you charged me? No, no, I didn't charge you. I just put you at the top. So it's not going to cost you anything. I go, oh, wow, thanks. So, you know, I, I played the guy's game. I, I, I answered his stupid questions, and then he, he took a liking to me and gave me a room at, at the top, which even had you know, had I bought the hotel normally, would have been like an extra 100 or 150 bucks, which I probably wouldn't have wanted to pay anyway. But he, here he gave it to me for free for my points booking, just because he took a liking to me on the phone. So I thought, hmm, maybe this is actually something I can do in the future. I won't be back at this hotel for a very long time, but maybe at other hotels. So every time I make a points booking now, I call up and I, I get very nice and very uh, uh, friendly to the person answering the phone. And I, I just lay it out for them. I, and if you say to them, hey, I'm willing to pay extra points, I'm willing to pay extra money, usually that just – makes a good impression, but they don't actually ever charge you. So you say, I really want to do this. There's just no way to do it. Uh, you know, Is there a way for me to pay points? Is there a way for me to pay money? Usually they'll look into it and then come back and say, ah, you know what, I'll just, I'll just upgrade you to whatever room. Right on the phone. I've had this time and time again. I've gotten free upgrades that way where I book with points and then I say, there's no way to get a better room with points. How do I do it? I'll even pay if I need to. And then... To be nice, they do it for you. So it won't work every single time, but it's worked more often than not when I pulled it. Now, what if you're not paying with points? What if you're just paying normally? Well, first of all, if you're a member of these clubs, you know, the Hilton Honors or IHG's uh, club or Starwood, uh, the Star Points, uh, Starwood Club, whatever that's called, if you have a higher tier on there, often you are entitled to an upgrade. Not always an upgrade to the very best room, but an upgrade to some sort. So make sure that you know, you ask, am I entitled with my tier to an upgrade? If you're at the bottom tier, you're not. But if you're anything above the bottom tier, ask, am I entitled to an upgrade? Sometimes they'll give it, you know, either they're required to give it to you or they will give it to you even if they're not required to. But even if you don't get that, uh, often just simply asking uh, is there a way I can get an upgrade or how do I handle an upgrade? Sometimes just in the conversation, the person will just do it for you. I've had that a lot too. There's, of course, what's known as the $20 trick, which I've, I haven't used that often, but but uh, it works in some places where once you're at the front desk, you ask, do you have an upgrade and, and pull out a $20 bill and kind of slide it in their direction. It's known like that's kind of like a code for I'll give you this $20 if you upgrade me. In some cases, I've actually tipped someone even better than that if, if they've upgraded me on their own when I'm there, when they didn't have to do it to something very nice, especially if it's a long stay. So that, that's a way to do it. But sometimes you can get it for free. Sometimes you're just on the phone. You, they'll just, someone will just do it when you're asking questions about how do I get upgraded. Uh, an, another thing you should always do is if it's important to you to get a room on a certain floor to get a room away from the elevator or maybe close to the elevator, whatever you want, a room that's uh, not facing the noisy road, call up the day of, 
like in the morning, 11 a.m., something like that, just as everybody's checking out, and, and ask them, can you assign a room to me? And sometimes they'll say no, but then keep challenging it. Tell them, I, you know, it's very important I get a good night of sleep. I can't be facing the street here in a, a noisy room. Or uh, I've got to be on a higher floor for, when, you know, uh, again, for noise reasons. Uh, you know, you keep pressing, pressing, pressing. Can you assign a room to me? Most places can do it and will do it if you press enough. Especially if you're going to come in late. If you're going to come in at 10 p.m., you're going to get the worst selection of rooms. They're, they're, they're going to, all the good rooms will be given away. So a lot of times, even if you have a standard room, by calling in the day of in the morning or early afternoon and just firmly telling them you really want one blocked off and you don't, want, you don't want to be penalized for coming in later, if you just stick to your guns, don't let them tell you no, eventually they will usually back down and block off a room for you. And that's been very valuable because I absolutely detest coming into a hotel late at night and then finding I'm getting the worst room in the joint. And sometimes the worst room is not just location-wise. Sometimes it's the one with maintenance problems. You just don't want it. You don't, you don't want the room that everybody else is not taking. And that's what happens. Unfortunately, it's like a first-come, first-served thing in these hotels, even if you know, the, you're paying the exact same thing as the person who, who uh, came in a few hours earlier than you. And I, that's always what I bring up to them. I always bring up, why does the person coming in at 4 p.m. have priority to get rooms over me coming in at 10? Why are they, why are they more special than I am because of the time they come in? And they have a hard time answering that one they, they, because there is no answer to it. So you can usually get this done Again, if it's important to you, if you're the type who is happy with any hotel room, then don't care. But, but uh, I've done that with just about every hotel I've stayed at. I always call ahead and make sure that they have something blocked off of the description that I like. A few, a few chains will now allow you to actually select your room online. I think Hilton lets you do that now. So in that case, you can bypass doing that. But then call and make sure that they lock it and they, it's not just like a suggestion that you're actually really locked into that room. Even if you're coming in fairly early, it's a good thing to do. So that's, that's another tip. Now, what if something goes wrong with your room? What if you get there and uh, the sink doesn't drain well? You know, the sink's clogged and there, you, know, you wash your hands and there's a big pool of soapy water in there every time. What if the lock doesn't work well? What if uh, the, the heat or air conditioning does not work well? Uh, what if uh, the shower works poorly? There's so many different maintenance problems that could be happening there in the hotel that uh, some are that are not easily fixable. I would suggest, uh, first of all, if you haven't unpacked all your stuff yet, I would suggest calling to see if you can switch rooms because it's it's tilting to be stuck with a bad room. It's, now, if it's just a small problem, then don't bother. But But something else you can do, especially if it's very late and you already settled in and you notice something wrong, Wait until the morning. Wait until somebody is there who's a, a manager. Ask for them. Tell them what happened. And ask them if they can uh, give you something off your bill. And they often will. And that's another reason not to prepay. Because if you prepay, you, you don't get anything back. You've already paid. If uh, if you have not paid yet, you're just on a uh, you know, regular reservation, and you're paying a checkout, then they will often adjust it. And I I don't make things up. I don't manufacture problems that don't exist. That, to me, that, that is actually like scamming. But if there is a real problem that was a real inconvenience to me and I don't feel I got what I paid for or what I expected, yeah, I'll speak up and yeah, I'll, they'll ask them if they can give me an adjustment. And I've, I've had adjustments ranging from you know, 20, 30 bucks all the way up to a free room, depending on both what the problem was and how generous the manager feels like being. 
So it's always worth to speak up and not just accept, ah, I paid $200 for this room and it sucked and it had this problem, that problem. I'm never coming here again. Well, don't just do that. Get some money back. So, and they will typically adjust that. Unless you get an asshole, you usually get someone who will adjust it, provided that uh, your complaint is at least semi-valid. Where is the money back clip, Druff? You get your $60 back? You want your $50 back? It's $50, but yeah, I, you're right. Yeah, you're slacking. Could. That was a perfect time to slip that in. Well, that was from the other radio show. I, I, I don't you can even, still use it? I, I have to find it somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, a lot of people are afraid to speak up. And, and also, if they can come and fix something. Right here, I'll give you an example. When I checked into the Rio, I, I checked out of the Rio for two days, and I stayed with Brandon at a different hotel. And uh, then I went back to the Rio on the day of the extended play in a limit event in the middle of the World Series. That was the day it was like 116 degrees in Vegas. And I came into the room and it was boiling hot. And the AC had been running and the AC was set like all the way to the lowest setting. Lowest meaning like lowest temperature. So I knew that if the AC has been running while I've been out of the room and it's still boiling hot, there's a problem. So sure enough, the AC just wasn't very strong. And it had a problem. The AC unit just was not working. So I called up and, and they told me I was going to have to wait for an unspecified amount of time for someone to come fix it. And which could be as much as six hours, they conceded. But I, I just kept pressing. Now, I was a seven-star, which helped, but I, I kept pressing and pressing. I want someone now. I want someone to come up here. If you can't tell me, I want a timetable so I know how long to leave the room and come back. And they, they gave me some pushback at first, but eventually, after making a big enough deal about it, I got a guy up there in 20 minutes to fix it. So something like that, I'm not going to just say, okay, well, I'll get – well, first of all, I couldn't get money back because I had uh, – a comp room, but even if I did, you don't want to live without air conditioner on a 116 degree day in Las Vegas. There, you have to have it fixed. So, don't just accept. Oh, well, we'll send a maintenance man up when he gets there. You know, press them for a timetable. Uh, even if you have to make up a story. Oh, you know, my uh, my kid has to go to sleep here. Uh, I need him to come up here. Oh, my, you know, it's I, I have a health issue. If the room remains hot for too long, I can I can have seizures. You know, just make up this B. It doesn't matter. Just this this will speed them up to get up to your room. And get the problem solved. And uh, it, it, you know, sometimes you, you really need to get these things solved. It's amazing how many rooms I check into that have problems that I know were there before I got there, which means the previous guest just tolerated them, like the air conditioner. Someone just tolerated being boiling hot in that room before I got there. Uh, I've been, been to places where uh, a lot of other things don't work. The sink barely works, the shower barely works, and just no one says anything. They just put up with it. So always speak up. Get things fixed. Get money back on your bill. And something else you can pull, if, there, if there's a problem, you can sometimes use that to get a later checkout. So let's, let's say you have a flight at 6.30 p.m. And it's your last night of wherever you're going. And checkout's at 12 or 11 sometimes. It's a pain in the ass. What do you do in those hours in between? And you think, damn, I wish I had my room till four or three, even two. Well, what you can do is if you've actually had a problem in the room, you can say, hey, well, because this happened, can I have the later checkout without it charging me? They'll usually say yes. So again, you don't necessarily have to manufacture something, but... Anything that happened, you can say, well, you know, because of this, I didn't sleep as well, or I ended up going to bed later. And, you know, when they, make some start with a premise there, and then ask them, can I have the later checkout for this reason? And they will. 
So always speak up when there's a problem. You are a customer. You are paying for the place. Uh, if My general rule of thumb with getting what you pay for is that if you pay for something and then what you get is not what you expected, then you are getting ripped off to some degree, intentionally or unintentionally. But, but if you're not getting what you paid for, then you should speak up about it and either get a reduction in price or get it replaced. You should not just accept something that is different than what you thought you were getting. Unless it was your mistake, unless you just didn't read right or something. But if, if something was not as advertised, or there's a problem that you couldn't have foreseen there that's not your fault, uh, you should get something back for it because that's not what you're paying for. You shouldn't feel bad to ask for money back. Uh, I, I, I've told this story before. Benjamin's mom, the first weekend she came to see me in Las Vegas seven years ago, she stayed at the Monte Carlo. And uh, on the Saturday night, she came on a Friday, but Saturday night, I could not find any parking there. You know, we, we came back to her room, and there was, there was no parking anywhere in the Monte Carlo, in the structure. So my only choice was either to valet it and get stuck in a, like a 45-minute valet line on Sunday, because everyone's leaving on Sunday, or park in the hot sun in August, beating down on my car all morning and afternoon. N- neither were very uh, appealing. So this is her room, of course, but I said, hey, would you like me to call up the front desk and get you a reduction for this? And she says, okay, sure. So, try. so I came on, and I, and I told them. I said, look, I was expecting a – I called beforehand. I said, do you have a garage? Yes. Is it, uh, is it big enough for all your guests? Yes. And then I get here, and it's not true. And I wouldn't have stayed here if I knew I had to park my car outside and have it roast in the 110-degree sun. So they argued with me at first, and I, I, but I said, look, this is, this is not what I thought I was paying for. I thought I was paying for a, a strip hotel with a – Usable garage. And then the guy really screwed himself by saying, oh, yeah, we've been uh, – this has been under construction for the last four months. I said, well, if it's been under construction for four months, you know, half of it's closed. You should have informed guests of this before they book here. He said, yeah, yeah, you're right. We should have. So anyway, he says, well, okay, I can't give you that much off your bill. He said, what are you looking at? I said, okay, I guess it's money off the bill. He said, well, I can't, I can't give you that much. All I can give you is uh, $75. LAUGHTER so I'm like, all he can give me, I would have been thrilled with 30. Like he, I said, okay, that's fine. I'll take 75. So I get off the phone. I've probably been arguing for about 10 minutes about this. I get off the phone. I'm thinking, oh, boy, did I just screw this up? Like, did I just look like a complete asshole for this girl who came to see me? I mean, it was on her behalf, but still. And she sat there and she said, I was really impressed with that, with all the logic you kept using on him and the, the way you uh, – the way you kept putting things and then not taking no for an answer. I, I thought that was really impressive. I, I, I thought that was so cool what you just did there. And I said, ah, ah, maybe I am with the right girl here. So she got $75 off her bill. I didn't get a penny out of it, but I did it for her. But, you but get anything I, else out of it? Uh, well, obviously I did. I have, I have a kid with her now. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's... I, I didn't just do it to get her money back. I, I, did, I did it because I really was irritated that, you know, she. we all believe that this, this hotel she was staying at, the Monte Carlo, that it really does have a, a parking garage that is usable. And when it's not, that's a big deal in Las Vegas in the summer. So that's not worthy getting a free hotel room. But, you know, I would have been happy if the guy gave 30 bucks off the bill. But uh, when he offered 75, obviously I wasn't going to say no. But, you know, something like that, even something like that, just call up and say, I wasn't expecting this. I'd like some kind of reduction. And then they'll do it for you a lot of times. So uh, let me think if there's anything else that uh, I could suggest here. Oh, always check the bill. 
there could be a lot of mistakes. There could, you could be overcharged. There could be mini bar charges you didn't authorize. There can be, you know, you could have been charged the wrong rate. If you ate at the restaurant or something, those charges could be wrong. Just, just make sure that everything is correct. Don't just pay it. Always make sure it's right. And always speak up if there's an issue. Never pay more. And also never accept the answer of, we can't adjust it right now. Pay first the incorrect amount, and uh, later the manager will fix it for you and give you a credit back to your credit card. Absolutely say no. Never, ever, ever pay an incorrect bill with anything. Never. Because companies are much more difficult about giving you money back than they are about lowering your bill that you haven't paid yet. This is universal among all companies everywhere of all types. So I, I had that proposed to me a few times when there were problems with the bill and I was told, okay, well, yeah, we, we see it's wrong, but we don't have the authorization to adjust it. How, just pay this amount and the manager will fix it later. I said, uh-uh. I'm not doing that. I, I only pay correct bills is what I told them. And that's what you should tell them to. It won't happen often, but I've, I've seen it a few times. Never pay first and have them adjust it later. Never. So, oh, oh one other thing. Watch out for packages. A lot of times there will be like promotions, specials you'll see on the website. and It'll be very appealing looking. You click on it, it'll say, uh, yeah, bed and breakfast package. And this is not a hotel, it's a bed and breakfast. I mean, it's a regular hotel calling it that. Uh, stay at our hotel two nights and get uh, two breakfasts each day. You stay at the hotel, whatever. You go, oh, cool. And then you click on it and you think you're getting a great deal. And then if you go price it out, you're actually paying more than had you just booked the same room and bought the breakfast individually. Or sometimes you're saving like $2 where it's not worth, uh, unless you're sure you're going to have the breakfast both days, it's not worth doing. So watch out for those packages. A lot of times they're they're very gimmicky and they don't really save you any money. Or sometimes they're even worse and uh, cost you more money. And then you're committing yourself to doing things or using things you may not want to use. In general, those package deals are not very good. I've I've seen very few times where I go, oh, i got to jump on that. It's, it's usually something something crappy, either something that's of no value or little value or forced me to use services of theirs I don't necessarily want or don't know if I'm going to want. Like, you know, $50 credit at a, you'll have $50 credit at our, our restaurant. Well, I don't know if I'm going to want to eat the restaurant. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. So if I'm getting the $50 credit at the restaurant for $5 more, great, I'll take it. If, the, if I'm paying $40 to get $50 credit here at the restaurant, I'm not going to do it. Unless I've eaten there before and I'm sure I want to come back. So typically don't go for those package deals, especially if they make you prepay. Flexibility is a big thing you gain from hotels in that typically you, you don't have to pay in advance or you can give up to you know, one day notice or less than one day notice to get your full refund. So why, why rob yourself of that flexibility? I, I think it's foolish. Uh, Trader Ruski mentioned paying or tipping $20 up front to the maid. Uh, Trader Risky is a very, a very generous guy, and I'm sure, I'm sure he does get a lot of uh, service. You, you don't have to go that far, but it is true that tipping hotel employees who can help you with things you need does go far at times. They, they are typically pretty low paid, even the front desk employees, even sometimes the managers. So sometimes tipping them will just speed up the process with them helping you. It's not required. I've, I've gotten a lot of things done without tipping people. 
uh, especially when it's something I feel I'm entitled to and not something I'm just asking for a favor. I'm more, much more likely to tip for a favor than, than I'm never going to tip for something I'm entitled to that you just haven't given me. But, but yes, if you're looking for someone to do you a favor, uh, tipping them can often help. So, yeah, and sometimes it's just better to do it at the beginning than at the end for stuff like housekeeping, because then you know, then you're taken care of. Yeah, and I've all and, right, and I've also tipped before, as I said. I've sometimes tipped after something's been done. Not uh, sometimes, like I'm just asking if the person can help with anything, and then they they're very helpful, and, and I accomplish what I'm looking to accomplish, and uh, and I could tell that they were really going out of their way to help me. And I go, okay, well, that was nice. They didn't have to do this. They didn't have to be this helpful. And then, I'll, you know, at that point, uh, and then I think about all the value I got out of what they did. And I go, okay, uh, like I don't have to tip them at that point, but I feel like they've they've just done something for me. I'm going to do something for them. And so I've I've done that before. In fact, uh, I I just did it recently this summer with a hotel stay I had. And uh, so that's that's something that can be effective. Uh, you don't have to do it for every little thing. And, of course, uh, sometimes the tipping can be proportionate to what you need them to do or what value you're getting out of it. If you're, uh, if, you've been, if you're staying at a place for a week and they just gave you an upgrade from a standard room to a really nice suite, uh, then you're getting a ton of value out of that. And, uh, and uh, tipping them for that, you can give them a pretty big tip and you're still making out like a bandit overall for what you're getting. Uh, however, if you're getting uh, a very small upgrade over one night uh, – uh, the same type of tip wouldn't be uh, justified here. So, again, this is up to you. I don't like to tell people what they should and shouldn't tip. It's up to them what they think is appropriate. I can tell you you're not required or expected to tip to get any favors done. And a lot of times you can't even do it because you get the favor done over the phone. And uh, and it's good to get it established over the phone because the problem is you are gambling some by just showing up and asking things to be done for you. Like, uh, I really like to know that a, a certain minimum standard of room that I'm expecting is already held for me before I even get there, rather than try to fight it out there, even if I'm willing to tip someone. It's just uh, sometimes it's just not available. Like, they're, they're never going to throw someone out of an existing room they're in. They can't do that. So if there's only one room left on the property, then you're getting it, and that's it. So at that point, you're stuck no matter what you want to tip. So... That's why I suggest getting some of these things out out of the way beforehand. But calling ahead, it's one of these things where the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And uh, a lot of times they'll they'll finally, even after initially resisting you, will finally do what you're asking just to get rid of you, <laughs> just because they're tired of of arguing with you and they're tired of saying no, and they they will just do it for you. So that's. Uh, also, one other thing: if you are with, if you're traveling with someone who is entitled to some sort of additional discount, don't hesitate to book under that discount. Like, let's say your your spouse works for a company that gets that that has a code that can be used to get a, dis- a discount in that room. Don't worry that you're not on official company travel. Uh, go ahead and use that code, and, and then your spouse can, if they ask for ID for that company, your spouse can show that. Same thing if your spouse works for the government and qualifies for a government rate when, when they travel. You can, you can do that. It doesn't have to be your spouse. It can be your girlfriend, any kind of travel companion. It doesn't matter whose name the room is in as long as that person is with you and can show that they qualify for that rate. Like let's, let's say you're taking a trip with someone who works for the government. It's not a government trip. It's just a, a pleasure trip. 
Uh, you can book the government rate, which is often much cheaper. They will sometimes ask, hey, where's your government ID? You say, okay, hang on, bring up the other person. They show their government ID. You qualify. That's, that's all you need. Uh, even some, Sometimes they'll say in the fine print, oh, it's got to be for government business. They, no, they don't ever care. It's, it, no one cares. All they, they will care sometimes that you really qualify for it. They will never care about the exact reason you're traveling. So if, if you like, get the government rate, as long as you can show a government ID that qualifies, they, that's all they want to see. So that's ne- never neglect that. If you're traveling with someone that you think may be getting a rate, especially someone who works for a big corporation, if, you're, if your wife works for HP or IBM or GE or, uh, or, or, or FedEx or Pepsi, or, they may have a corporate rate they can get. And you don't, they don't have to book through their corporation either. You just book it online and enter the corporate code. You usually Google. And, uh, and if that person can show the proper ID, then uh, they qualify for it. So don't don't leave that extra money on the table that could have still stayed in your pocket. I'm trying to think anything else that. Uh... Oh, this is a hygiene thing. Clipping it's... your fingernails, Drew? Oh no! I, you know, I should, I, I'm just kind of twisting a pen back and forth. It does sound like I'm clipping uh... my fingernails. I, I should have said I, I should have said I should have said I'm, uh, I'm clipping my toenails so I can uh, I can try to play like uh, William Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> so. I got to stop doing these things. I always criticize others for doing things like that in the background than I do it myself. So well, I know we mentioned it before, Druff, but I know it's always good if you have medication you need to put in a refrigerator. Sometimes they try to charge you like twenty-five bucks for a refrigerator if the room doesn't have one. But if you have medication that needs to be refrigerated, they have to give you one. Aha! Uh-huh, that's right. That's a, that's a good tip. Uh, if if you want a refrigerator in the room, often most rooms these days fortunately have one. They, they've that's a, an improvement we've had over the years. Some things over the years improve, some degrade. This is an improvement. Most hotels have a refrigerator now that is not even necessarily a mini bar refrigerator. A lot of them just have refrigerators now where you just open it, it's an empty refrigerator, you can use it, which is great. But in the case that they do not have a refrigerator, you can ask for one, and some hotels will want to charge you something outrageous like 20 bucks for it. So as Trudorowski just said, if you tell them that you need medication there, uh, you can say you have diabetes, you need insulin in there, or if you have a young child with you, you can say that you need, uh, you need it for baby formula or, or milk. Uh, any medical-type reason for having that refrigerator, they're not, they're not going to say, show us a doctor's note. You just say, I need it for medication. And they will give it to you for free. That's uh, and, and don't feel guilty about that. They shouldn't be charging you twenty bucks for a refrigerator. It's a joke. Uh, rollaway beds. If you have additional people like kids with you and you want to get a rollaway bed, some places are charging now for rollaway beds. Always ask about that beforehand. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You can talk them out of that charge. It uh, you, you can just simply ask them: Is there is there a way around that? Can you not charge that? Uh, uh, I, I didn't realize this when I booked. Can, can you just do this one time? A lot of times they'll do it. A lot of times they'll take pity on you and not charge you for the rollaway. Again, something you should never feel guilty about. Now, you don't have a right to a rollaway, unlike the, the medication where you can always get it for free with the refrigerator. The rollaway, you never have a right to getting that for free, but you can often talk them into it. In general, avoid surcharges other than parking. Parking, some places will charge for parking, and there's a. Oh, I, I should talk about charging for parking since we're on that subject. If a place charges for parking, if you do not mind a short walk, and sometimes a very short walk, you should ask them, and then, by the way, not always trust their response, but ask them, is there any other parking nearby that is cheaper? Sometimes they will say no when the answer is really yes, and they just don't want you to use it. But if they say yes, they'll direct you to it. If they say no, 
then go check yourself anyway. Go, you know, and this is only if you are willing to, to put out the small amount of effort, especially if you're staying for a few nights and it's worth it. Because some places, especially in the city, are very, very expensive for parking. $50 a night, $60 a night, just to park your car for one night. And that's a joke. Uh, so a lot of times there's lots very nearby, one block away, sometimes right across the street that you can park. And especially if you don't move your car, if you're planning on just leaving your car and then just taking it out when you're, uh, when you're done with the stay or maybe, use, maybe using it once a day. It's definitely worth it parking off-site. And you can usually park somewhere for registration parking just to get your stuff out of your car and up to the room and then move your car. But don't just automatically give them the car for their parking lot and paying $60 a day or whatever they're going to charge. It can be very, very exorbitant in the city, and you can do a lot better at nearby lots. And especially a state that's multiple days, this can really add up. So, hey, Jeff, I think I told you I was down in St. Petersburg, and they wanted... I think it was like 40 bucks a night, St. Petersburg, Petersburg, Florida. Wow. And I was just like, screw it, you know, whatever. I'll just park on the street. Um, And I ended up getting a couple of parking tickets, right, on this rental car that I had. The amount that they were going to find me for the the parking tickets was less than it would have cost me (laughs) to park in their fucking lot. So I was like, all right, whatever. (laughs) That's funny. The St. Petersburg does sound pretty obnoxious there for $40. I, the most I've ever paid for parking was $55 in for a night in New York, in New York City. Yeah, that'll do it. But New York City, you know, that's everything's so expensive there. And, and getting any kind of street parking is tough. And even finding private lots there, those are never cheap anyway. It's not like I'm going to get a bargain in New York City. But like in Washington, D.C., I went to a hotel there, and they wanted something pretty expensive for the their own parking. And I said, is there any other lot nearby? And I get this nasty front desk woman. She says, sir, this is the city. Parking costs money here. I'm like, I got pissed at that response. And I said, I said I'm very aware of that I'm from Los Angeles. I know all about that. But, uh, um, again, is there a cheaper lot? She says, no, of course, I don't believe her. I take a walk down the street. There's a much cheaper lot down the street. So I just parked there. And then I uh, complained about her afterwards to the manager the way she talked to me. Lecturing me, sir, this is the city parking. I didn't go to her and say, hey, why is parking cost a lot of money here? I just said, is there a lot that's cheaper? And that's when I get, that's the answer I got. So, uh, But, yeah, don't always just jump to park at their lot if you would like to save a little bit of money. Uh, room service. I'm not a big room service person. Some Some people are, some people aren't. Uh, just be aware that it's it's expensive and that it has a lot of hidden charges. There's a service charge. Often you're expected to tip above the service charge. Uh, what I found is dinner is, is the best value. It, it's expensive, but it's the best value compared to what you get. Uh, the worst value is breakfast. Breakfast, you're often paying way, way, way more than what you'd pay in a restaurant for the same thing. So I avoid room service. I will... In fact, sometimes uh, just walk down to the restaurant and do takeout and bring it back to the room or walk next door and buy something, bring it back to the room. I I prefer that over room service. Now, yeah, in some situations, room services, if you're exhausted and don't want to leave the room, if you're, you know, you you take a girl back to the room, you 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 just want to order room service and hang out there with her. And that's, that totally makes sense why you're willing to pay the premium. But uh, I don't know, for me, I I just, uh, I avoid it as much as possible. I know that's uh, not earth shattering information here that room service is expensive but uh let's see if there's anything else i can come up with here 
think I've, I've exhausted most of it. Oh, I mean, what what you said about the bill, though, Jeff. I think also people, you know, with the mini bar, sometimes they have those sensors, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's setting people up to be. Used. Yeah, that that's a big thing. You should always check the bill, and. Yeah, you hit those sensors, you grab one thing, it could ping you for like three different things. Oh, and here, here's one other thing. This is not as, as useful as it was a few years ago, but don't always trust the price you see online. Sometimes you can get a better price by calling the property. Uh, this isn't as much the case as it used to be, but uh, I, in fact, I don't, always do, I don't always check like this. Sometimes if I'm happy enough with the price, I don't even bother because I think it's not going to be much better, but... I've seen it before where I see a relatively high price online and then I call up and say how much is a room and they'll quote me a lower price. So online is not always the best. Sometimes it's a pretty staggering difference. I remember uh, when I I was just on a mini road trip with my girlfriend uh, seven years ago. This is when our relationship was very new and we just wanted to find somewhere to stay. So we, I kind of just, quickly looked on my phone. This is, of course, seven years ago. There was... Uh, it's harder to look these things up then. But I, I found a Holiday Inn Express in the area. And I could have booked it online for $126. Like, $126 is a little bit expensive for Holiday Inn Express, especially seven years ago. So I called up the property. And I said, how much is a room here? And the guy said, $76. So I said, okay, and I booked the very same room by calling the property for 76 that I would have paid online for 126 Why? Because the local property will often, uh, especially a chain, sometimes they will, the local property will lower the price if rooms aren't selling well, but, it won't, but they won't reflect it in their official price online. So it's sometimes worth calling the property, especially. Now, a lot of times if you see the, what looks like a pretty cheap rate in the first place, especially like an online special or something, you, you, there's no point to call the property. But a lot of times you can call up and, and you will hear a, a lower rate. So it's worth doing, especially if it's a more expensive place. You will often be quoted a better rate. Uh, and I think it's important to get to the hotel and avoid central booking. Yes. Sometimes they'll just transfer. Very good tip, yes. Very good tip. Avoid When you do call the hotel, make sure you're reaching the hotel itself and not central booking. Central booking will never give you any helpful answers and never do anything out of the box. You always want to reach the front desk at the hotel and say, you know, I, I, I want to book a room, but don't transfer me to central, reser- central reservation. Can you do this here, and how much is it? Sometimes they don't have the ability to book a room there, in which case you have to give up. But sometimes they'll say, yes, we can book one, and it's uh, this much. And a lot of times it will be cheaper than... Now it was this was very often the case I'd say five to ten years ago. Now it's less the case, but always verify the price in a few different ways. At least online, don't just trust the the one that comes up on Expedia Trivago. Sometimes that's inflated too. So you can use those tools, but then go to the hotel website and see what they're quoting. Sometimes it will be cheaper. So sometimes the reverse will be true. Sometimes it'll be more expensive on the hotel re- website and cheaper on the Expedia or Trivago site. So uh, provided the same terms, same cancellation terms, blah, 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 it's uh, always use the cheapest source to book. So that that really is the, the true way of getting value. 
getting value is not about just paying less money. It's about getting the same thing for less money. I, I don't like buying crap for less money. I'm, I'm getting worse value usually doing that. So these are all just general little tips with hotels. And if you apply all of what I've talked about here, or most of it, you really will have a much more pleasant stay. Now, yeah, there's some stress of sometimes having to fight with the front desk and all that, but but uh, you you have to t- you'll have a much better experience. You'll get better rooms. You will have fewer problems, fewer maintenance issues, fewer recurring problems you have to keep dealing with. You'll get a better value for your money. You'll never have buyer's remorse where you buy something prepaid and then see the price go way down and you're stuck. There's a lot of advantages here. And and it's also satisfying. Like you have a bad night at a hotel because of some problems with a room. And it, it can ruin your vacation to know you just paid a lot of money for it. But then you feel a lot better psychologically if you complain about it and they give you half off. You go, okay, well, here, I got some money back here. I got something out of it, even though it's a crappy night, but I got something out of it. It, it. it makes you happier. At least it makes me happier. So those are those are my tips. I can't think of any more. I've, I've just... I didn't write all this down. I just spouted off from my memory of things I do. And Oh, here's the last thing. It's a, I was going to mention this before. This is a hygiene thing. This is not about value at all. Those cups, those glass cups in the hotel, often are not clean. They often did not come out of the dishwasher. They often were just wiped down with a dirty rag from the last person who used it. So if you have those glass cups in the room, I don't care how the nice how nice the hotel is. Someone did an undercover study and found that this problem was just as bad at the nicest hotels as it was at the cheap motels. So if there are glass, if there are glasses that are made of glass, like drinking glasses or glasses by the sink, number one, call up and have them replaced immediately. Usually, the ones they replace are the ones that come out of the dishwasher, whereas the ones that are just in the room could have been just toweled down from the last guest and preferably see if they can give you any paper cups instead. Like often the room will have both glass, glassware and paper coffee cups. Ask them for a bunch of paper coffee cups. That's what I do. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll just take like 10 paper coffee cups off the maid's ra- uh, cart. And then I'll use that for my stay because the paper coffee cups, they're wrapped in plastic. Those are always clean. But uh, a lot of times the, the glasses will be just wiped down with a dirty rag that she's been using to clean the toilet. I'm not even kidding. This is very common. This isn't just like a, a paranoid uh, neat freak thing. I'm not even a neat freak, by the way, or a germ freak. But I'm, I'm telling you, there were a lot of studies about this, and it was amazing what was found, even at very nice, res- at very nice hotels. Yeah, if you want to enjoy your stay in a hotel, do not go in there with a black light. <laughs> right, exactly. You don't want to see the shit that's all <laughs> over the place in there. So, in fact, I've I've actually started bringing my own paper cups for the beginning because you can't always find a maid cart right when you get there. So I I'll bring like a stack of ten paper cups with me, <laughs> and it makes me feel better. I know I'm drinking from a clean glass and bridging my mouth from a clean glass. Okay, let's let's see what text we've gotten. And uh, hey, Druff, that uh. Story that you were just telling, especially about the cups, just reminded me of uh, a roommate of mine that I had in college who was also Jewish, but the complete opposite of you. <laughs> From the point of view is he 
didn't give a fuck about spending money on stuff at all. Um, but he was incredibly, incredibly lazy. Um, so one of these times, uh, we, you know, we rotated, we had three people living in the house and every week, different people took turns, uh, cleaning the dishes. Right. Yeah. And this, this fucker, I mean, he's a great guy otherwise, but he would just let the dishes pile up and pile up and we'd have to, you know, hammer on him. Hey, you know, you got to do the dishes, do the dishes, you know, whatever. He ended up just taking all the dishes and throwing them out. <laughs> and he just bought a whole new set of dishes. And he's like, here, I did the dishes. That's, that's funny. Like, you just fucking threw them out. So <laughs> then, then the next month, same thing came around. And again, he didn't want to do the dishes, didn't want to do them. So he fucking threw them out again, bought a new set. <laughs> and then the third month came around. And he finally realized, you know, I guess how stupid it was. It was his turn to do it. He threw them out. But this time he just bought paper cups and plates. He's like, this is what we're using now. Just because he was so lazy that he wouldn't even do the dishes. I, I will. I will say that if a giant stack of dishes builds up on the sink, it's it's very intimidating. Like you, you just you want to get started on it, but you just feel like, oh my, this is such a no, so much no. work. They, they, this no, this guy like, and where we had uh, two upstairs apartments, the only bathroom was downstairs. This guy would come home and he's too lazy to go downstairs to go to the bathroom, so he would pee in all these like red. Uh, plastic cups, right? And he would just leave them in his room. But he didn't want it to to smell really bad, so he put CD covers, like CD <laughs> cases over these things, right? And at one point he had he had to have like a dozen or more of those fucking things just sitting there. I was in my room one night, I heard him come home drunk, like, you know, stagger around, I heard slip, crash and then fuck. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> He slipped in his urine cups, and the shit just went everywhere. And it was like fermented urine was all over him, all over everything. Oh, it was boy. Nasty. Some nasty stuff. But he was—he didn't have a cheap bone in his body. Yeah. I, he, I think he was he, too lazy to be cheap. It's a, you know, being cheap requires some effort. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think you might be right. That's the problem. It, it, requ- it really requires some effort to be cheap. And uh, I wonder, do, do you know now, like, like does, is he broke? I, I doubt it. I think he came from a really well-off family. Uh, see, that's uh, see. I, I think that has to do with why he was throwing away the dishes. If it, it, the worst thing you can have for a kid is to grow up and have no value for money, uh, because that it just yeah. it just affects them so much throughout life, both in how they handle their money and just how they handle a lot of things. They just believe that just everything gets done for them, and and you can always just pay to solve any situation. And life doesn't work that way. So I, I believe me, I'm going to make sure Benjamin has value for money. He's a little bit young to where, I mean, it, I can, I'm starting to teach him it, but it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit young to, to start that whole thing. But it's important, no matter how much money you have, that uh, kids understand value <laughs> for money. So, so Brandon, hello. Hey, buddy. Are you still on the fraud? We are with, 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 Network doing the show with, with uh, Calwatt, and we have Trader Ruski, I think. I'm still here. What's happening, Brandon? I just literally, this is the worst feeling in all of fucking tournament poker. I think you guys know where this is coming. I Uh-oh. just literally stone cold, really, not like the I bubbled, you know, but your fights with I literally just bubbled the money <laughs> and the fucking WPP horse. I, I was hours, I, 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 12, 12 hours, 12 and a half. What time is it now? I don't even know. 12.18. After midnight, right? 12.18, 12, yeah. 12, yeah, so 12 hours and 18 minutes of my day, nothing to show for. Ugh. 
That's right. Yeah, that's the, best the worst. Part, you'll, you'll like it. It was in Limit Hold'em, and I flopped two pair, and the guy had uh, ace three. Whatever. He had a gut shot, and he ate yeah. a straight on the river. I know. I know. I, no, and I, all the money was in on the flop, but whatever. It's just I, no, like, I, I hate, stone I hate cold the, bubble. I hate the Limit, the limit Hold'em two pair gets beaten by a straight thing. That happens all the time. I hate it. Yeah. Absolutely hate it. So, literally, it's not like the, you know, and, it's, you know, the worst part is when you hear the announcement, gentlemen, we're all in the money now. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Everybody cheers. So, I mean, 12 up. hours. You know, but this is, this is the thing. It wasn't it wasn't a big buy-in turn. It was only $550. It was horse. It was, yes. Oh, it's a restricted area? I don't, <laughs> a restricted area. I'm on the radio right now. What's flammable? Can I go over here? The wall? <laughs> I got to go back over that so way? It's the first bubbles now in a restricted area. Can I, hold on. Just say hi. No, it's just a radio. It's a podcast on poker. We're affiliated with the bike. You ever heard of Live with a Bike? This is Jeff's Live with the Bike with Tony Lucy. Oh, you can't talk on the radio? Okay, I'm in a flammable area, so I have to start walking back. You're, you're, in, a, you're in a what area? Sorry about that, dear. Try to get on the radio. What, what area are you in? I'm at the... Uh, I'm in uh, the no. Bell Gardens Commerce area. No, but why are they... Oh, getting... I don't know. I'm just walking... I just walked out to the parking lot when I... I stormed, no, I didn't storm out. I said good luck to everyone. I came outside, so it'd be quiet to call you because I have somebody in my room. Or I have, you know, I have, you know, Jeannie in my room. So she's asleep. I don't want to wake her up. She busted like at three this afternoon at four. So, uh, but anyhow, it was only, it was a $550 WPT prelim. I didn't come out here, you know, to make money. I mean, of course I tried, but it wasn't like, you know, it was more, you know, Jeannie loves these tournaments. I love, obviously, I have to play tournaments. I love mixed game tournaments more than uh, No Limit. And, you know, it just seemed kind of nice. I, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. And I, I felt like coming out here, Jeannie knew about this. She finds all these, you know, mixed games that are within driving distance of Vegas. So, uh, you know, it's so disappointing, of course. I mean, I was only guaranteed. If I would have got one more spot, I think it was it was 1500 1500 or 1600 uh, so I'm, I'm not mad. It, you know, some people are like, oh, it's 12 hours and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, I had a good day, good time. Like Frankie O'Dell, uh, I'm trying to think of people you guys would know that were, that played this. Frankie O'Dell played. He busted. Um, Barry Shulman played. He busted. His wife played. She busted. Um, Tony Ma, do you remember that name from the past? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, finished 13th. In fact, I actually knocked him out. Um, was Miami, the, what what Miami Jim, Miami Mi- John, Miami John. What, what about Miami? What about Miami. Uh, what about Man the Master? Is he there? You know what? He's been. I think he's broke because he didn't play the tournament, but he's been walking up and down. Like you know, there's like a tournament area, as well as like you know, Cashmere, and he's been walking, strolling down the hallway back and forth with a glass of wine in his hand for three <laughs> hours. It's really funny you asked about it. Cause I wouldn't have even thought to. But he hasn't been playing. Maybe he's playing cash, but he's just. Not, I mean, if he, if he is, he's doing the, I'm really hosting this, you know, as a, you know, he's not sitting down long because he's constantly, I see him walking back and forth with, with, with what looks like house red wine. Uh, maybe they're cooking the rice and the chips upstairs right now because there is, you know, a hotel here. I don't know. I can't confirm if they're, you know, remember the rice they burnt down the hotel and they found the chips? Remember <laughs> that story? Yeah. I mean, who does that? Like in a hotel, not even an oven, they're like, have a flammable whatever cooking rice, so. Um, trying to think who else anyone would know. Yeah, so Miami John was in it, and he uh, he did not do well. Actually, I, I probably went the longest out of anyone that I know. Um, trying to think. No, there's no other. I mean, there are you know ten people that I knew, twelve people. But anyway, I'm not upset. 
I mean, I'd be much more mad if this was like, you know, a 5K or 25, you know, the, the, a big field tournament. There's only like, I think, 100 and change or something like that. Um, no, but anyhow, but it sucks uh, that you wasted that much of your time and have nothing to show for it. That's like the worst. Just piss off. No, it's Calvin. Oh, hey, what's up? Come buddy? on, man. I, I mean, listen. If you've been listening all these years and you don't know the gags and the routines, come on. Of course, I know who you are, there, kid. Uh, I'm not that far from you. If I had more time, I'd meet you halfway from San Francisco. And I, I saw that uh, one guy that you do the one thing for last night, and I had, I had a scotch. The, oh, the Hanson boy, the Hanson kid. And yeah. we had a we had a very nice time. We just sat at the bar nice. at the casino and just talked shop and. Uh, he got me a super user account at uh, the Crush Live Poker, which is very, very nice. nice. I, he also he offered to get Druff one too, and I'm setting it up. So now we have the super user, which just basically means it's a it's a free subscription. I just like using the word super user. Yeah, it means but I will give it a thoughts. shout out. It's it's yeah, it's uh, you know Crush Live Poker. Showing it to me last night for the first time, and I was actually impressed with the amount of work he must put into. Or you too. He was telling me how much work you put into it. But this shit, you know, it has forums, it has podcasts, it even has that one guy that was crazy that's yelling and screaming at Druff over the, oh, the doctor in Florida with the big about, titties. You talking about a lineman? Is that, yeah, 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 yeah. But his real name's Abraham. Yeah, yeah. I'd go with Lyman, too. He's he's not on the uh, he's not on the site anymore. Isn't that his real name? I think it's Abraham. Whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, his real name is Abraham. His it, real name it, is it, Abraham. No, he admits his name is Abraham, but then he lies, he lies about his last name. He claims it's Lyman, but it's not. I found out what it is. I'm not going to say it, but I... It's not loud. No, I found out what it is, too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) I've never, you know, honest to God, and I, you know, I think Bart kind of, the handsome kid kind of got this sense. I don't really, you know, follow all this internet. You know, I do this, the fraud show here, and I don't know all this other stuff. Up until the Moscow thing, I had never heard of this lime. Is it Lyman, like a lime, a lemon lime, and then Ben? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I'd never heard of him. But uh, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't hear some so many good things about this guy. Not uh, too impressed. But anyhow, I was looking at the CrushLivePoker.com, and I mean, fuck, you guys put in a lot of work. Jesus Christ! I mean, there's you know forums, there's videos, and I guess I can kind of be a shill now because you know it was nice enough to give me the free membership. But uh, <laughs> especially, well, no, I mean, you know, I'm gonna look at the Omaha Eight videos. Druff, I told you they via the text. You know, you're yep. starting to. But coming up and coming, you know, Omaha player, you should watch some of these. You know, from what I saw last night at the bar, you know, I was, you know, a little scotch or so in, but they look like very, uh, very well, very well done product. Yeah, I don't like to uh, talk about it when I come on here because I'm not coming on to pimp anything, but... There, there definitely yeah, well, is some yeah, good. There definitely is some good awake content yeah. on there. No, I'm, sure. I'm not saying. Listen, I think that what's the membership like? Twenty three bucks or something? It's not, you know, it's not expensive. I'm not yeah. saying this because you know I'm sucking anyone's cock. I'm just saying it. it, it yeah, what that I happened saw last, last night, night, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we were just hanging out. The dick so, sucking like, happened last the, night. The the, the handsome kid, he could fucking down some beers. <laughs> or I'll tell you that, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, he can. And I mean, he's fine. He's not like a you know, he's not like you know, five beers in, he's drunk and all goofy. Now he was very composed, but it's beer after beer after beer and. uh the only thing that was pretty funny, he ordered a fish, tried to order a fish, and they asked him if he wanted it rare or medium. They asked him how he wanted it, like rare or medium rare. That was kind of disturbing. So don't eat at the uh, casino down here at, at, at the bar for fish. Because I guess you can get it rare, medium rare. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm afraid thing. to order fish at a casino. 
I had soul here, and it was actually really, really good. It's really? all, you know, it, it, I did not have a problem. Of course, I asked about 10 regulars, and, you know, they're Asians, and they recommended it, and I get it. What's called Asian style, which is with Korean rice. You know what Korean white rice is? No. The difference is between Korean. It's a little bit more sticky. Yeah. Okay, and it's not like it's dry. But anyhow, uh, also, I, I'm just thinking David Levy was here. I guess he, you know, well, the main event, the, 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 I don't know what it is. They lowered it. It used to be 10K. And then after, you know, no one could really afford, you know, all these tournaments that went down to five. I think it's like 4,200. Um, and, uh, so that's Friday. So there, there are some big names that are here playing cash and playing in this. And like I said, David Levy was here. Well, he, he busted. He, he was yeah, at he's my someone, table. David Levy, he, he, uh, he's Oh, pre- I'm sorry. You know who's still in? Uh, uh the, the most, uh, notable person. The guy, uh, very nice old man. I, I met him before, and I played with him for a while tonight. The guy that used to be, uh, that hosts a charity tournament, and his friends would, or used to be good friends with Jerry Buss. I, oh, I don't know what his association uh, with the Lakers. Mariani Frank, Frank And Mariani, it was, the funniest yeah. part is, his, he is, his face is on the chips that he's playing with. Yeah. The tournament <laughs> chips at the bike, or, you know, whatever, at the bike, that's where I'm at. His face is actually on, not just like the thousands, the hundreds, like, even the quarter annies in the beginning, every chip his face is on, <laughs> and uh, he's still in with. I guess, yeah, he made the money. Well, he, 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 the doesn't need the, he doesn't need but, the money. That guy has the fortune. Oh, of course not. No, but very. <laughs> I mean, he, fuck. He has a Rolex on his fucking hand that's got to be about fifty thousand dollars. It's just diamonds and diamonds everywhere. I mean, it's just covered in. Di- you can't even see the time because the diamonds are blocking it. He and he and Jerry I mean, Buss used to play the the four hundred eight hundred limited commerce a lot. Yeah, but very, very nice. I, I met him before, but I never got a chance to play with him. Um, I played with him very, very nice, and he even gave me, a, I guess, like an assistant or somebody, I don't know, that was playing his phone number because they're coming. I guess the Lakers usually have a, uh exhibition game in Vegas, and he told me if I was interested to call this person and they'd get me good tickets to see it oh, wow. it's in October. I think it's, yeah, it's an exhibition, but it's, still, it's, it's too bad the Lakers suck, but that, that's still nice. Yeah, but anyhow, very, very nice man. Uh, you know, elderly man. I got to guess he's probably in his 80s. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's got to be very old now. He's like 10 years yeah. ago when I played with him, he was old. So, Yeah, but still he has his facilities, and he's still a very good poker player. Like, you know how older people are? This, you know, this is just the truth. They seem a little bit pat, more passive at times, yes. especially versus, like, young kids. But he's not. Like, he's that, that you, know, you know what I mean? He's, he's yeah. an aggressive player. He's for that age. I mean, that kind of impressed me. But uh, so anyhow, uh, I just spent 12 hours and I'm you know going to talk for a little bit. And then I'm, unfortunately, I don't have anywhere to go because I'm sharing a room. And I don't want to wake up my roommate. Um, and it's, I guess, some sort of hazard out where I was walking to be quiet. What did she say? It's like a chemical hazard. Yeah, I wasn't understanding I what she was saying was the problem. Yeah. Go to the back yeah, row table. Come on radio. No. Well, yeah, you know what? The, I, I, they have yeah, they have Bakra right here. But, <clears throat> and, th- you know, this is really weird. I would never... I would never, ever play, especially because I live in Vegas, but I'd never play any of these table games because you have to fucking ante just to get a hand because that's the only way the house makes money because, you know, you're playing against a banker. So you're playing blackjack. The dealer just deals the cards. There's a little mutt that's sitting there with a case of money that pays everyone. And the way I, I, I was very interested in this, so I researched it. So apparently before they came up with this solution that is basically – uh, counteract the California laws that prohibit non-Indian casinos from having table games, players literally had to play against each other. 
Okay. Yep. And then, you know, and then bank against each other. This is years and years ago. So then these casinos out here like Commerce and the bike, and I assume Hustler and the other ones about these games, they hired a company or they formed a company that basically they, you know, they own, but they bank. So, you know, they, you know what I mean? They come in and they have like, the, like a plastic case or sitting at every table. And then when you win a hand, you know, they pay you not the dealer. The dealer just deals everyone the cards. But in return, how the house makes money, and blackjack, it's either, I didn't play, but I don't remember, it's either every 20 or every $25 you bet, you have to put a dollar ante just to be dealt in. Yeah, it was awful. Just, I mean, just, yeah, just to be dealt in. And so I think somehow to counter that, um, they have like some weird, all the blackjacks, like some weird no bust like where I think you can still push. I don't know. I, yeah, I it's a failure. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's called Cal- the whole thing's like called that. yeah California twenty two. It's a crappy game. Yeah, but but either way, you have to put in a dollar for either twenty or twenty five, one hundred percent. So I don't know if you're betting five hundred, like just do the math. Like that's no, I mean, it's, already... it's brutal. And in fact, I'll tell you, the Indian casinos in California at one time when they first started, they had to do that too, even in their regular blackjack games, because it was the same the same issue where they couldn't be banking their own games. But then eventually they changed the law where they were allowed to bank their own games. They did away with that dollar crap. Okay. Well, I know here the dollar crap is still going. Yeah, I know it is still going here. I know it sucks. And uh, I know. Do you remember? In, I don't know if Commerce you, you knew these guys. I, I forget their names now. There were these two twins. They 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 were uh, I don't know maybe a little younger than me. Uh, these, these twins. White guys? No, they they look kind of. Uh, they weren't white. It was hard to tell even what their race was. I don't know, maybe in Thai or something. Uh, they were, they they were two. They were twins, and they played a lot of limit hold'em, like a lot of mid stakes limit hold'em, mid to high stakes. But they were also okay. banking these games. At uh, I don't know where they got the money, but they were banking these games at Commerce for a while. Well, well, this is what I was told. You're not, no one is allowed to bank anymore. Uh, they only, you know, they have a company and the company hires people. Literally, this is really sad. A California minimum wage, and they sit here all day, you know, like forty hours a week, you know, banking these games. <laughs> really? Um, so no, they're not making money at all. No, no. And you know, you can come tell by looking. Except at first, I was naive when I first saw this years and years ago. I'm like, fuck. You know, like, I want to do this. I mean, because, you know. If well, you, you probably could have years ago. That's what I'm saying. Those twins were doing it back then. Oh, they, right. Yeah, there, well, were, okay, there okay. were lots of freelancers right. that were doing that. But you can't do that anymore. They're all, like, wearing, like, a badge with the company on them that, you know, that employs them. And uh, a couple foremen told me, you know, they make minimum wage. And, you know, they, they aren't, don't get benefits. You know, it's just it's, it's a shitty job. So. Well, they're. But, at uh, the, my, uh, Bart is telling me that the. Uh, the biggest casinos. Bar was explaining a lot of this to me yesterday. Yeah, they too, bank so each other, but they're as well. Yeah, but there are still some freelancers that do it and and make decent money from it. But like the the banks, the the biggest casinos, they bank each other, right? So it's kind of a circle jerk where the, <laughs> yeah. the casino itself can't do it, so they'll just do it for the other casino, and then that casino will do it for the other one. You know? Yeah. Well, so. Uh... Anyhow, I mean, I'm not like I said. I'm not upset. I, it was I, it was very entertaining. You know, I had good tables in terms of just the camaraderie, and you know, I'm a little tired, and just you know, I think first was like fourteen thousand, so it's not you know, it's money. I wanted to win. I played that long, but I'm not you know, I'm not an angry person. You know, I was not gonna like not call radio or you know have a bad day. You know, whatever it is, it's you know, it was more I guess entertainment and just leisure. But so anyhow, that's what I've done today. 
what what is what have I missed uh, on the Fraud Channel tonight? Well, we, I talked at the beginning about the. I mean, I read I read the uh, I read the uh, the, the post game or pre game description. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what I we've done. That. That's pretty much what we've done. We're, we're we're near the end here. Okay. Trey Daruski, how are you, buddy? I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm good. Listen, I I wish I could have seen you. You know, I'm not going to be out here that long, but I I listen, I totally get it. The traffic's brutal. You have a life. I would never expect you to, you know, what is it? Like if you came here, you know, in the evening or late afternoon, it would take you three hours and go 15 miles. I mean, that's just fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah, it just so, depends. But I'll see you in a few I'll weeks. I'll see you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and, Jeroff, I know you, you know, you're in your secret location, so don't be offended that I'm not going to see you this trip. But, you know, it's, you know, it's the way it goes. So are, you, are you leaving tomorrow um, or Friday? Uh, we're not sure. Well, we may leave tomorrow. We may leave Friday. We play. I mean, the games here aren't really. They're not bad, but they're they're just not. I don't know. You know, if I was going to stay here tomorrow, I'd go to the beach. You know, I'd do something outside of being here because there's nothing special about these games. In fact, they're probably worse in Vegas in the sense because of the stupid, you know, rake rule, where even if you chop or there's no flop, you still have to, you know give the house money, which I hate. Oh, yeah, the, 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 middle, the middle limit games in, in the uh, in these casinos here suck. It's, it's because of the, the the rake is just so high, and the time charge in places like Bellagio is much, much better. Yeah. So there's no point, you know, if I, if we end up staying till Friday, there's no point in me just staying in the, you know, in the casino and just playing, you know, the same game I could play back there. I'd go, uh, you know, Bart was telling me, and I think I'm actually going to do this, that, you know, Jeannie wanted to uh, go to a real good Jewish deli because there really isn't one in Vegas, which you think there would be because there's a decent amount of Jewish people uh, or even New Yorkers and, you know, not. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I noticed. Deli. I noticed that. I had the hard time finding one, too. Yeah, and the best thing we have is Bagel Cafe, and by no means is that like a really good, authentic, like kosher or, you know, just Jewish deli. So the, the Hanson kid told me there's a place. Uh, we can't go after nightfall because he said we get gang raped. But uh, it's it's called Langers, and he said like there's number seventeen. That's like my memory. It's like a pastrami sandwich. He said it was like voted the best sandwich in the world, like new, numerous years by numerous like deli magazines. I don't know what the fuck a deli magazine is. So we may do that, uh, you know, but that will be during the day when we won't get gang raped. Uh, I kind of maybe want to go to the beach and so you know what I'm saying. Like, why would I stay here and just play like games that are I could you know what I mean? They're not they're not like high limit games. There's not you know it'd just be killing time sitting in a casino with me and they're all angry it's i mean they're not as angry as commerce i mean the players but they're all angry there must have been about 15 fights today I really? all you had was a love i mean yeah, but you know well not like fights like physical fights but just people getting angry and then the floor comes and floor says, well you don't talk to him he doesn't talk to you <laughs> like that's what they do now when it gets to that point like they're not they're told that there'll be a penalty if they communicate okay <laughs> i mean they're not they're not you know, and listen, I, I'll tell you something really, I, I think it was like the worst floor ruling. And I don't know how many, you know, for the people that listen or that play mixed games or mixed games tournaments, this is probably, this is a WPT event too. It's not like this is just a nightly tournament. This was one of the oddest rulings and results that I've ever seen in a tournament. So we're playing stud eight or better. And, and I'm very, I'm tired. So please forgive me if, it, if I don't remember the hands, you know, Accurately, but uh, I, I long story short, um, there was one player, there were three players in the hand on Sixth Street, and I had rolled up threes, 
is Omaha, uh, Omaha. This was Studacre better. I had rolled up threes on Sixth Street uh, that I hadn't improved on, and I did not have a low draw. And uh, one other player was all in, and then there was a player, and I was kind of in the middle. There was a player to my left, player to my right, and you know, and Stud. That's how it, it's dealt. So the player to my left, it's pretty obvious he's drawing for a low for his board. He didn't have any pairs. He didn't have any. Uh, it wasn't a flush. Could have had a backstool, backdoor straight, but anyhow, uh, I have my three threes. Other guys all in, and he wasn't all in for much, so it didn't really matter. Uh, you know, the side pot was bigger. So what ends up happening is the dealer. And, you know, that's the other thing. A lot of these dealers are going so fast, and they're talking. And, and, and you know, listen, I was a dealer, so I'm not trying to bash them. And they end up making mistakes. And I just, I don't, you know, I, I always say to them, just take your time, slow down, stop talking, concentrate. And you, you, you wouldn't believe how many flops you saw today in stud games. You know, we're playing Raz and there's a flop. You know, and it's just, so anyhow, she forgets to deal the guy that's all in. He gets the first card. I get his card. Okay, and then the kid to my left gets the next card. And then he just was, I don't know why he didn't say immediately, that's my card. But he didn't until both of us looked. So I don't fill up. And again, I said I didn't have a low draw. So what ends up happening is the guy does have a made low, okay, but he had also a gut shot straight draw. He needed a six for, for a straight and, you know, with his low. He hits the six, okay, and then the kid complains, I didn't get a card. So the floorman comes over. And this is what the ruling is. He asked me what my, car, my, what my card was on 7th Street. And I was honest. I mean, you know, nothing proves me anyhow. So I was honest. It was a queen, queen of diamonds. The kid to my left, you know, says, I can tell you right now. It made me a straight. I hit a six. And, you know, he has three cards that are phased down. So no one knows what that card was. So he turns over the six, which, you know, would have scooped the whole pot. Because he would have had a straight and a low. I only had three, three, uh, three, I had a roll of threes. So the foreman, they call the floor for what the ruling is. And I'm thinking, I know I'm going to get screwed. And it's the dealer's fault. Because, you know, the ruling should be should be just one card off the top of the deck and, and it goes to this kid. So what the ruling was, was I gave my queen to the guy on my right, the guy oh, that was honest and said he made his straight, his gut shot straight and low that would have scooped the pot with the six, gave me his six, and then he got a new card that wasn't a six, and that was his only way to scoop the pot. Nah, that was just all. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was by far, and everyone knew at the table, and I kind of felt bad. I mean, I even got up and I shook his hand. I'm like, dude, that's pretty. And I mean, I wouldn't have been eliminated. This was early in the tournament. Um, it was still a relatively big pot, you know, because any pot is limit hold'em games. You know, when it reaches showdown, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of wiggle, wiggle room to play you know, every street and lose. Like, you know, you lose two or three hands. You can have, you know, and that's kind of what happened to me. I mean, you, you have an above average amount of chips. And, you know, it's like limit tournaments. You're, you're doing great, and there's two showdowns, and all of a sudden you're in the danger zone. Yep. You know, you don't really have a lot of play, you know, once you get kind of in that mid-range part of the tournament. So, anyway, I got up and I shook his hand. I'm like, I got to say, you know, you're a class athlete. You know, a lot of people would not have done what you did. The ruling sucked. You know, I got screwed because it never should have, you know, I would have been screwed so it never should have come to that. that that's the way the hand should have played out. You know, that was my six, and, you know, the next card was his. But a lot of, I mean, a lot of people, I was thinking about this, how many people, even honest people, are really going to do that? I mean, you know, you would have scooped the pot. 
And it was, you know, it was a big pot at that stage. So that was weird. And that was absolutely the wrong ruling. You can't, you can't take a card out of someone's hand, especially when you don't even know what the card is. I have three down cards. <laughs> and they're like, you know what your card was? And, you know, of course everyone knows what they're, you know, what they get on 7th Street. So that was odd. I've never seen that before in my, my entire life. And everyone at the table, like, that's like the longest ruling, especially in a WPT tournament. So anyhow, that's really all I got. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm sorry I missed the show, but this just happened to be the day that this is on. And I, I didn't even tell uh, people what you were doing. I, I, I wasn't sure if you want people to know or where you were, so I just said Brandon's doing something. Well, you know, the only reason, well, I mean, I'm staying, I'm staying at a different, you know, hotel. The, re- the reason why I said that is I wasn't sure where I was going to be staying, and I, I didn't want you to announce it on radio because anytime I, I say that, I have to put the phone off the hook for the rest of the night <laughs> because you know they call and or you know what I can just do in the future just tell them I'm staying anonymously. That was the only reason, because there's always somebody, you know, that's going to call the room and just scream, free fluffer, or, you know, free, you know, free, you know, free somebody. So, uh, but no, it's fine now. I mean, I'm, I'm not done. I'm out of here. I'm going to be out of here soon. Go back to my room, get some uh, dinner. Now, this is the LOL also here. And, I, you know, I haven't played at the bike in, since 2010. So they've added a hotel here. They've remodeled it. Um, when I've come out here, like I was here, you know, earlier this year, like in January, this year last year, I, I just played the Commerce. Um, but, you know, this is where the WPT was. Uh, so, you know, I, I haven't been to the bike in, in a very, very long time. Um, but so, yeah, so they added a very, very nice hotel. Um, it's expensive. It's insane. Like people that you know, staying here took, were telling me the regular rate. Uh, on you know the middle of the week was two forty nine. People are playing two forty nine a night. It's nice, you know. It's like I would compare it to like maybe. Hi. Uh, oh, sorry about that. Go what, 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 what was that? Uh, an ad popped up by itself. Sorry about that. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So it's two forty nine during the week, and then the casino rate's only like one seventy nine with like the four hours of play or you know whatever. But even more insane than that, uh, you have to play for three and a half hours to get any kind of food no matter how long you're playing. Like, you can be playing the biggest stakes. It, 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 it went the way of commerce. There's no free food. Even I mean, I think back then, you didn't get free. You couldn't get free food if you're playing, like, low limits. Like, you know, two, four, you know, limit or, you know, small limit games or, like, they have, like, low, no limit games. Can you believe this? They have no limit games or you buy them for 40 bucks. Have you heard? Like, it, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> they have, like, a one, two, or maybe it's 50 cent a dollar. I don't know. Whatever it is, the maximum buying is 40 bucks. Just seems kind of, I mean, I don't know. Uh, so anyhow, that's that. Like you know, you play for four hours or playing a you know mid stakes or big big game, you have to pay for food. And I, you know, the, you remember back in the day, just like commerce, you never, you know, you never had to do that. Um, so, but anyhow, other than that, the hotel here is nice. If anyone ever wants to come out here, I'd see if you can fucking get a much better rate, or you know. But I don't know. Whatever it is, what it is, and. Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't be back here unless it's some sort of fun little mixed game tournament or something. Because uh, since I've been here, and again, there's a WPT going, so you'd think there'd be some decent action. Uh, the highest games that I saw, and I, and I did not see no limit. So maybe there is, you know, I can walk on the board to check. But anything non-no limit, they had no PLO going. They had a 30-60 mix and a 61-20 mix, or so maybe 40-80, one of the two. And then they had 140 or 120-40 Hold'em game. And I think maybe 140-80. And, like, the majority of the play here is very low limit. 
like you know, two, a ton of two four limit, four eight limit hold'em, uh, eight sixteen limit. Like Jeannie won like six hundred dollars, and I fling eight six eight sixteen while she was on a wait waiting list for a different game for a stud eight uh, Omaha eight game. But it's it's really mid action. And somebody also told me, and you can tell me what you think. Cause I didn't even know this. Uh, you guys can chime in since you live out here. That Hollywood Park is opening up, their, I guess, their new casino and poker room, and they were telling me that that's going to basically, you know, commerce is suffering. From what I've been told, it is like yeah. it's just it, 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 yeah, you know, there's no ambience there. People, you know, when the Hanson kid was talking about this last night. He, it was actually him that said this that he he thought when Hollywood comes, it's really going to. I don't know if, if put a nail in the coffin is the right word, but it's going to do some serious damage. Well, to, if, if to commerce, commerce if commerce is uh, if this does happen then it'll be full circle because Commerce took from Hollywood Park originally. They took the, right. they took the Hollywood Park action because Hollywood Park got arrogant and they uh, they let the place go downhill and, and the parking lot was dangerous and they and they were uh, they, they just didn't care. They said, oh, all the action's here. It's never going to leave here. We're not going to change anything. We're not going to improve things. And then Commerce uh, started to take their action and then Commerce opened up that new high-limit room, which was new then. It was 14 years, 14 years ago. And then that's when really everybody moved over there, and then Hollywood Park became has been very quickly. Yeah, I mean, right. Hollywood Park's always been totally worse than me. That and I, and like I will tell you, place. yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll also say, uh, you know, Jeannie was, had never been here before in her life. And I guess, you know, it's not a concern. A lot of her, uh, you know, female friends and maybe male friends told her, you know, be careful when you're there. It's in a crappy area. I mean, I'm looking outside. I'm still standing out in front here, and it, it, this looks as if from the last time I was here and I remembered it, it actually looks a little bit revitalized. It doesn't look dangerous. There's like across the street and up, you know, up and down the block, there's a Java Juice and Starbucks and Ross and some little malls. Like it doesn't look ghetto. You know, I remember being a lot more ghetto. It looks like it's actually improved this area, or at least the area where the casinos are out within like a mile or so radius. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know this area better than me. How bad is is what is it? Bell Gardens. I'm in. It, it's yeah. It's it's not the worst. It's not uh, it's not that great. It uh, but it's not it's not horrible. It's similar to Commerce. It's a similar neighborhood to Commerce. Yeah, but actually, thought, in, I always thought Commerce was kind of worse. Don't don't run around at night. It, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna, I have no reason to be walking up and down the street. It, it's about it's about equivalent. To, it's about equivalent to Commerce. It's not even that far from Commerce. So. It's, no, it's like it's like six miles. Yes, yeah, yeah. so it's it's pretty similar. Uh, what's Hollywood Park is worse that neighborhood, but uh, this this isn't a great neighborhood. But it's it's not absolutely terrible. But it's it's not good either. Yeah, and of course I had tonight uh, the one guy that all night long is giving me like weird looks and not weird, but just kind of like you know making smiles and just <laughs> laughing, and then all of a sudden you know it's like. He said, I don't know, I don't even remember. But he, then he said the Drexel name, and then he made some comments to the radio show. And I'll be honest, I said this to you on, uh, on, you know, personally via text. I thought, because of the way he was acting kind of goofy, I thought, you know, it was Brittany Griner's clip. And it wasn't. You know, Jeff described him more since he had met him, and I realized it wasn't. But I thought it was, because he was talking weird things that don't make sense, you know, like <laughs> in foreign dimensions and worlds and stuff. And it just was very, very odd, but... uh I guess it wasn't him, but, you know, the streak goes on. It seems like I really can't play in a, you know, 
casino for too long or a tournament without finding some weird person. Well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you, man. If, if you're looking for Brittany Griner's clit, it's very easy to rule out as being no, him. No, I'm not looking for him. I'm no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying if you think someone might be him, the no, way to rule it out is if the guy is shorter than me, then it's not him. Because well, he, he, he was a little bit taller than you. That's why. Cause I remember you saying he's a tall kid. Well, no, you know, he's, he's actually a lot taller. He's probably like uh, four inches taller than me or something. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, and I'm not, you know, if he listens, then he'll start right. I'm, I'm not trashing him. I just thought it was him. Cause it was, the guy was weird. So, you know, I don't know, but he ended up being friendly at the end and pushing me luck when he busted. So, uh, anyhow, I guess that's really all I got. I just wanted to, you know, make sure at least I, I chime in here and, Say hello to my esteemed co-hosts. Talk about the Crush Live Poker and Bart. And uh, you know, like I said, we had a good time. We had a good conversation last time. I'm glad I got to see him. And uh, that's uh, you know, that's I think last night here they had. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Two interesting things. Uh, I will you know if you want to talk about it, winding down the show. Uh, they had some sort of I've never even heard of this. The Hanson kid was here yesterday playing in. I guess it's like comparable to the millionaire maker at uh the wsop because it, it, it's some it's called the millionaire i don't know but there were 16 different flights to this tournament oh. like have you ever heard of that no 16 different flights he said that to me there's 16 flights or as i mentioned to you you can and the buying was low it was like 250 dollars or you could like advance to day two and everyone combines and buy in directly for 4200 it's a decent amount of big blinds which, of course, you know, is what the Hanson kid did. He didn't, you know, play any of the 16. But I, I've never heard of such a thing. Maybe these things are commonplace now, but 16 flights for, like, 250 I think you said it, there was a buy-in? Or 200 been doing that for whatever. a couple of years, yeah. Or, like, 4200 like, when all the, like, silliness is done. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, 16 flight. Jesus Christ. And this oh, is yeah, part of the, the lines like around a, the corner to register. Yeah, I can imagine it would be. So, yikes. I, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think I'd go either route. I mean, I don't think I'd play the 250 with 16 flights, and I probably wouldn't pay 4200 to, you know, have an average or slightly below average stack. I, I hate that I'm whole concept. Sure. I hate the whole concept. It's just, uh, I, I've said before, this, once tournaments start allowing people to buy their way into later stages. Once people with deeper pockets get an advantage in tournaments, even if it's not a monetary advantage, it's a, a time advantage, that ruins the whole concept mm-hmm. of tournaments. The whole point of a tournament should be yeah. that everybody who enters is on equal footing. And and that, yeah. that takes you know away from that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So I'm not – I would agree with you, Then I'm not I, – I'm not for those you – know, for that at all, and I, I would never partake in it. Not that I really play tournaments much other than, you know, during the summer. You know, today reminds me just, like, how hard, like, you know what I mean? Like, you play for 12 hours. Imagine if this was, like, big money, like a 5000 You know what I mean? Like a 5K buy-in, Stone Cold Bubble, or it's just, it's, it's just. You know, no, I'll, t- I'll tell know. you. I'll tell you what, what drove me out of, uh, I, he's like, yeah, I, I, when I had those tournament successes in 2005, uh, then I, in 2006, I or starting from late 2005, I started to play tournaments more. Like I started to say, oh, maybe I'll be a tournament player. Not, not exclusively one, but I thought maybe I'll play more tournaments. So I started to play more and more tournaments. What, what, what knocked me out of wanting to be a tournament player, even part-time, aside from just the World Series, was in 2007 at, at the Rincon when they had that uh, $5,000 buy-in. 
and I played it, and I got down to 23 people, and 18 paid. And of course, with a 5,000 buy-in, you get paid a decent. Yeah, I think you get $11,000 for for making 18th, something like that. And I flopped a flush, and it turned out it was a flush over flush over flush on the flop, and I busted. Aye. Two, three people, and me versus Shane Schleiger versus Gavin Smith. Gavin had the ace high, Shane had the queen high, I had the nine high flush. We all flopped it, and I and I was just wow. out. I was just out, and I, I worked so hard on that tournament because I didn't get that good of cards in that tournament. That tournament I really fought to keep myself in that whole way, and I did, and I was successful. And I had a below average stack, but not a really short stack, and, and it was just gone. And five five spots from the money, and I said. And it was eleven thousand dollars I, I would have gotten for a minute cash, and I and, and the, uh, six figures for first place. And I just yeah. said, I, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. This was just, it was just such an empty you feeling. Know, and the other, the other thing I realized tonight was really, or yesterday, and then more today, uh, for some reason, maybe it's just because it's close. I guess that'd be the only reason. There was a pretty decent amount of young uh, internet kids that all live in. Uh, Fuck, I can't remember the name in Mexico, but it, it's it's like a big, it's a big American online poker community. I don't know the name. Is of it, it, Ro- all, was, it uh, of, was it Rosarito? No, it wasn't Rosarito. It was like Puda. Con- I don't know if he said it. I'd know it. Con- it's with a C and maybe a P, a Punta something, or I I don't know. But they were all here, and you know, like when I say all, like probably forty of them. And I guess I imagine it's because it's it's close to. Uh, uh, you know, it's close to to Mexico, you know, or LA area. And, uh, you know, I was just hearing stories and they were talking and like, so all these people are in makeup. And like, I mean, they were, you know, they were just being honest. Like, I must have five or six people like talk about, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm here because I want to, you know, hopefully hit a score because I'm buried in this. I'm buried, in, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just, well, I mean, it's not saying that they're not great players, but it just made me think like, I, I, I don't think, I mean, what, what percentage? Of people that regularly play, you know, these WPTs or travel, or actually like can really survive. Oh, I'm sorry, Kathy Liebert was here too. She busted the horse pretty early, and you know, she, I guess I heard she's been grinding these tournaments all week. But what percentage of, you know, these full time, not you know, not just the wrecks that come out because they live out here, that grind these tournaments, do you think can actually sustain themselves and survive? I, 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 heard, I think I think very small. Times. I think very small. Huh? Very small. I mean, I I'm in makeup. I'm in makeup. I'm in makeup. So it almost seems like now at this point, like I would only just play these tournaments for fun when I want to have fun because yeah. you really can't. I mean, you truly can't. It's just, it, 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 you know, with the rake and just the skill level getting better, like you just cannot make a consistent. And not, not only that, I, I don't even believe a lot of these people keep their expenses down that well. Mm-hmm. I think that they just don't have that in them to do. So that, that, that adds up. There's just so many. It's not even just about beating the tournament. It's about the expenses, too. Like there's just so many yeah. things that add up here yeah. that make it tough to beat, and I, yeah, that, that's yeah. a terrible, that, that's a terrible life there to be in makeup and just hoping you hit the big score to get yourself out of makeup. I mean, that's that's just depressing. Yeah. It's depressing. How does that even work? So say, say I was in makeup. Say I'm one of these kids. A kid who came up to me and told me that uh, he was. They last night they had a survivor tournament, which means you know, in the one the specific part of this or the version or format was uh, five hundred fifty bucks. And top ten percent of the field gets paid five thousand dollars. Okay, so you just play down to you know ten percent, and then I think like there's a little breakage, and then like 
whatever it was, like, you know, the, the one person that didn't get 5000 got, like, four. So, anyhow, they, were, they got real close to, to the money, and this was, like, at 5 in the morning. So, it had gone on for about 12 hours, and then they, they, they wanted a chop, you know, come up with some deal where, you know, everyone was going to get, you know, close to 5000 And one person specifically wouldn't do it because, you know, he was adamant, like he said, you know, he was in, like, $80,000 for the makeup. And he needed like even and well the thing was this he he had a, a he was gonna he basically could have blinded out like he had enough chips but he wouldn't you know and I I get it like I'm not saying he was wrong but the reason why is like he's so buried you know in makeup that he's like no I want the equity you know I'm gonna I don't want to give up 800 or whatever it was but so if you're doing this and you have a backer what happens if you just said I'm done with poker I'm gonna go back in the real world and get a job. Like, does that backer just, I mean, do you have an agreement? Like, you have to play for so many years. It, 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 can, be, it, can, be, it can be one of many agreements. It's just whatever they agree, agree with well, each other. what's the standard one? I mean, what would the standard backing agreement be these days? Is there a standard one? Um, like, because it just seemed to me if you get so buried, what would be your intent to keep I, doing it? Well, no, there, there isn't. Why wouldn't you say, fuck it, I'm done? No, 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 no. Like, well, one, th- one thing you can't, if you just want to quit and go do something else and get a regular job, then that's uh, that's a different story. If You, you, you can't just get way in makeup and say, okay, now I'm going to just get a, uh, I'm just going to start playing for myself or get a different backer so I'm not in makeup anymore. That That's considered unethical. What, what, uh, but is that against, like, is that, like, literally, like, like, no, it's not stealing. It's just, it's just well, the thing they they usually have some kind of agreement of of you're going to play for this long, or if you're you make up this long, you can't quit, or you can't quit to play for yourself until then. There's different agreements that they come to, and uh, you can do it. You'll just be considered an asshole. Uh, now, if you have a signed agreement, maybe okay. you can't do it. But but well, then, you know, people find out about it, and you're kind of shunned because it's like shady and not you know not okay. That makes sense. I've always just wondered, like, when I hear people are in a hundred thousand makeup. Well, there's 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 you know, another re- there's another skill. reason. I think China Maniac's calling here. But there's another reason to the uh, guy from the Zone Blitz. Th- yeah, there's another reason to keep playing, and that is this may be the only person who's still backing you. Like, it may be either that or just you can't play at all. Right, but when you get well, right, and I get that, but when you get to such a point, I say you know you're playing in a five hundred dollar tournament, okay, you know, and then you know that's what you know because the poker economy is so bad, you know. The, w, the, the biggest tournament they have. It's a WPT. This is a legend. It's not even just, you know, this was a one time, I wouldn't say it's a prestigious tournament, but it had the biggest names of poker that would come here. You know, it, 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 it was a big stop. And I just, you know, you're playing now because of the poker economy. All these tournaments are like $500, 1000 you know, they're not, you know, huge tournaments. So I just can't understand being that stuck. You know, and you're still playing 500. Is what? Even if you win it, it's it's gonna. You know what I mean? It's not gonna get. It's it's not gonna really do much. Yeah. Well, maybe you know trying, maybe Johnny Maniac has has an input on this. Johnny Maniac, what do you have to say? Yeah, I've I've been in some deals like this with um some people, and the agreement the agreement I always set is if I want to quit anytime, I can quit. But I always tell them right up front <clears throat> if someone's like staking me in big bigger games that. I will play is is if I start losing, I will play like as long as you want me to. You know what I mean? But sometimes people just get frustrated and they're like, Hey, even if I hit a hundred K score here, I'm not I'm not I'm not even gonna get a dime of it because it all goes back to my makeup. So oftentimes people will either get quit or they'll get cut loose. And sometimes when they quit sometimes when they quit they'll 
pay back like a percentage of it. But usually, the, I don't know, some, maybe some tournament stakers set all that stuff up front. I'm not sure. But I've heard of people like paying back X amount because they wanted to quit a stake. And, yeah. you know, otherwise you're, free, otherwise you're just free rolling your backer, right? You could just just pl- play and go for scores and just run it up and you could just quit. Well, that, that's so a, well that, there's another problem here that, that hasn't been discussed yet here, and that is ignoring the quitting thing. The problem is when these guys get in very deep makeup, they get in a mindset that they've either got to play for first or nothing, and then they, it will affect their play where they're actually playing in a uh, negative expectation way because they, uh, they're, they're actually playing so wild that uh, since they're playing for first or nothing, that it actually harms their back too because most of the time it's just going to be nothing, 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 nothing. Where, whereas if they were not doing that, they could uh, play more sensibly and, and get moderate scores, which otherwise they'd right. be happy to take, but not while in makeup. Well, this is tough. I, I mean, I played, I played 12 hours a day, and I'm tired. The last thing I'd yeah. want to do is come back tomorrow and do all this over again. Like, you know what I mean? Imagine you just do this every day, or, you know, you know especially when there's a series. I mean, it's... I'm fucking tired. No, I couldn't stand you know, it. I couldn't stand it. My back's hurting. Like you're sitting for 12 hours. Like you know, I'm not trying to be a pussy. I'm just saying, like, feel bad for people that have to come back tomorrow and do yeah. the whole fucking thing again. You know that that had nothing to show for today, and go, you know, how, how, whatever. How about the people that travel around the world and do this and, and don't get a score for like 18 months or yeah. something like that? Like I heard, I heard Carlos Mortensen was so stuck in makeup. That's what he used to do. He used to just go nuts and try and just accumulate chips so he could get a big score. And that's amazing because he, he's one of three people. Like, he won the main event, even though it wasn't as high as, it, you know, as these days. He won a WPT. He won an EPT. He won a World Poker Tour. He won a uh, WPT at the Bellagio at the height of, you know, like when, you know, it was like 1.8, 2.2 million. It was like a 25K one. And to hear that he's broke, like that's, or in makeup, that's amazing. Because he, I mean, he's had multiple, multiple million dollar plus scores. There's like three of them. And that, that's, wow, that's just mind boggling. The, the other thing that you suffer on is if you're, if you're getting stake in tournaments and you just run up a shitload of makeup and you just quit, I mean, that's like your name will just go in the mud if you just quit on your backer and you're like, hey, I'm just too deep, whatever, unless you agree to pay him back yeah. a certain percent. You know, you just, your name gets trashed pretty much. But at the same yeah. time, it, it doesn't really matter how if somebody has like a big stable, they're probably making money anyways, unless they're like a bad staker. So, and then China, yeah. what if they're crushing it like this Fedor Holt guy? Like right. he, I mean, you know, he wins a few tournaments. He doesn't need his backer anymore. But I mean, he obviously does. He commit? Did they sign like your commitments or X amount of tournaments at an average value or something? They'll play. I guess I don't think a lot of these probably sign contracts. You know? Well, Fedora Holtz, from what I've read from his own statements, he's—I don't think he's being backed by anyone. I think he's just selling parts of him and these big, yeah. ba- you know, big buy-in tournaments. That's that's kind of what he inferred during the series. That you know, I, you know, now that I won this one, I have more of myself in this one. So it didn't sound like he's being backed. Right, but that's like, what I'm asking. Like, you know, like no, but. But I didn't know if, like, if the first three or four tournaments he was backed, and then yeah. he took off, and then of course he doesn't want backing anymore. But does he owe that yeah. to the backer ethically to play for a year under well, him? 
you know, I think at that point he probably made his backers so much money that he was like, all right, it's all good. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How, no, I hear you. If he made somebody, you know, five, six, seven million dollars and he wants to go on his own, what are they going to say? No, I own you. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, no, right. But got way could, beyond he, what they thought they'd ever get. So oh, you know yeah. what I mean? If, just, if it was that yeah. high, but if it was a couple, if it was a few hundred thousand trending way upward, you know. Yeah. And I know, apparently he said, he said after the World Series, I don't know if we were talked about it. It's amazing. I never heard of this guy, you know, then until China talked about him. And then, you know, it's just now you can't not hear about him or, but uh, apparently he, you know, he made this comment that he's going to retire from, you know, full-time poker. He's accomplished, again, this is like a paraphrase of his quote, I've accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish. I mean, he won a bracelet. That was his last tournament. You know, he won a bracelet in the high, in the, you know, the, the fucking one drop. And so just think, like, he, he won the Barcelona high roller yesterday or the day before. Oh, come on. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he did. He just he... won another big one. <laughs> yeah, one, 1.3 million. But for someone to say in 18 months, I've accomplished every goal I ever set out. I've not, you know, and he really has. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's, it's amazing. Yeah, but what, it, it, I don't understand. What does he think he's going to do, though? He just because he was so successful in poker doesn't mean he can just go do other things and, and kick ass in those. Well, things. Well, I mean, he can use that money and invest it wisely if he has smart people around him. He could just probably do nothing for a while. Go to go to school. Uh, you know what? Is, like a lot of those kids. That, he's saying that he's going to retire from a full time schedule, but that's like bullshit. That would be like me saying, "Oh, I'm going to retire from a full time schedule," but still play cash games like four days a week. You know what I mean? Well, like, okay. Still play Here's an example. Of tournaments. He's, he's just not grinding like all the poker stars tournaments every day and playing like every single tournament on the circuit. He's still playing enough that would consider yourself a professional, I think. So well, I think here's an example. How he said he, he retired. Do you remember the, I think they were, uh, the, they were called the, well, they were the dang brothers on full tilt. And they won a yeah. lot of money. Or that was their name. And that I don't know what their screen. I don't remember their screen. Name. And they won a lot of money playing PLO. And I'm talking, you know, well over, you know, could be millions, well over a million. They were very big winners. And they retired from poker and they opened up a restaurant. And and you know, think of a lot of those guys from back, like what, like Cole South and guys like that. They're not really in poker anymore. You know, they made money and they just, you know, whether it's businesses or went back to school, they just kind of got their money and, you know, did something else. So, I don't know. I mean, he's never going to run this good, you know, this hot for so long again. I mean, I would bet my money that. But, you know, there's no way he can sustain this because there is still too much variance and luck involved. But uh, I think in terms of, like, you know, these kind of terms, I I think it's obviously the, the, the highest, most impressive heater I've ever seen. I mean, I think you guys would agree. Like in the modern day form of poker, you know, like they used to talk about, you know, Greg Raymer, you know, that John Harrington, like, you know, in terms of WSOP, like Raymer finished winning and then going so deep again and Harrington doing this, and even like Newhouse was in the discussion. But I think what he's done over the last eight months, uh, I think that that has to be right up there. I mean, wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. 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 He, I, the last. Since January of 2015, he has like 22 million in earnings. That's like insane. That's like 18 months. That means he wins over an average of a million dollars every month he cashes. And then, what would you guess minus what in buy-ins? 
He's probably in what, like five million, maybe in buy-ins. How much could he be? Probably. In? Yeah, I don't know. Pro- probably not even. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to tell. But what, what the yeah. thing, what's amazing with him is that uh, not only uh, he's obviously doing something that all these other good players aren't doing to be just winning tournament after tournament like this, but it's it's also amazing how he's just avoiding run bad. It's just, every time you, you read about hands that uh, he's involved in, it always falls his way. Right. It was the yeah, same, it was the the same thing that happened with Ian Coleman. It's like carbon copy, only I think Holtz has won more. Just more times, more tournaments, like for less money, but he's won more times. Yeah. But it was the same thing with Dan Coleman. He didn't lose a hand for like two years or a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. not a meaningful hand, the least. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I see. I don't. I don't see how he does that because I will tell you when when I when I play like uh, if if I go through two days without that happening, I think it's a victory. Well, listen, I I, I am starving. Um, so I'm. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I want to listen. I know you, you said you're about done. I'm going to just meet myself because I have to walk through the casino. I don't want all the background noise. I'm going to get something to eat. Uh, there's this, you know, cute little Asian restaurant. Imagine that. That's open till two. I'm going to go and get something to eat. So I'm going to meet myself. I, I'll come back on when, you know, if you're done in the next 15, 20 minutes and say goodbye. But keep me on the line. I'm going to continue to listen if that's okay. Okay. And uh, I just don't want to bring the background noise in. But okay. anyhow, I, I'll be back. Uh, in Vegas, for sure, no matter what, next week. I'll be back. If you, you know, hopefully, we're not looking at no uh, through the night show next week, are we? No, but we are looking at the 200th show next week. What does that mean? We wear like a tuxedo or something? Or yeah, you can wear one if you like. It's fine. It won't yeah. be a video show. Oh, but that's you can amazing. Wear one. The 200th show. Now, is that counting 200, counting the show you forgot about that somebody reminded you that you did with them? <laughs> No, but it is count. It is counting when you've done shows like uh, Into the Night or, or Into the Night. Well, no, Clones. but I remember somebody said the pilot episode you had totally forgot. Like, so I remember who was it? They're like, I did radio with you, and you're like, oh, I don't even remember doing that show. You're right. I remember somebody was on the radio telling you about the first show they ever did. Okay, the way I counted and... is the way I counted is just by looking at the archives, and any show that is not considered a user show that is in the archives is one episode. Okay, I got you. Hey there, buddy. Yeah. So this, this, is, this is number right, well, one, 199. Wow. Is there going to be any big plans for next week's show? Uh, Anything different? No. Bigger free roll at least? Nothing? Actually, this week, we, this, this, week we had, this week we had $138. Wow. Yeah, um, there could be a big free roll should... next week because a lot of the people from um, – that have been getting paid off from the JSEP kitty have been donating money, so you could throw a monster maybe next week. I don't know what you got in there. Well, no, we only have one twenty-five right now, but uh, well, then it's got to be at least two hundred for the two hundred show. It's yeah, it, it, it probably should be. I think. Yeah, I agree. That's actually pretty catchy. Two hundred dollars. If you make it two hundred and you kind of publicize it, you'll get a lot of those. I love site radio show good. You know, poker fun. Like, you know, well, you know, you know what we do in. get. What we we do get is a lot of people coming out of the woodwork who we know of, but we had no idea, like, are even still around. That they hear about and they go, oh, "I got to play this," and then they they log into their account they haven't used in three years. Yeah, yeah, probably. You probably wonder, right. You you should bring back some um some like old guests like Chad Ellie. Yeah, I big I, guests that you've had on. Oh, I missed Chad Ellie yeah, actually he actually one. listens sometimes too. That'd be a good one. He still listens sometimes. 
and see what he's up to, or um, maybe prank call Sorrell Mizzy again. That was a good one. <laughs> I got to get his number again. Chico Loco should definitely make a return. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing what we do on the 200th episode. Maybe I'll ask for suggestions on the forum. All right. Well, uh, yeah, Brandon, you can mute yourself or whatever, and we'll finish up here. And, Brandon, hit me up in the morning because I think I have a better solution for your Jewish deli uh, thing tomorrow if you guys are going to go to the beach. So, Druff, I got a question for you. How have the Bovada games been affected by the. Um... Just as the date, dead, like the date keeps getting closer to September 30th, do you see like anyone quitting? Does the volume seem about the same? The volume has gone down a little bit. Uh, I've noticed that. Uh, believe it or not, I after a while of me noticing in the summer that the game sucked, I, I uh, like for the past week the games were actually pretty good. Last night they weren't, but uh, the, the there were like four consecutive nights I played where the games were especially good. I got my ass kicked. And lost a lot, but uh, the games were very good. I just ran very bad, and right. and that followed a, a streak where oh. the game sucked. So, but then the volume has been lower. Like uh, last night, for example, I I went on and I expected to see you know three games running maybe at around eleven thirty p.m. and it was just one game that was going, and then it wasn't very good either. So I played a f- few rounds and quit. Yeah, I think I saw that last night. The lobby looked dead. But there have been times when I've popped in and seen like three thirty sixties, a twenty forty. I actually played a little bit the other night, and but I, I got destroyed. Yeah, and I, I I told you about that. Yeah. I had a guy heads up, just going table to table. I knew who he was because he had like thirty seven cents at the end of his name, but he just ran so good. He folded like five times when I had kings and aces. I just looked at the hands today; it was legit, <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah, we actually we actually got beat down on the same night there. Different games. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it should be interesting to see what happens. I want to see how many players carry over. How many of like the fish, or you know, how many people are creatures or habit that are just gonna say, "Hey, I, I want to play poker." Yeah, I'm wondering. You know, too. if they can't if they can't get their money when they want to transfer it off the site, it, it's really gonna hurt. Them, yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah. We uh, we talked I, about that at the beginning. About that? Yeah, we talked about it at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, but, talk, but I, even uh, did you talk to did you talk to our friend today about it or no? Did you talk? No, but but, to the but, but but you know you know what? There's a second person also who this is happening to that I didn't even realize. Well, I, okay, so I I talked with him or I got a text from him today. He finally received the money after making some threats um, of posting this, and making it public, but it took uh, six days. Six days. Oh yeah, that's that's, 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 that's that's the first person. But yeah, that's a, I'm saying there's a second yeah. person who who I didn't even know about until today that Trader Ruski knows that that also is going through this. Yeah. I mean, it's I think it's just days. The, it's new software, so it's going to be buggy. I know someone that had a bonus disappear today. Well, I know, but the thing is, they didn't they didn't rectify it quickly. To go six days here was a joke. Yeah. Right. But then again, they're probably they probably I don't know if they're splitting up the customer support if all the calls are being routed to the same place like answering with different stuff obviously they should rectify something like that faster but you can imagine like it must be a mess like trying to just transfer everything to another thing you know like that stuff never goes as smoothly as you anticipate it remember yeah. um going from donk down to donk down 2.0 <laughs> 
I, I know, but they—they they, the problem is they—they're just not good at handling adversity. There, when things don't go as planned, they—they they don't respond to it very well. They—they they don't prioritize things well. They—they they don't seem to have bad intentions, like they're going to take people's money. It just seems like incompetence, and then they—it's very hard to get things done, and you have to really pressure them, and even then, it doesn't happen. So, I—I—that—that I, that person that was that spoke to me about what, what happened, I, I felt very bad for him, and. I, I, I believed him fully and saw all the proof, and it it was I, – I would have been extremely frustrated. I, I would have been pissed, too. I would have been really pissed. Right. Right. But at the same time, you know that well, a lot of companies, like, they don't rip people off. They don't have, like, a reputation for that. So I'd be pissed, too, because it didn't happen instantaneously. But in the back of my mind, I'd still be thinking, yeah, well – they're gonna have well, to fix the thing. Like, the pitch. thing that blew the thing. The thing that blew my mind more than anything is that the excuse that they well, it was, you know, from talking to him, the, the excuse that they used is they were kind of passing the buck back and forth the first couple of days, it's almost like yeah. they were buying time. Yeah, we talked, which about was that. kind of strange. <laughs> and then I think the final thing was due to such high volume. That's what the delay was. But I mean, how how I mean, they said I think he in one of the emails that I had seen it was something along the lines of, you know, we process these transfers in the order we receive them. But, I mean, what can they be doing? They're going through so many transfers that you're waiting for your number that takes, you know, six days. You know what I mean? Well, it, no, it, 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 it made, made no sense because everybody else's that were working correctly were going through instantaneously. So there's no manual right. process. So it should be able to process a million of these. It shouldn't be. Uh, it shouldn't matter yeah, about the volume. But that was right. But that was what they were. That was yeah, I saw. I, I saw the excuse. I saw the excuse, and it was BS. And just like you, I have no reason to doubt, the, you know, the validity of it. But, uh, you know, I just, I mean, that's pretty awful. Like, you know, just say that's what you do for a living. You basically were out of work for six days. Yeah, and then also, it's you not know, just out of work. It, it, you don't, you don't know f- for sure what's going to happen with that money. You know, it's this, it's this weird unsure feeling you have where you think they'll probably eventually make it right, but you don't know when you don't know why they're not giving you an answer. You don't know what the, and you know, they're being dishonest to you. Yeah. And they're being when dishonest they that, about the reasons you know, for it. Yeah. You just, you yeah. it's just never good. You just have money disappear and you're not getting an honest and straightforward answer, nor are they handling it with any urgency. It's, it's very of frustrating course. to deal with. So it's that's, bad business. It's very bad business. Yeah. It, so, it, yeah, but listen, it, it, it might what, have to go I'm through sorry. like higher ups yeah. or something like that. Cause, Think about the people that are going to try and scam them and say, like, oh, my balance didn't go through. No, but they could see it right away. They saw it right away. No, 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 no. That's not not a scam because they can – it just – They they saw it. Right right at the beginning, I watched the the exchange. Right at the beginning, they acknowledged, yes, we see it was sent. And so all they have to do is contact those on the ignition side, which whether – we know it's the same company, but if you want to say it's not, all they have to do is call them and say – Well, from what I could say is I was told both sides could see it. It wasn't as if, like, once it's gone out of Bovada, I don't – you know, Bovada could see it, the other side could see it. That's what I was told, and again, I have no reason to doubt this person. So, you know, and I saw some of the emails. Yeah, it's just – It could just be – it's probably just like the infrastructure they have built that just can't – doesn't really work for I, I think yeah, I think it's buggy, and I think once yeah, I think once it's bu- it's buggy, and once a bug has occurred, instead of saying oh this is a this has to be top priority for us to deal with, they just put you in the customer service queue, and when we get to it, we get to it, and that's that's the wrong approach. Yeah, yeah. And you know, how hard how hard how hard could it be in theory? You know, I I, you, I don't know how these poker sites work, but how hard could it be in theory for them to just reverse it back, and then you could at least play on. Bovada, so at least you can play somewhere. 
You know, I'm, you know what I'm saying? How hard and, and, is and have your money back. And so, like, this is I'm what right. I told you when, when my manually, you can't manually credit somebody. It just seems, I don't know, it just seems preposterous. It does. And when it, when my account got frozen with a 52k in it, and they're telling me I have to wait this this specified waiting time, and there's 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 requests ahead of mine. I said, look, I'm, I don't feel I'm more special than anyone else. But when I have 52k frozen, I think my situation should be given priority over somebody who has a, a customer service question about a $50 bonus. I think you, you have to yeah. prioritize them based upon the uh, the severity and the money involved. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you this, and I know you already know this, but you're out of your mind if you keep anywhere near that kind of money in there now with all this going on. I don't, I mean, I would never. Well, I have 10000 there you know, now. So I, if I was day. allowed to play on that site, I don't think I'd feel comfortable with even half of that on there. Just it's it's no no I, I severely I reduced it in two ways by by okay. cashing cashing out and losing that was my my combination. Yeah, how bad how bad was your downswing? Did you say? Uh, no, I didn't. But it was, it was just it, okay. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. But I'm, I'm I have about ten k left on yeah. there. Uh, I, I cashed out a good deal, so it's not like I lost. I didn't lose lose anywhere near what it sounds like. But uh, I yeah. I did okay. go on a losing That's streak. Good. That's good. Well, listen, guys, I'm going to say good night now. I'm going to order my food and go eat. Uh, Calawat, great to hear you. Oh, no, he's, and, he's and gone. Calawat's he, he, no, gone. Is, is, is he listening still, do you think? Or is he, yeah, oh, he, he, yeah, he fell asleep. Yeah. I'll tell you, the, the Hanson kid said to me, Calawat's still listening. He said, I'll tell you one thing about that Calawat kid. He is one of the most highly intelligent people I've ever met. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, he did a lot of work on this Crush Live Poker site. And um, Anyhow, nonetheless, China, it's always good to hear your voice. I'll be seeing you hopefully in a couple months. Uh, yeah. With C Money, we're kind of talking now uh, on the back channels about a road trip, uh, or you know, meeting and then taking a road trip, you know, to come see you. Trader Ruski, I'll see you next month. Druff, I'll be in touch, and uh, I will definitely be there for the 200th show, and we'll plan something special okay. for sure. I'm looking forward to it. So, and Brandon, let me know if you stay in town a day or two, and you and your girl want to do something. You and Jeannie want to do something. Well, she's my, not my girl, but that's my. Yeah. I'm <laughs> okay, I was. Just, yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know it's so uh, funny. You know, because uh-huh. you know she's 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 twenty something plus years older than me, and she knows a lot of poker players. Not you know from her job and just from playing all these mixed games. And everybody thinks I get this all the time that either a that we're together, like you know we have some weird like you know milf you know or not even milf but just some like weird. Like Brian Devonshire, like relationship where I, lo- I love all the women, or <laughs> that I'm basically fucking her for buying. I mean, it's the truth. Like people <laughs> might say this. Why are they always together? Like, what is it she's giving him? Or what is? And and then you know, it, it. I carry my own weight. You know, she doesn't. You know, we do the normal friend thing. I, you know, I'll buy her a meal. She buy me a meal. But that's what these like old men think. And these old women, they gossip about us everywhere we go, because they just can't understand that. You know that somebody. A male and a female with that age difference can actually be friends. Which, you know what I mean? So yeah. I hear that every room, and they gossip, and can tell. Like, we walk up, they, you know, they, they, it's awkward. Like, I mean, I don't care. It's not awkward for me, but it's awkward. Like, you know, they were just talking about us, and the subject changes. It's really funny. But no matter funny. where I go, that's, you know, people think that she's my sugar mama or, or like, you know, some in the closet. And I guess it doesn't hurt that we kind of troll it a little bit and play along with it on Facebook. Yeah, I saw and, that. You know, so people, <laughs> yeah, because and that's why we do it because people think it and they talk and they gossip about it. So well, yeah, and, and I, I knew it was a joke when I saw it. I didn't think it was true. But. Yeah, you know. And by the way, I, you can look on her Facebook because you'll probably know this. Apparently, and I didn't know this. Jeannie went to, uh, she went to, I think it was high school or 
some kind of school, but the guy that now lives, I mean, this is on the East Coast in New York, but the guy that lives in L.A. and works for one of the, your local affiliate news, uh, news stations and is one of the investigative reporters. Like, you know, we found roaches. I mean, I don't know if that's really what he does. in this, you know, Vietnamese restaurant. But he, he posted in that Facebook thread that I'm talking about. And I was curious if you may know who he is. I guess What's he's a famous, name? like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to say it in the air. In fact, I don't even know his name. I mean, I could look on the Facebook and tell you. I guess, it, it, should I do that? Do you, want to, do you want to tell you who it is and see if you guys know it? Yeah. Okay, hold on. I'm going to mute. mute, mute. Look, hold on. Okay. David Goldstein? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny if that's who it actually was. I'm curious Drop, I was going to tell him he should go to Nate and Al's instead of Langer's, don't you think? Oh, really? I, you know, I've actually never been to Nate and Al's. I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm aware of it, but it I haven't has, been to it. It's solid. I mean, I uh, think... David Goldstein. That is David Goldstein. Wow. Trader, Trader Ruski guessed. He guessed it before he said it. David Goldstein's the Oh, next. really? Okay. Oh, yeah. So apparently, I know nothing about him. Virginia's like, oh, this guy, you know, works for, I, I don't know. I think it's oh, no, he's the Google best. It, but... He's the best. Is his big thing? He's been going around all these DWT DWP workers. They go, they go punch in. Then they go, then they go have an hour and a half long breakfast, work for twenty minutes. Then they're b- drinking beers at lunch, and he catches. He runs right in the restaurant, and they see him come in. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. So they, anyhow, they apparently they went to high school together, and he. You know, saw that she was in L.A. and they were Facebook friends. And she's like, oh, how long are you going to be here? Let's meet up. And, you know, it was just kind of funny. You know, and then he's on the TV, you know, finding. Like, is he like a, uh, what's the way to put this? Is he like a serious investigative journalist? Or no. is he more yeah, of like no, a no, shock? he's great. No, like TMZ, breaks, like, oh. No, 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 no. He breaks a lot of big shit that, like, is going on in the oh, mayor's good. office. Cool. And he's got a lot of ethics, a lot of credibility. Okay, awesome. Let's see yeah, I figured. Okay, well, listen, guys, I'm going to say goodnight. I'm going to say goodnight again and get my food before it closes. Druff, thanks for having me. Trader Ruski, good to hear your voice. Okay. China, I'll see you in a couple months. All right, and I'm going to send you have a, a great text, night. too, about tomorrow, too, uh, Brandon. I'll send you a couple. Okay, some of, some of sounds right. perfect. Gentlemen, thank you very see much you. for having me on, and okay. I'll see everyone for the 200th show. See you next week, Brandon. Yeah. Okay, Good night. All right, so Brandon Drexel Gerson, he made an appearance, even though uh, better late than never, he was uh, bubbling a tournament. Uh, we Probably everybody listening to this show has had the heartbreak of a stone-cold bubble. And uh, my my stone-cold bubble was at the $5,000 Limit Hold'em event at the World Series in 2012, where it didn't even have to be. I didn't even, I mean, I could have folded to the money, and I chose not to. So... Uh, I want to do my editorial here, and then we can uh, shut this down. Uh, I've said this several times on this show, but I'll say it again for those of you that don't know or might be a little bit confused. I uh, am probably not voting for anybody this election. And if I am voting for someone, it's not going to be a major candidate because I'm – very disgusted with the choice that we have. I really, really, really do not like either of the two major candidates, Trump or Clinton. So I'm not even going to do like the lesser of two evils thing. I'm I'm just going to not do it. And uh, I I can't bring myself to 
vote for either one. So I'm not – this editorial is going to be about Hillary Clinton, but it's not going to be from the point of view of a Trump supporter because I'm not. I'm not going to vote for Trump. So this is not – the purpose of this editorial is not to convince you to vote for Trump instead of Hillary. That's not what I'm saying. I wouldn't tell you to do that because I'm not doing that myself. But I have found something that's irritating me, especially on Facebook, but also on Poker Fraud Alert. There's a 202-page discussion right now about Donald Trump and, uh, and the whole presidential election, one of our longest threads ever. And it, it's ongoing with a lot of vigorous debate and arguing. But I'll, I'll tell you something that's irritated me about those who are supporting Hillary Clinton, both those who have always supported her and those that have come around to support her after first uh, being against her and supporting Bernie Sanders. That is that, at least in the statements that I am seeing made publicly or at least uh, publicly on social media or semi-publicly, these people have become very, very delusional. Now, If you are voting for Hillary Clinton because you believe she would be a better president than Donald Trump and you feel that realistically it's the choice between the two of them and Donald Trump being president scares you or whatever the reason, whatever the reason is that you, uh, between the two of them, you think she's the better choice and you're going to vote for her, fine. I can understand that. I really can. And I'm not even going to criticize that choice. What I am going to criticize is if you are voting for Hillary Clinton and have decided to delude yourself into believing that all of these bad things being written about her are not true, that it's a, it's a right-wing conspiracy, that it's, uh, it's just the media playing things up for ratings, that it's uh, unproven lies and exaggerations, uh, that she's been the subject of attacks for 25 years and it's just the culmination of all these attacks that have been going on so long that people are taking them as fact now simply because they've been going on so long. But the, in reality, that uh, she's just a politician, you may think. You may think all politicians are shady to some degree. There's no politician, there's no major politician who's completely honest. There's no major politician that hasn't done something that could create a scandal if it was found out. Then she just... Uh, She's just one who has to bend the rules sometimes to get things done, like all politicians. But the difference is that the the Republicans have focused on her and Bill for 25 years and magnified everything they've done and examined them under a microscope. And that's why we're hearing so much about their scandals when in reality she's just a regular politician. And uh, this is just uh, the right-wing media dragging her name through the mud. And if you think that, you are delusional. If you think that, then you're not looking at this election honestly and logically. And again, if your conclusion is, yes, she has all these problems, but still with her complete lack of honesty and shady dealings and a lot of really odd things that can't even be fully explained that she and her husband have done or are still doing, that even with all that, you feel she's still better than Donald Trump, then fine. Then vote for her and be honest, that's the reason. Or at least say nothing. But I think what has happened is that when you vote for someone, it's almost like you're vouching for them. You're really not, but some people feel that. Some people feel like, especially these days when people are 
determining their identity to some degree by their politics. And, and I think that people feel that if they're going to vote for Hillary and say they support her to be the next president of the United States, that they can't do that and say, yeah, you know, Hillary's shady. Uh, she breaks laws all the time. She does a lot of really bad things. But I'm still voting for her because she's better than the alternative. They, they don't want to say that because I think they feel guilty, even if they do believe she's better than the alternative. They still feel guilty voting for her. They feel like they're supporting a crook. They feel like they're supporting someone who's a bad person, and they don't want to do that. They want, they want to attach themselves to something they believe that they're, uh, they're supporting that's positive. Nobody likes to support something that's negative. So a lot of these people have deluded themselves into believing that these charges against Hillary Clinton, and I mean when I say charges, I mean charges in uh, by the other side, charges in the media, just uh, statements that are made against her, accusations that are leveled against her, that we're seeing a lot of smoke, but there isn't really any fire. That it's just uh, exaggerations, lies, and uh, nothing to worry about. And I, I just don't think that is being honest with yourself, if that's what you're saying, because it's not true. And keep in mind, these stories about the Clintons are not coming from right-wing sources. I mean, they're coming from them, too, but I'm not just talking about those sources. I'm not saying that you read something on Breitbart or Fox News and or the Drudge Report and, and, and then that you have to believe them. Because your response could be, well, these are right-wing sources. These are sites that are known to be supporters of the right wing and bash people on the left all the time. But the stories about Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton being shady and all the bad things that they've done, all the scandal they've been involved in, in the past, in the semi-recent past, in the present, these are coming from mainstream news organizations, including ones that are known to lean left or at least left center. And there's a reason for that. It's because they're true. These things are all true. They're all either true or mostly true. And in the cases where they're mostly true, it's only because Hillary's making it so difficult to find out the exact truth or Bill's making it so hard to find out the exact truth, we can't get the full story. So there are, there are so many... By, by the way, someone's making noise in the background here. <laughs> Who is that? Someone needs to hit mute here. Who's, who's the noisemaker? Uh, it was not you. It was not you. Maybe it's China Maniac. Is that you, China Maniac? Might have been me. I'm not muted. Okay, okay. Very good. I was hearing kind of like just activity in the background, like banging around. So I, I feel that these people do not want to look at it rationally. That the scandal after scandal after scandal, I mean, just a staggering number of scandals that even I have lost track of all of them. I'd have to be reminded of all of them in the past, like, even just five years involving Hillary, because there's so many. Every day it seems like you're reading about something new. Or even if you, sometimes you think it's new, it's actually been around, you just haven't heard of it. There's just so many of them. It, it's amazing how many scandals the Clintons are involved in. And this is not the case with other Democratic candidates in the recent past. You didn't hear this about Al Gore. You didn't hear this about John Kerry. You didn't hear this about Barack Obama. For some reason, this only seems to be the Clintons. And believe me, with how much the right hates Obama, if they could have painted him 
as a shade ball, as someone who is uh, constantly breaking laws, as someone who is constantly doing self-serving things that uh, that could potentially harm the country, that uh, someone who is dishonest. Believe me, they would have done that a long time ago. They would have loved to put that out about Obama if it were true. But it wasn't true. They had no evidence it was true. So they couldn't do it. No one would believe it. They had other ways they criticized Obama, but not that way. That was uh, other than some lunatics who may have just made up crazy theories about him. That was never a real criticism that Obama was facing from the right in all his time in office, even while he was running for president the first time. But, But Hillary Clinton, this is all you hear about. Scandal after scandal, accusation after accusation. Strange, shady things she's involved with or, or that her husband's involved with. Like the, the, this thing I just read about recently, and someone told me it's an old story. I, I hadn't heard of it until this week, but there's a thing called a, a for-profit university. And on, its, on the surface, that doesn't sound bad. Like, you know, why shouldn't a university be able to make money? But in reality, these for-profit universities are scams. These are universities that provide mostly worthless degrees to students. They don't teach the students very much at at all, nothing really useful. They will sometimes fix grades to where pretty much everybody passes. The whole point of these for-profit universities to exist is, yes, to make money. And the way they make money, you say, well, who'd go to school like that? Well, they target low-income students in the inner city. And they have very lax admission guidelines. And they're free. And the way they get their money is that they bill the government because these students are low income and they qualify for all kinds of government aid. And this government aid goes to pay their tuition to the school. So the schools don't care about the quality of education they provide. In fact, they lie to the students about uh, what the education is going to do for them. The students don't try to vet the schools very carefully because they say, hey, it's free. I might as well. And the government foots the bill. And these universities make a ton of money. The students get nothing out of it. And the government's out a ton of money. It's a scam. There's many different companies. I shouldn't say many, but there's several different for-profit university companies, including one that closed down recently, that have been engaging in this scam. And there's been exposés on them, but they've, they've still persisted. One of the companies that provides the for, these for-profit universities and that have been subject to the same accusations about being a scam, is a company called Laureate. And it was found that Bill Clinton had a recent association with them where they hired him and paid him lots of money, though it's not clear how much. And it's not even clear what he did for them. And the time they hired him uh, coincided with when Hillary was Secretary of State. They do have an international presence, by the way. They operate both in the U.S. and outside the U.S., and it's not clear why Bill Clinton would have been hired and what he was doing for them and why they were paying him so much. The The whole thing was really, really weird and shady, and they will not explain it. They will not explain what Bill Clinton was doing there, why he was paid so much, how many hours he worked, what he did for them. Everybody clams up and won't talk about it, or when they do talk about it, they give you very general answers which don't really answer anything at all. This is one of so many weird things the Clintons have been involved with. Clinton Foundation is another one of them. Uh, so many weird, shady, and downright criminal things that they've been involved in. So it's not just one thing. It's not like you say, well, this is just a misunderstanding. Well, you know, maybe we don't know the whole story. There's so many things 
And when you hear over and over and over with a person or people that are getting involved in shady dealings and seem to be breaking the law and seem to be doing things that are unethical, it means one thing. It means that this person is an unethical, an unethical person. It doesn't mean that uh, they're just having really, really bad luck and that they're always being falsely accused. Do you ever remember anybody who is in any, anywhere? Forget politicians, just anything. Have you ever heard of anybody, like, for example, in poker? Has there ever been anybody in poker who was repeatedly accused of shady behavior that turned out to be a great person? Never. Every time you hear of someone who's always involved in scandal, it turns out that they're a piece of crap. It turns out that most or all of the accusations are true. So the Clintons are are a version of that. It's it's like we talked about Sorrell Mizzy recently on this show. He's a good example. If you know anything about Sorrell Mizzy and his history in poker, you would not conclude he's a good person. Uh, Hillary Clinton is, is like the Sorrell Mizzy of politics. So... You can say that despite all that, you'd still rather have her than Trump. And Trump has his whole set of major problems, and there's no question about that. I'm, and I always hate when people say, well, what about Trump? Trump this, Trump that, and as if it excuses what Hillary Clinton has been doing. It doesn't matter how bad Trump is. The argument here I'm making is not vote Trump instead of Hillary. The argument I'm making here is no matter what Trump is doing, it doesn't make what Hillary is doing wrong any better. And the two should be a separate discussion, unless you're unless you're deciding who you're going to vote for, unless you're saying uh, I've got to decide which of the two I'm going to vote for, so therefore I have to compare them. But that's not this discussion. Our discussion now is just alone: Is Hillary Clinton a good person? Is she someone you can trust? Is she someone that you should feel happy about taking the Oval Office in 2017, which she probably will? And to me, the answer is a resounding no. And I'm seeing so many Democrats who have forced themselves, as as Cal Watt said about something else, not about Hillary, but uh, willful delusion. He said that about the lock poker pros. But they, a lot of Democrats are forcing themselves into willful delusion about Hillary Clinton. They just don't want to believe the truth because then they'll feel bad about voting for her. They'll feel bad about telling people to vote for her. They'll feel bad about telling people who are voting for Donald Trump to vote for her, her instead because they want to present a better reason than, yeah, she's terrible but a little bit less terrible than Trump. They, they don't want to say that. They want to make it sound like, no, 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 she's actually fine. She's actually, she's not the, the very best and we have some criticisms of her, but uh, uh, overall she's fine. And Trump is a disaster, so vote for her. But that's, that's not true. And a lot of these are the same people who very harshly criticized her during the primary when they were fiercely supporting Bernie Sanders. And then once Sanders gave up, they said, okay, well, got to fall in line and back Hillary now. And all the stuff I said about her before, it doesn't matter anymore. I take it all back. And the funny thing is that Bernie Sanders was one of the victims of Hillary Clinton. Uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, he wasn't going to win anyway, but the, the election was rigged against him. Hillary's friend, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, was at the the head of the Democratic Party, was rigging the election, rigging the primary. And this was found through the, uh, the, the hacked emails that were released on WikiLeaks. So these people should be pissed, and some of them still are. Some of them are, uh, refuse to support Hillary, and I respect them for that. 
there's a person on my Facebook page who couldn't be more opposite politically from me. But one thing we agree upon is, is how shady Hillary Clinton is. And he said, I'm just absolutely not supporting her. And this guy detests Republicans, but he, he won't support Hillary. And he, he's still posting articles about how shady she is. And I said, great. It's a, I can respect that because this is someone who's keeping the same view, the same accurate view that he had of Hillary the whole way. He's not changing his view midstream just because she's the candidate now. So, I mean, it's one thing to prefer a candidate during the primary and criticize them some and then come back around and, and uh, say I'm supporting them. But this, this is someone who doesn't deserve your support. This is, there are so many different scandals going on, and you just have to wonder what the hell. And so, Some of them are really weird. Like, there's this child molester who uh, would fly around the world and have sex with, with young girls. And I mean, like, girls like 12 years old, 13 years old. And some of these girls he would molest would be girls in foreign countries. Some of them were in the U.S. This is a prolific but very rich child molester who, by the way, pretty much bought his way out of the situation. But uh, I forget this guy's name. It's uh, Jeffrey something, I think his name. Anyway, what's really weird... Epstein. Epstein, right, Jeffrey Epstein. What's really weird, and this has not been fully explained, Bill Clinton was traveling around on this guy's private jet with him in 2002 on one of these Asian sex tours. And Bill Clinton dismissed his Secret Service detail for five days during one of these trips. Now, we don't have any reports that Bill Clinton had sex with underage girls. We don't even have reports that if he did have sex on that trip, maybe Bill Clinton thought that these girls were over 18 and Jeffrey Epstein never told him the truth. It is possible, but we, we don't know. But we know that he was traveling around with a, chi- a child molester uh, in 2002 on his private yeah, jet. Yeah, and, and they weren't like Asian sex tours. They basically had an island that the guy owned. And they'd fly in under all the underage girls from everywhere. Yeah, right, right. That's 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 true. And 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 that's and this guy was an awful person, this Jeffrey Epstein. And and by the way, he he got like a slap on the wrist because he had uh, powerful connected friends. Uh, yeah, I think he did. He get like six months. Yeah, it was a joke. Something maybe jail. I don't maybe probation. It, it was a joke. What he got? Yeah, some super light sentence for everything he did. But but Bill Clinton was traveling around with him on one of these tours in 2002, and you were like, "What the hell? <laughs> what was Bill Clinton doing with him?" And they won't answer. It's not it's not like Bill Clinton says, "Oh, this is what I was doing." It just looks bad. He, he won't talk about it. There's no answer. We 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 don't get to find out. But, you know, maybe Bill Clinton knew that uh, these were underage girls that uh, were involved. Maybe he didn't. Maybe Bill Clinton had you know joined the sex party. Maybe he didn't. But why was he there? Like we don't know. But he actually went. He went, and that's 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 been verified. It's not a it's not a right wing. Uh, Nut job conspiracy theory. This, this has been verified. And uh, another thing that's uh, uh, every time people want to look up files about things involving the Clintons, sometimes they need to go into the National Arch- Archives and look things up, uh, documents that should be stored there. Uh, once again, for the third time now, documents from the National Archives about Clinton, about Bill Clinton, actually both Clintons, the third time now. Documents have disappeared from there and cannot be found. Uh, in 2000, I think it was in 2008 or 2007, a guy named Sandy Berger, and you can look this up too, this has been verified as well, and he admitted to it. A guy named Sandy Berger went to the National Archives and stole documents 
that were related to Bill Clinton's handling of uh, of Bin Laden prior to 9/11. They wanted to, you know, there's a study on who's who, basically who was at fault for allowing this to happen. Was it Clinton? Was it Bush? Uh, you know, who who allowed 9/11 to happen? So anything that was critical of Clinton was gone from the National Archives, and Sandy Berger stole it. He admitted he stole it. Sandy Berger was a very close friend of the Clintons. Now, of course, he fell on the sword himself and said, oh, no, I did this on my own. But it's very clear he didn't do this on his own. But he stole documents from the National Archives about Bill Clinton's handling of 9-11, and, th- and those documents are just gone. There's no copies in them. They're just gone. They can't ever be found again. He stole and destroyed them. And at the time, the... Clintons distanced themselves from him and said how awful this was and that they didn't support this and you know they're never going to deal with him again. But then very quietly in 2008, uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign for president, when she first ran, she hired Sandy Berger. After this whole thing, she hired him shortly after this whole thing to help her with uh, foreign policy. He was a foreign policy advisor of hers. That's how, that's how outraged they were about him stealing documents from the National Archives and it turns out now that they're finding again uh, related to the Vince Foster suicide, which I, I, I really do believe was a suicide. I'm not one of these people who thinks they, they murdered him. But uh, documents related to that and Hillary, an allegation that Hillary had berated him publicly right before he killed himself, that those documents were gone too. I think that Sandy Berger stole a lot of things and we just don't know everything he stole yet. Because it, it was determined that he was left alone there for like 40 minutes and could have stolen a lot of things and it, unless there was a complete inventory done, which would be pretty much impossible to do. Uh, it's not known how much he could have stolen and destroyed. So, I mean, it's, this, this was a, someone very close to the Clintons sent in there. It looks like he just stole things that were unflattering to them, destroyed them, and then he got a slap on the wrist. And it, th- th- this is the couple that's going to be back in the White House. This This is something you have to... Acknowledge is really happening. We don't have other recent presidents who did things like this. The only one we've had was Richard Nixon. But the difference is, when this stuff was found out about Nixon, he had to resign in disgrace. Here, we're about to elect someone who we know this about. And that's what's scary, is that we're actually voluntarily electing somebody who we know this about, who's probably done a lot more shady things than Nixon ever did. So, you can't just overlook these things and say, oh, it's just right-wing conspiracy. No, it's not. Look at the sites reporting this stuff. These are not right-wing sites. These are sites, if anything, which have been more favorable toward the left in recent years. So, believe me, you are definitely electing somebody who is very, very shady. We're going to have four years of constant scandal. It's not going to stop. It's like, have you ever known someone who marries like an alcoholic or a drug addict and they say, oh, well, they're going to change for me. And, and uh, when you hear that person say that to you, that the person they're marrying who's had a lifelong problem like that, that they're going to change for you, your reaction is probably... <laughs> or maybe when they say that to you, your reaction to them is... So and you'd be right, because when someone has been a certain way for their entire lives or for a long time, They can't just change. They can't just change. People can change from like when they're very young as they get older and mature. But once you're an established adult and you're doing something over and over, you're never going to change. It's very, very, very rare. So the Clintons are not going to change once they get into the Oval Office again, especially 
because they've gotten away with it all these years. They, they've gone through scandals, but they're they're used to it. They they go through the scandals, they go through the motions, they they maneuver their way out of it, and when it's all done, they get away with it over and over and over again. So we're going to have that for four more years. We're going to have that even worse than ever, starting in 2017. So that's what we're going to get. And you just have to know that when you vote for Hillary Clinton. That is what we are going to get. And what would we get if we elected Donald Trump? I don't know. It probably would be pretty disturbing as well in a totally different way. So this is not a defense of Trump in any way. This is not an endorsement of Trump in any way. I'm very aware of all of Trump's issues, but... And someone said to me, well, how can you complain about this? How can you complain about what you say is the delusion of Hillary Clinton supporters when Trump supporters are so delusional? And there are a lot of delusional Trump supporters. But the difference is Trump has gotten to the point where other than his diehard supporters, uh, everybody else seems to be treating him almost like a joke. And... It seems like outside of those supporters, most people have a pretty similar view of Trump to, to some degree of, uh, of of severity. But with Hillary Clinton, there people have been bombarded with so much of, oh, she's not that bad. Oh, this is just politics. That's the way politics work. Right wing conspiracy, blah, 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 that they, they've really believed it. And they've actually convinced people around them who don't really follow it that closely to believe it. Some people are, are really starting to believe their own BS or the BS of others that are being fed to them about Hillary Clinton. So you just have to know that when, when you vote for her, understand the reason you're voting for her. If you're, if you're voting for her because you don't want Trump in and you'd still even rather have Hillary with all her problems, fine. If you're voting for her because you believe that she's completely qualified and fine to be president, you're making a mistake. She might be qualified from a knowledge and experience and intellectual standpoint, but not from an ethical standpoint. And remember, the day before Richard Nixon resigned, he was just as qualified to be president. Richard Nixon did not resign because he was incompetent or stupid or lacked knowledge or lacked experience. Richard Nixon resigned and was pretty much forced to resign. For ethical reasons, for a lack of ethics, that he presented while he was president. And that's important too. And just because it's 42 years since Nixon resigned doesn't mean that uh, this country should do it any differently with electing somebody who is not ethical to be president. The president doesn't have to be a perfect person. They don't always have to have pure and pristine thoughts all the time. They don't have to have a 100% clean record. But they have to be at least somewhat clean. So I'm just saying don't be delusional. Know who you're voting for and why you're voting for them. And that goes for Trump supporters, too. Also, understand 
everything with Donald Trump, all his faults, and understand what that can potentially mean for this country if he's elected. And don't close your eyes to that, which I, I see as well. But honestly, I'm seeing, I really see more delusion about Hillary Clinton from people I wouldn't expect it from, including ones who were very, very critical of her a few months ago. So I, I'm really not looking forward to this these next four years. People say, oh, it's entertaining. It'll be funny. It'll be interesting. It may be interesting, but it, it's, it's, we don't need that in this country. It's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a mess. Uh, is this Larry Laffer? This is. Okay. I'm recognizing phone numbers now. So what, what would you like to say about, what would you like to say about this here? Well, you know, I just uh, tuned in a minute ago. Forgot that you guys were on tonight. Oh. But I obviously I'm here at the right time. We got the Clinton and uh, Trump talks. I'm just wondering, uh, are you still voting for Trump? No, I was never going to vote for Trump. You keep saying that on the forum, but I'm not voting for Trump. I, I posted proof. You said it. When? It came out of your mouth. When? Let's see. No, I never said I'm voting for Trump. You did. I'd like to hear a recording of that one. You did. It was on a uh, a show with you and uh, I mean I. I'd like you to find that point. I'll, I'll go back and listen because I, I I wouldn't have said that. I just I'm not going to vote for Trump. You did. You said in a you said in a lesser of two evil situation you would vote for Trump, and I'm just wondering what changed your mind. I, I'm, if I said that, I I don't know why I would have said that. It's it's. Uh, but I, I, I didn't vote for him. Why in the prim- would you say that? I, I didn't vote for him in the primary, and I'm not going to vote for him in the general election. I, I don't feel that he is fit to be president. I don't feel that Hillary Clinton is fit to be president for different reasons. So, so who do you feel is fit to be president? Uh, the people running, really, nobody. That's why I'm probably not voting for any of them. So. Oh man, I wish I could find this for you. I'd play it over my phone. Well, it's really not really important. It. It's not really important anymore because I, I was never a Trump supporter. Even if you, even if you, even if you can prove I said what you're saying that I said, that was not a ringing well, endorsement I can't of Trump. Prove that was it. And why would you say it if you didn't mean it? I, I'm not sure. I have to go back. I, I, but, I never, but I wasn't even supporting. Even if even if I really said that, I, I wasn't supporting him. I was just saying that uh, that if if forced to pick one of the two, I'd, pr- I'd probably go with him. That's not saying I support him. But I, but I'm saying now I'm not going to go with him even if forced to pick the two. I'm not, I'm not going with either of them. Okay, so call okay, it. so you're changing your mind. That's good. I, as long as you're changing your mind on that. I, I don't know why you keep trying to say that, but uh, I, I never was supporting Trump. Uh, call you're on the air. Hey, what's up? This is Sisop. You never said you were voting for Trump, not once. I, I don't remember it either. It, he he yeah. did. He, 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 you know what? He said that in a, in a lesser of two evil situation, he would vote for Trump. I, I think maybe I was. I think maybe it was probably a question like if there was a gun in, uh, to your head and you had to pick one or something. Yeah, like that. not even a question. Not even that question. I remember addressing okay, the one that posed uh, the question. Go, go ahead and find it and post on the forum the exact timestamp of the episode. And I will go back. I and did. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look for the post where I did that. Drop has been saying since the beginning that this was all a big joke. He would never vote for him. I couldn't imagine him saying that. I just wanted to put my two cents in. Have a good right. night, boys. Okay. Thank you. No, no, I, I, I've, I, I've never been pro-Trump here. You keep saying that, but I really haven't been. So. 
I don't think you have been pro-Trump. That's why I was surprised when I heard that radio no, well, show. Well, I'm not doing well. The important thing is, you know, the election is is not months ago when he reclaimed that radio show. The election is, is coming up in two and a half months, and that's uh, – I can tell you I'm, I'm not changing on this one. I'm just not changing on this one. I've, I've, I've had quite some time to see the behavior of both candidates, and I, I'm not voting for either of them. And uh, you know that like, means you're just going to go. You're going with no one then. Yeah, I'm just going to vote for no one. I'm going to vote, just not about for president. There's some other things like propositions and stuff I feel strongly about, and I want to have my. Yeah, you're going to vote straight Republican down the line and, and try to uh, try to get that you know the House controlled again. Is that what you're going to do? Uh, that's Cause actually because that, that, that's the new Republican thing now. We're not going to back Trump because he's a wacko. Let's put all of our money into you know the congressional here congressional elections. I don't I don't care about what I, I don't care what the Republican Party thinks it wants to do. I care about what I want to do. I, I'm saying I the things most important to me for the upcoming election, believe it or not, are uh, state and local propositions that I feel strongly about. That's that's what I'm actually. If I, if I had to choose a reason of why I want to vote this November, that's the biggest reason. Uh, so. That's you know there's there's a proposition about reforming the death penalty. There's one about uh, abolishing the death penalty. There's one about uh, uh, there's one about uh, sales tax things like that. And these are more local related issues. They're not uh, affecting the whole country, but they they are ones I, I feel strongly about, and I I want to vote for those. And th- that's that's the bigger reason I want to vote rather than. The, I, I truthfully, truthfully, uh, my vote wouldn't really matter in these races anyway because these are all pretty much decided as as they are. So, like, I, like okay. I, Hillary, Hillary Clinton's winning California for sure. There's no question. So, who's going to win in California? Hillary's winning California. There's no question. I think Hillary's winning this entire election, unfortunately. Well, she she, she she is, but uh, but but there's then. There's some states she's absolutely not going to lose. Like California is one of them. I don't know. Even even uh, Trump pretty much concedes that that she's got California. The, Trump is trying to make the case that he's going to win closer states like Pennsylvania, which I don't believe are going to happen. But I, I, he's he's making the case that some of these states where it's a little closer that he's going to come back and win. But he's already conceded ones like California. Okay, well, well, maybe I guess. I yeah, know. that's that's what they. That's uh, yeah. that's the current model. It's not. It's not like it was in, uh, like, 1984 when Reagan beat Mondale in every single state except for Minnesota. You're not going to have that again. You have states that are so solidly either Republican or Democrat that it's it's very very difficult for candidates the other candidates to win in those states. So it's, it really comes down to all the swing states or semi-swing states. Uh, if, if there's, um, there's going to be any, any kind of fluke result, it would be in a state like Utah where that's always very Republican, but they hate Trump there. So Hillary could actually win that. She probably won't, but she could. But, so um, to answer your question, uh, the show you set it on was, uh, let's see. October 23rd, 2015, when you said it, at the five hour and 16 minute mark, 
Okay, we're we're gonna. So go. It's in that it's in the Trump train thread. Okay, we're we're gonna go there right now. And then we're gonna finish the show. Yeah. I'm gonna go there right now. So October twenty third. I'm glad I caught the end of the show. I'll have to check the rest in the archive. Right, so that's the art. The what? The archive. There we go. I, I didn't know what an archive was. Okay, so you said it's five hours and what? Five hour and sixteen minute mark. Okay. That's the that's the opening song. That's the, the intro. I'm letting the whole thing load. Here. Before I let it finish, let's let's hear how when I when I fast forward to the end of the song, I want to hear how uh, enthusiastic I am at the beginning of the show. I don't know if you've noticed this, but some shows I sound like I'm, I'm like really into doing the radio, and some I kind of sound more subdued. Let's let's <laughs> let's check out for October 23rd how I sounded. Let's jump. Let me try to jump. Uh, I'm, I'm just playing the online year one again. Uh-huh. We'll get the wrong idea this week. And Hold on. this week, and usually the show is on Thursdays at 7:30 Pacific time. However, it got delayed once again by a day. What and a shock. This is a Friday night live version of the show. What a shock. And we're just going to go till whenever it's over. Not sure if I we... actually sound pretty enthusiastic that week. Because I, I did this on Friday night, apparently in uh, October 2015. And I was talking a lot about daily fantasy sports. So let's, let's go to, you said five hour and 13 minutes? Five hours. I think the... Time stamp by guys, the five hour and sixteen minute mark. Sixteen. I'm gonna pick up a co host tonight. Let's see. I'm very That's close a... here. Okay, hold on. She gonna be the would she be the second oldest president ever elected after Reagan? She'll be she'd be sixty nine. Yeah, I think she will be. God. Imagine her for eight years. She'd be in there until seventy seven. Yikes. What I don't know, you fun? know what? If it, I mean if you honestly to win. So like if he gets the push. Okay, so that's so we're at we're now at five fourteen thirty two. That's where I just, I just jumped back a little bit because it, Yeah. Okay, five fourteen thirty two, I'll play it out. He gets the nominee or whatever, then she's obviously gonna win. But if like somebody else goes up against her that people might actually vote like could vote for her in masses, like she would have a chance to lose. Yeah, Shiny Maniac, hello. So you think that's like Wow, you know what? This is not a bad bet right here. On this, on this, I'm sorry to interrupt. On Patty Power, right. the gender winner it's, it's of 2016 male is eight to eleven, meaning you have to bet eight dollars to an eleven back. And female is even money. Huh, that's weird. That's really strange. That's, that's kind of contradicting what, they, what they're showing. Yeah, there. That's, that's, I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, right. unless uh, unless they think it's going to be revealed that Hillary Clinton actually has a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here, or here's yeah. Well, yikes! Democrat four to six, Republican six to five, and then Independents fifty to one. That's really interesting. But I think on these, can you even bet big on these things? No, they like, they, it's they only keep like ten well. bucks or twenty bucks. No, right? this is a little bit more, but, but not that much. You're not going to be able to bet a thousand on it or anything. I'm at five fifteen forty, so we're very close. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking. It, actually, yeah, Ben Carson is catching up to Trump, and in fact, he's he's ahead in some states like Iowa, but he's not gonna he's not gonna get it. No. In fact, he was even involved with uh, a scam, a scam multi level marketing company, 
like like an idiot. He was like a spokesman for them without really realizing what he was endorsing, and now it's kind of embarrassing. So like that that type of thing by itself, forgetting all the other pro- problems he has, will come back to bite him. Uh, it's it's too bad Hil- Hillary uh, she would be a lot more vulnerable in the general election if the Republicans put up a good candidate, but it looks like it's not going to happen. So. Uh, if yeah, if, if Trump goes up against Hillary, he's he's gonna lose. But she gonna be so, the- so far. I can't argue with anything I said a year ago. That's, that's, that sounds pretty right on here. Ten, actually, ten months ago. Yeah, no, pretty much all these old shows are definitely spot on. She gonna be the? Would she be the second oldest president ever elected after Reagan? Should be. She'd be sixty nine. Yeah, I think she will be. God, imagine her for eight years. She'd be in there until seventy seven. Yikes. What I don't know. You point? know what? If it, I mean, if you honestly had a choice of two evils, who are you picking there, Todd? In China, who would you who would you guys want? If it had to be one of the two, I I, I would still take Donald Trump, but not like really. It. Yeah, I would over like it. over Hillary. Yeah. Okay, but that's the question. Wow. If, it ha- if it had to be one of the two, he said, and not not who are you voting for? That's a big difference. Yeah. If it had to be one of the two, well, that's a big difference. You could easily say I'd vote for none of them. No, but no, that's not what he said. He said, he said, if, he said if it had to be one of the two, that's a huge difference than who are you voting for. Because if, if, with voting, it doesn't have to be one of the anything. You don't have to vote, even vote. But he's saying if it had to yeah, be one no, of the two. Yeah, no, I get that. So you could have said, I'm not voting for either if it has to be one of the two. But you decided you were going to say Trump. No, that's not what I said there. It's it's very clear what I said. He said, he said very if it clear, had to – I even repeated it back. If it had to be one of the two then, and then I, I answered it. So yeah. – I, I'd have you to go with Hillary. Said, you had to pick one or the other. I mean, really? Yeah. He can't even manage a casino. <laughs> he can't. Hillary is so shady. I don't. I don't. Uh, not only don't I like her policies, yeah, I think she's just very what? shady. You're kind of. What does she do? She uses different email servers. No, she's been, know, there's been scandals. Email no, there's been scandals yeah. with her going back twenty over twenty years. Every, everything's a scandal with her. Like it's it's amazing. She just thinks the there's, rules don't apply to her. Does Trump have any good plans that you've seen? No, he doesn't. He doesn't things? really state any of that stuff. No, he doesn't talk about plans. All right, I, I haven't followed any of this. I just know – I've just seen some of the clips that are hilarious. It's actually it's, – it's pretty funny. I'm looking at all these different polls such as like – Okay, I've heard enough. But I, I think it's very well, clear yeah. I meant there. I mean that, that was just my, my point I'm trying to make is that you could have just easily said I'm not voting for either. But you chose Trump. In, if you have I, I was answering Brandon's question. I'm telling you. You can keep right. phrasing it different ways. I was, no, I, know. I was answering his question. I was not – Stating an intention to vote for him, and I, I think that's very clear. There, I was given if you had to such and such, so so I gave an answer, and so I, I don't have to. Though, fortunately, I'm not forced to do this. And yeah, you're right. Fortunately, none of us are forced to do it. And it's 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 going to be sad, but I'll, I'll have to wait until it happens and then i will in fact i'm probably i haven't used that predicted site in a long time where i have some money on there that you can bet on the elections but i may go on there and see what the odds are on hillary right now and just you know slap as much money as i can there because i'm i'm pretty convinced it's done okay i'm pretty convinced it's done sounds good so, you're convinced it's going to be hillary i'm i'm convinced it's going to be hillary so i say why not make money it was like in 2008 i could it, like in September when it looked like McCain was crushed, I could have gotten Obama at uh, one to seven. And I I should have put a lot of money on that, but 
for some reason I didn't, and then I thought, you know what, I should go do it. And by the time I went to go do it, it changed to 11. So I said, yeah, I don't want to do 1 to 11. That's just, even though I know he's going to win, it's a 1 to 11, so tiny. So I didn't do it at all, but I really regretted not doing the 1 to 7 because you know, just think you put $7,000 when you know the candidate's going to win. You know that like McCain has no chance at that point. Put $7,000. It's like a free 1000 bucks, And uh, if by some fluke McCain would have won that, uh, you know, I would have been out 7000 which would have sucked, but it's not like I would have destroyed my life. You know, it would have been annoying, but but I knew it wasn't going to happen. I knew there was not like a 14% chance that McCain was going to win at that point. I knew he was done. So, same. Yeah. So, I'll look what – it's not quite that severe yet, but it's, it's – I have to look what the price is for Hillary, and I'll probably just – slap money on her. and I'm not saying I'll be rooting for her, but uh, it's one of these things like if it's going to happen anyway, I might as well make some money from it. So. Sounds like a good plan. So that's uh, the, the only thing that uh, could throw it for a loop, you know, if these stories about her health are really true and somehow she gets really sick or dies before the election or, uh, or has to stop running because she knows she won't be in uh, a condition to be able to be president who, who like something like that could actually propel Trump or the Republican. Well, it wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a replacement for him, but like someone like Trump to win. That's the only way I could see it happening. People talk about the Brexit and how that surprisingly won and comparing that, the sentiment, the sentiment that made that win that maybe that's what will propel Trump to a victory. But I, I don't see it. I really don't see it. It's just, if it were a close, election in the states that Trump needs to win, if it were really close all but but slightly favoring Hillary, then I'd I could see that factor coming through. But she he's just too far behind in too many of these battleground states. Yeah. So, so I, that's why I just don't see it. It it doesn't well, matter. That's the, it doesn't matter the national polls. It doesn't matter if, you know, if if he's behind three points, five points. It doesn't matter how many points. What matters is in the battleground states that he has to win. Where he is, and he's too far behind in a lot of them. So I I just I don't see that changing. All, all I see is as far as scandals sinking Hillary, we have so many of them coming out every few days, and they don't seem to really be affecting very much. So I think people are either just tuning them out like they don't want to hear it or they're just kind of accepting it and trying not to think about it too much. So, all right. Well, Larry, thanks for, uh, thanks for calling in. By the way, is that gringo yeah, star? Is that taking my call? So that gringo, that gringo star guy you post on the forum, isn't really you. It's really a separate person. No, that's, no, that's actually my friend. Okay. Yeah. He like he liked the site enough to uh, sign up and you know, the, uh, the mafia seems to not like him. There's another user in the. This person hasn't posted yet, but this this uh, Roland X four two four twenties girlfriend who says she doesn't remember much, and of course she has four twenty in her name. Why do you think she doesn't remember much? But I I wonder if she's even real. Like she wants to play the free role, but am I really just letting Roland X four twenty multi account, or is she real? I don't know. She claims she's been she claims she's been listening a lot over the past four years, but just never identified herself. Oh, well, my my friend just started listening and posting, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that... But yeah, that is not that is not me. Okay. All right, Drew, thanks for taking my call. All right, thank uh, you. Thank you, Larry. I'll see you soon, then. Bye. Bye. So that, that's it. I'm, I'm alone here. We've uh, we've lost everybody. Right? No trader risky. 
No, Brandon. No, Calwatt. No, China Maniac. Not even Larry. We everybody's gone. The, my phone lines are completely shut down. There's no one. I think it's been a while since I ended the show with no one, with absolutely no one. It's kind of lonely. That's good. I, I had company throughout the whole show, so I can't complain too much. So, next week, show number 200. Can you believe that? Since Poker Fraud Alert went up in March of 2012, 200 shows. We didn't even start doing these radio shows until like a month later. That's a lot of shows, especially considering the length of the shows. I spent a lot of hours doing this damn radio show. Like 200 times whatever the average length of all the shows was. Wow. That means I've talked to you guys for more than a thousand hours, probably. That's a lot of hours. There's only 168 hours in a week. (laughs) So that's a lot of hours. A lot of you have probably gotten to know me pretty well. I actually haven't been on every moment of those... 200 shows. There were some shows, not many, but a few of them in there where I either wasn't on or was not on most of them. Shows that were run by Brandon, China Maniac, etc. I actually heard one of them running on the Call to Listen line last week. Speaking of the Call to Listen line, if it's having any issues when you try to use it, please let me know. You can email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You can text me at 775-372-8355. I want that call to listen line to work. It's very important to me. We will be back on Wednesday. It will be Wednesday, August 31st. Obviously the final show of August at our usual time. 7.30 or so at night Pacific time. As we inch closer to fall, it starts to cool off in most of the country. Not here, though. L.A. actually has its summer all the way through the end of September, sometimes through October. Good night. Shalom.